0: Everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to episode two B, I think here of uh, Cast Pioneer. I'm Tan Grace, so As always, enjoy my Ross Merriam. Ross, welcome back. Yo,
1: I think it should be episode two, part two, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, that's a much better title. Why did I let you do the intro of this episode? I don't know. Uh, you know, some sometimes you gotta keep the the talent on the down low and, and only reveal it at opportune times. Is that why the Jazz never win? They're three and one. How are the Pelicans doing?
0: Uh, we're zero and four. Yeah, uh, zero
1: and okay. four. So you're one to talk.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect a ton from the team this year, but the injuries have definitely not helped out. But still, yeah, they're a fun team to watch if you haven't watched one of the games yet.
1: Well, I will watch them as soon as Derek Favors is in the lineup. <laughs> you love Utah so much. Well, <laughs> I specifically love Derek Favors. <laughs> <laughs> he's like your
0: he's, your, he's your favorite.
1: He was definitely he's always been a fan favorite in Utah. You know. He was the major piece in the Darren Williams trade, so he sort of represented a shift in eras for the team from those late 2000s Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer, Memo, core teams that just lost to the Lakers four years in a row, uh, but were very good teams. Uh, made one trip to the Western Conference Finals in 2007 before being swept by the uh, the Spurs, uh, and you know that that was an end of an era, and the favors were sort of the young, exciting prospect that they got. He was the third pick in the draft that year, young out of Georgia Tech, super athletic, uh, very exciting, and he ended up, uh, you know, turning into a very good player. The problem was, you know, he overlapped too much with Rudy Gobert, and Gobert is like a, a generational player. So, uh, you know, he he ended up having to sacrifice a lot for the team in terms of both his own touches and playing time, uh, but you know. Consummate professional, super great guy. And, you know, every now and then he would just unleash a game where he went off. You know, last year in Milwaukee, in that incredible game that Utah had, uh, you know, huge comeback in the fourth quarter, he actually played the stretch run because Gobert was having the worst game of his season. And Gobert actually said, like, get Derek in there. He's having a great game. I'm not, uh you know, another great, you know, te- team player. That selfish and moment. Favors yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Favors came in and was huge down the stretch i remember a game three four years ago right around my birthday i think it was december 4th where they played indian uh indianapolis and favors put up a career high 35 had a and one with like under 10 seconds left to tie the game they won in overtime it was uh so you know De- Derek has a lot of uh you know jazz fans have a lot of fond memories of Derek favors
0: yeah i i can see that actually and uh, i forgot that he was part of that trade man y'all made the better end of that trade quite a bit those franchises went in completely different directions when when that happened and yeah. it was the expected outcome
1: for sure no, d-, d will had uh, had some injury issues once he got to to brooklyn he was good for about a year and a half and then injuries really uh did a number on him uh unfortunate you know
0: speaking of injuries how are your vocal cords after yesterday from uh or sorry two days ago from recording the first part of this uh we're about Ooh. a little a little over 24 hours removed from it I had a day to
1: rest. I'm good. You know, I did do versus live in the interim, so uh, yeah. I'm pretty used to talking. I don't know if you can tell, but uh you know, well <laughs> I have I have uh, well used vocal cords, they're they're quite strong.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, um so for every show I go through like a little setup before we do our show, right? Like um I get like a, a big thing of water and uh you know I usually try to drink something hot to kind of like warm the vocal cords up and have some other stuff going on. And for that episode, I found myself woefully unprepared. Uh, I got through the I got through the entire glass, like the entire big thing of water. uh, I don't know, maybe halfway through the show, and I was like, "This is not going to end well." I thought about like sending you a message, hey, just like vamp or you know, just talk for a little while, which apparently you're good at,
1: uh, so I can go get some more water. But I was like, I didn't want to leave you by yourself (laughs) with all the. I grew up in a six person family. You know, yeah, you had to talk and talk loudly to be heard. Yeah. uh,
0: uh, I will say my, uh, my wife is from a Latin family and they're the same way. And I'm used to like everyone like taking their turn. So that was like a, a, a stark contrast difference in like, you know, family gatherings that I had to get over real quickly. I remember the first time I like spent time with their family, you know, we came home and I was just like, what was going on? Do y'all, do y'all? she's like, no, that's just normal. I was like, Oh, okay. You know, cause I grew up with a very small family. It was like my mother and my brother and me. So uh, I was used to, you know, the very structured conversation kind of thing. So. But anyway, uh, you know, we're we're kind of almost 5 minutes into this episode. We should probably just get to the damn stuff that we need to need to cover cuz we got a lot left.
1: Yeah, you know, we, we promised y'all that we would get through every single list in the first deck dump that came out on Monday morning. We're through a little over a third of it at this point, but you know, as we get through, we get, there's a lot more overlap, things will go faster. So, we're going to try to power through the remaining, you know, 85 decks that we've got. Uh so yeah, we I think it's a good idea to just get into it.
0: Yeah. Uh, one thing, though, I do want to make one point because you brought it up. Um, this was Ross's idea. I <laughs> want to leave that out there that <laughs> we had the conversation. I was like, yeah, what do you want to do? Like pick out, you know, like 20 to 30 good ones and maybe talk about the different. And he's like, no, we're doing all of them. And I was like, it'll, Ross, I don't it. think it'll only take
1: like two hours. To it. yeah, yeah, he told me it would only take two hours. I was like, you're you're
0: way underselling it. All right. Anyway, so uh, we had just finished the Esper Spirits deck. Yeah. And we are moving on to Littlefield's 5-0 deck of what looks like to be Mono White Heroic. Uh, uh, this is a strategy you kind of like, right? I remember you playing one of, uh, something like this on Versus Live. Yeah,
1: I played a, a Boros Heroic deck yesterday on Versus Live. Uh, you should check that out. That'll uh, be up on YouTube on Friday if you missed it live. Uh, this is a, a different take, actually, and an interesting take. This is a Mono White build. Uh, so it's using some of the auras that I've seen in Azorius Shells, Cartesian Solidarity, Ethereal Armor, Griff Spoon. Uh, but the real interesting part here is Phalanx Leader. This is a white, white 1-1 and has heroic. So when it's targeted by a spell or ability, you control, or a spell you control, uh, not ability. That would be way too good. Um, yeah, so whenever you cast a spell that targets Phalanx Leader, you put a uh, plus, one, plus one counter on each creature you control. So not just the heroic creature. The, the issue with Phalanx Leader, this was an excellent card in Limited. Uh, You know, one of the premier uncommons in in the Theros block, but in a constructed format, you know, the issue is that your heroic decks tend to be creature light for aggressive decks because you need to fit in a lot of spells to target them. So you you end up playing the sort of protect the queen strategy where you you build one big threat and you make sure it lives with God's will and Johnny's presence, you know, dive down if you're in blue, things like that. So Phalanx leader ends up not generating a ton of value because you just don't go wide that often. But there are a couple of cards in here that sort of bridge that gap, that let you go wide while still having enough ways to target with the heroic strategy, and they are Cartouche of Solidarity and Launch the Fleet. You know, Cartouche of Solidarity being an aura that generates a token, that's already you know pulling double duty. It's generating a creature and targeting your heroic creatures, uh, so that's a nice one. And then Launch the Fleet is the real big one. This is one white sorcery has Strive. Uh, Keyword from that block, so it costs one more for to cast for each target beyond the first. It says until uh, end of turn, any number of target creatures each gain. Whenever this creature attacks, put a one-one white soldier creature token onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. So this card can target multiple heroic creatures, which is really nice. You get a ton of triggers. Uh, if you want to pay the extra mana, but they're also going to generate a lot of tokens when they attack. And then your phalanx leader is going to buff those tokens. And so you really have the ability to play both sides. You can go tall, you can go wide. And sometimes, I mean, your best draws, you do both at the same time. And that's really tough to stop from, uh, uh the other side of the table.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I really liked this. They've also got uh, Myth Realized in their deck and Castle Ardenvale, just kind of extra hedges on just playing a few extra creatures. Because like you said, if you've ever played against um, this kind of deck before, if you ever played it's heroic, it can play a lot like Infect does in Modern. If you haven't played against this kind of strategy where, you know, they may draw one or two creatures and then that's it. So if you can get through one or two creatures, usually this deck is very easy to beat. That's the problem, though, is they protect their creatures really well. You know, you got cards like God's Willing in here to help make sure they stay alive, but this one has a good chance of going tall and wide. So I kind of like the idea of like being able to switch roles if it needs to, or keep up with, you know, decks that can go wide themselves against you and overwhelm me. Cause that was always a way to beat this deck is like, yeah, they'd have like one big thing that you could make, you know, seven creatures of your own and kind of yeah. overwhelm it.
1: There is a, a downside here. You know, this list is not playing any removal in the main deck. So you're a straight non-interactive Uh, aggressive deck you're going to have to mulligan aggressively make sure you curve out early Uh, and things like the the copycat combo could be a problem you know even in the sideboard there's no instant speed removal for Felidar guardian there's just some declaration in stones you do have authority of the consoles as a singleton that will you know prevent the combo from doing anything relevant since you will gain a life for each copy of the the cat and then it'll just deal the one damage back uh, and then, Fraxinet Revoker to name, you know, a So, a couple of proactive ways to stop the, that combo in the sideboard, but really not a lot of interaction uh, in this deck. So, you're, uh, it, you know, in order to succeed, it's going to have to do really powerful things really consistently. Uh, not sure if it meets that mark, uh, but it definitely has has a, an impressive high end draw from what I'm seeing. Yeah, for sure.
0: I definitely like the Phyrexian Revoker idea of being its answer to something like the Saheeli combo because it it also works with the general idea of the deck. You know, you're not diluting your deck with a bunch of cards that are reactive when your deck is... 100% 100% the other way around yeah. And, yeah, and you that, know like the idea of this
1: deck is and that 2 one body gets buffed by phalanx leader it gets protected right. by god's willing so you know having a normally having your answer to those things as a creature can sometimes be awkward because it's vulnerable to their own removal here it fits so well with what the deck is doing that it just makes sense
0: yeah absolutely uh super big fan of this kind of strategy i don't usually play with it too much but i
1: lo- i lose to it all the time so i definitely respect it right, let's move on to the next one Okay, this is uh, Oaf McNamara, a name that I recognize, so I assume a a noted Moto Grinder. Yeah, definitely a Moto Grinder, for sure. This person always puts up good results. Yeah, playing a a Sultai Delirium deck. This is interesting because we've seen Sultai mid-range decks uh, pop up, and they did quite well last weekend, but most of them eschewed that Delirium package. And this one is playing four copies of Traverse the Elvenwald, but really isn't doing a whole lot to enable it. It's playing it a lot as a Mana Fixer, and then you know, isn't playing things like Grizzly Salvage or Jace Friends Prodigy to, to fill its graveyard. They are playing some varied types. We see two copies of Corsair crucifix, two walking ballistas to get artifact and enchantment. We see four copies of Oko, unsurprisingly. So we got hit our planeswalkers, good mix of instants and sorceries, and then Fabled Passage to get lands in, along with the Grim Flare, which is just a solid mid-range creature, uh, you know, to begin with. So not a ton, not not going super hard towards the delirium route. And you know, that might be the route that you need to go if you want to play Traverse the Elvenwald. You can't go too hard enabling it with cards like Grizzly Salvage and Vessel of Nascency because those are just pretty weak cards to put in your deck and you don't have a lot of time to cast them. You're going to fall behind. But the cards that are good enough to stand on their own, the Grim Flares and the Traverses and then the, the individually powerful cards of varying types might be enough.
0: No, 100% agree with you. Yeah. Um... The Verse Traverse in this deck is always getting a land. You're, you're never going to have uh, uh, Delirium super early in this deck. Definitely like the idea of cutting the some of the enablers because I, I got to agree with you, they feel weak overall. Like spending two mana to cast Grizzly Salvage in this format when you're not following it up with like some absurd turn or you're not putting a bunch of extra power a play when you're doing it like with a dredge deck kind of thing um, doesn't feel very good to me. Uh, I don't think this format is absurdly fast like modern is where the games are, you know, decided sometimes on two, three or four. But it could kind of be decided, right? Like you could fall just too far behind because you're not doing enough. And this version of Delirium plays to the board a lot harder than all the other ones. Also, it's still got four Thought Seize, three Abrupt Decay. I mean, like that's just going to be enough in this format to, to keep up with a lot of the decks. So uh definitely like what's going on here. It's just a solid, solid black green deck splashing blue. You know, it's got Oko main and a couple blue cards in the sideboard. Uh, actually, I think it's just one blue card in the sideboard. So the only blue cards in the deck are Oko and Mystical Dispute. So it's pretty much a, bl- a black green deck with you know the ability to have some blue cards because it's kind of free in this format to, to splash blue. Like it doesn't cost too much to play Botanical Sanctum, Breeding Pool, and like one island
1: yeah. in your and Fable yeah, in your deck.
0: Yeah, with Fable Passion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Guild
1: of Use to help fix too. Yeah, so that it's a pretty easy splash to make. And one last note on this, I really like how restrained they are in the, the Singleton's for Traversy Wald. Uh, I think a lot of people just go overboard with tutor target. Oh, yeah. We got Tireless Tracker, we have Murderous Rider, we have Emrakul. We have our big over-the-top threat, our removal spell, you know, that's disguised as a creature, and our mid-range card advantage threat. There's one Tasker here. I don't think you're really traversing for that one that, that often. I think it's just pretty free to have a Delph card in your deck, but you don't want yep. the, that many. So uh, I think that's why the tasker is there. But the other three, that's going to cover you in... 80 plus percent of your bases there's even some scavenging uses and walking ballistas that have other functionality so uh yeah i love how restrained the, uh the deck building is here we got one copy of kalitas in the sideboard as well that's a that's a solid tutor target
0: uh, yeah I, lo- I love their tutor targets all of them are great uh definitely shout out to how good murder's writer is yeah. for a oven wall target yep
1: definitely something that you don't want to forget
0: yeah you can kill a planeswalker with your oven wall that's something that doesn't come up all the time but when it does it's nice to have that kind of out in your deck for sure i definitely like that yeah okay we are
1: moving on to my next sweet deck i know i announced i had (laughs) you know eight or nine of these on on the first part of the show so uh that's definitely the first two words in my notes on stabilo's four color neocat is what i'm calling it this is a a cat combo deck that is playing neoform as a way to tutor for at least half of the combo and is fitting it into an interesting shell this is sort of elementally because there's four copies of Voice of Resurgence, good thing to sacrifice to Neoform, four copies of Risen Reef, and then four, uh, one copy of Master of Waves. And if you read Master of Waves, the tokens that you got off of it are elemental tokens. So if you get a Master of Waves with Risen Reef on the battlefield, you're probably going to trigger Risen Reef three, four times. And that is kind of ridiculous.
0: Yeah, like if you do that, you're either getting through a bunch of lands or you're drawing up a bunch of cards or some of both. And you're going to be able probably to like outvalue your opponent from there. Um, I like this idea for this deck. Uh, You know, the the, the cat combo sometimes, like, you can build the fast versions of the deck where, you know, you're trying to make it happen as quickly as possible. Like, you're playing a bunch of ways to find creatures and a bunch of ways to find Planeswalkers. You're making sure your mana is good, and you're just going to try to do it on turn three or four every time. If someone disrupts you, you don't really have much else going on. This deck has a pretty solid backup plan with, like you said, Voice of Resurgent. It's got Whisperwood Elemental at the top of the chain to go get with uh, Neoform. It's even... Yeah, another elemental. It's got Charming Prince to kind of like, you know, you could do some stuff more than once. You know, you can you can keep flashing creatures in. So uh, Master of Waves plus Risen Reef with Charming Prince is a lot of value. So if you like value in your Banty decks, but also having just the combo kills, the Healy Ride, this is the deck
1: well, for you. Master of Waves is a little awkward with Charming Prince because Charming Prince doesn't return it till the end step. So your first wave of tokens is going to die. But so Felidar Guardian, you know, state-based actions aren't taken until after the Master Race comes back. So Felidar Guardian lets you double up for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's still fine, though, if you have to do it, you know, just get a bunch of triggers on your on your Risen Reef in some matchups. If you're only
1: getting like two or three creatures, you know, yeah. you're fine losing, but, the, losing those tokens for all the value. It's also pretty easy to trade off those tokens in combat and then sort of reload the Master afterwards. You know, if you're yeah absolutely right, right through it uh one thing i'm a little weirded out by is the choice of arboreal grazer i think it's meant to combo better with neoform so like you get your land onto the battlefield, you get your acceleration then you can neoform it away without losing that but in a 23 land deck it's just so unreliable i think a lot of the time you're going to cast this on turn one and then you're going to miss a land drop in the next two turns and it's not going to do a whole lot i think just like like just Gilded Goose. You've got Okos to help support it. Maybe you want to r- raise your Oko count as a result. That's a fine thing to do. Uh, but Gilded Goose is a card that like sometimes that food turns into an elk and you don't really have anything to do with it. It's perfectly fine to sacrifice. Sometimes you've used the food already and you don't really have the mana to make more food that, and you can sacrifice it without you know feeling bad about it. Uh, I think Goose is definitely a better fit than Grazer here. But this is a, a really interesting take on the cat combo. One of the one of the cooler shells I've seen with it.
0: Yeah, I do think that Goose can be better because it's it's more often ramp if you want it. And that kind of effect, like you said, you're not always going to have the extra lands of a Boreal Grazer if you don't have it on turn one. But maybe you usually do. But I do like the fact that or Boreal Grazer blocks well in this deck against like a, the plethora of modern red decks that we've seen on the deck dump. And it definitely blocks a little bit better than uh, Goose, but maybe that's something you can think about. No, so, but up. I, I got to agree with you. I, that's go a ahead. good
1: point. It, does. it is a good blocker, protects your planeswalkers. That 23 land count.
0: But yeah, but the 23 land count, exactly. But no, this deck's really cool. Um, I was wondering if we we're going to see Neoform decks show up in this format. You know, something along the lines of that with uh, Edric's Evolution. But this is definitely one of the first, you know, versions of the deck that I've seen. And doing it with Sahili Rai just makes sense to me.
1: Neoform is one of those cards that's going to get better in a larger format. It hasn't really popped into Modern because Modern is a little bit too powerful for it. Although it is, you know, a key part of the the Gristle brand, you know, nonsense deck. Uh, So I guess it has popped into Modern a little bit. But here, you know, there's a lot of options in Pioneer. And and I love the one of Renegade Rallyer. That's a great value play. It's turn two voice, turn three neoform it, get Rallyer, return voice. Now I've got eight power spread across three bodies, and I've spent two cards to do it. Yeah, you know?
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: so and then you, you know the Reflector Mages and Renegade Rallyers turn into Felidar Guardians. It's just uh, and if notably if you, uh, I guess. If you need a form for your Dark guardian, and then you start trying to go off, it'll eventually go back to a one four. So you don't get to protect yourself from the the four damage spells. But uh, so yeah, ignore ignore that point. I was I was thinking out loud. You probably should. You were like going through the process of it. Probably should do that on live TV. Uh,
0: no, it's fine. I guess we're not actually <laughs>
1: live, but you know, like we're, that's not going to get edited out. You're going to see that I'm stupid. So.
0: Uh, I mean, Brent could maybe edit it out, but he might just want to leave it in there so everybody at home knows. Yeah, they, it, they so. should They should
1: know. Well, that's a, that's a good, good answer.
0: Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely excited to see the next name on the list before we get into the deck, which the deck is a sweet one. This one is a brew, but uh, this is done by Zanman and five-o. For anybody out there who's like followed magic through their whole career, or just knows what's going on. Um, I believe that this either was the account or... Uh, was he kind of a son, but I know it's a son playing, but, um, this is a reference to Jeff Zandy. Uh, this is a Zan man who went 5 Jeff Zandy. Uh, I don't know what I can say about the man. He, uh, he passed in the last year and just a great man, great part of the magic community. I mean, he was one of the very first magic players like period, you know, like I uh, grew up in grew up in Texas, a uh, big part of my early career in magic. I remember going to his house and drafting a bunch and stuff when I was really young, even later in my career when I lived in Texas. Great man. And this has got to be his son, Lawson, putting up a, a 5-0 with a really interesting deck with just a bunch of different Planeswalkers and kind of a brew centered around like Fabro Elder, Gilded Goose, Niv-Mizzet reborn. Yeah,
1: definitely a, a interesting brew with Niv-Mizzet. I, I really do think Fabro Elder is the key card here. You know, we've got four copies of Bring to Light, but it's in a deck with 12 Planeswalkers and a lot of Singletons. And Bring to Light you know, I'm checking myself again, does not find Planeswalkers. It's creature, instant, or sorcery. So you're limiting yourself in what Bring the Light can do. It's a lot of, you know, extra copies of it, some of your removal spells, and this one of Supreme Verdict, really. Uh, but, you know, the Planeswalkers work really well to favor our Elder, which both powers them out and, you know, protects them as this large Vigilance body. And the Planeswalkers are just really powerful. You know, Vraska Golgari Queen, we've seen in a lot of Sulta decks, the Royal Scions, the Fairy Time Raveler, Oko. Um, Some of the Singletons are a little strange, just like I'm not sure how much they do. But, you know, once you start adding a lot of Planeswalkers in your deck, diversifying them is generally a good plan. You know, it's hard to attack multiple Planeswalkers at the same time. And you start generating so much cascading value uh, and compounding value. That it, it you know, you can bury your opponent really quickly, and then these two copies of Soul Diviner let you play nicely with them, just generating card advantage off of their loyalty. Uh, so, uh, still, uh, you know, much like I expressed concerns over the previous uh, Niv Mizzet deck, concerned over the lack of cheap spells. You know, we've got our four Oath of Missa, four Gilded Goose, uh, but they don't have you know an immediate impact. And then the only other you know two mana spells are two abrupt decay two soul diviner and this singleton frostburn weird which is really weird, strange to me i guess it's meant to be another is it card for nimbusit and then you know another you know cheap defensive creature but maybe that's just what they needed in that slot but you know definitely a card that sticks out when you go through the list and uh,
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and this deck is definitely held together by four Aether Hub, four Mana Confluence, four Oath of Nissa. And can we give a shout out to Oath of Nissa in this format? Uh, this card yeah. has just been the glue in a lot of all the strategies and decks in this format. I think this was like a card that people talked about when the set got announced, and you know, they're like, "Oh yeah, we could play Oath of Nissa in these decks." And that was, how it was always seen. They're like, "Oh yeah, we could play this card too." When like this should be the start of your deck,
1: one of the most played cards in the format Nissa. right now,
0: right. Absolutely. So this deck's definitely cool if you're looking for a brew to kind of have some fun with. Uh, This is really malleable. You know, if you want to change it up here or there, you know, like you were saying, there's a a bunch of one of's in this deck. You can switch it around. I think that the Bring the Light um, Niv-Mizzet decks are definitely some of the coolest and most fun in the format and definitely the most, um, what's the word, personable, I guess you, you can do. You can kind of like... I want to be able to do this, this, and this, you know, with my deck or whatever, and change it up. And you're not changing the core of the deck too much by doing that. So I definitely think this, this deck is really cool and a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. And I, I do think Faber Elder is an underrated card. It's pretty easy to get this out of Wild Slash range. It's generally out of Fatal Push range. So I think it's going to live a lot in this format. And when it does, it generates a huge mana advantage. You know, if you untap with a Faber Elder, you're often casting a Planeswalker with your lands and then tapping Faber Elder for enough mana to cast a second Planeswalker you know all in one turn that that's a uh, that's hard to come back from it's gonna play like nycthos a
0: lot in this deck right yeah. like you know you're just gonna have like this this secondary spell that you're just gonna start bearing your opponent in big expensive things so definitely love the inclusion of it there maybe even going up to four might be correct
1: yeah uh i i could definitely see that so
0: yeah just gilded the goose into Fabro
1: elders is just very very powerful and i think that's something this deck should be trying to do at all times yep Moving on, we have another hardened scales deck. This one's similar to the one we saw before. A little interaction here with Thoughtseize, but the one thing I see that I like, four copies of Nyssa voices and Akara. I mentioned when we went over the first uh, iteration that this is a card I think should be a staple in these archetypes. I'd love to see four copies here.
0: Yeah, the thing I like about Nyssa and you know playing as many copies of it as possible is it allows you to be more aggressive with your creatures and getting them to the battlefield, right? Like you don't feel as bad about like Casting Walking Ballista for one. Casting Stone Cold Serpent for one. Just getting things into play as quickly as possible. Hingerback Walker for one. Because you're going to have Nissa behind it, adding plus one, plus one counters. Uh, Nissa Voices Indicar is a Planeswalker that costs one green, green. It has three loyalty. It's plus one, puts a zero, one green plant token under the battlefield. Uh, you know, just a body that you can start putting stuff onto. But it's minus two is where it really shines. It's Minus two puts a plus one, plus one counter in each creature that you control. And then it has an ultimate of minus seven. You gain X life and draw X cards, or X is the number of lands you control. Not necessarily what this deck's trying to do. It wants to plus and minus every other turn, pretty much, and make sure that you're getting that huge overrun effect out of the card and like growing your entire team. You combine that with four uh, winding constrictors out of this deck,
1: things can get out of hand real fast. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also like the three copies of Car and the Great Creator here. It's just another way to get a little bit more power, spread out your curve a little bit, and then you've got, you know, the, the nice copy of Walking Blist in the sideboard you can grab. You've got a copy of Heart of Curing as a standalone threat. You know, if, if your Karn is surviving, then Karn can pretty well crew the heart. We've got Pithing Needles we can find, which is a nice, you know, shoehorned-in way to answer the cat combo. This one of Verter's Hulk is an over-the-top threat, you know, and then a Grafdigger's Cage to answer Graveyard decks, and an Orbs of Warding against, uh, against Burn to try to lock them out. So uh, I, I think that's a... a need addition to this deck uh i think you kind of want to raise the land count if we're going up to threes and fours 20 seems a little uh light to me uh, especially with the the many utility lands that this deck is playing but definitely like these planeswalkers in this deck i think it gives it sort of another angle and a way to generate value even if your you know scales constrictor engine isn't humming
0: yeah absolutely also the green black decks have good mana So it's okay for you to play, you know, a double green spell in your deck that's trying to cast a lot of colorless cards, but also gets to have something like, like there's Karn, Bastion, and Mutavolt in this deck. You know, lands that don't tap for colored mana, which you have four Woodland Cemetery, four Overgrown Tomb, four Blooming Marsh. And these are generally going to come into play untapped if you like, you know, draw them in the right way. So at least for the first couple turns, you shouldn't be putting a land into play tapped for... Because I think the, the big point of this deck is you have to put a land into play tapped on turn four or five. It's not the end of the world. But if you have to do that on turns like one, two, or three... You probably should have maybe thought about mulliganing.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: You definitely want to curve out with this deck. Yeah, I, I like this deck a lot. I think the addition of Karn the Great Creator was just very smart and very good.
1: Okay, next up we have the Zippiest Bard uh, playing uh, an interesting mono black Eldrazi deck. Uh, you know, some odd numbers here in the removal, but that's fine. You're playing around with different removal spells, trying to figure out what works. I think that's a great way to do it in the early days of the format. There are two notes I have for this deck. One, so I think gifted aetherborn is an underrated card. You know, once again, like it's very, very good against the red decks, uh, you know, and, and it's just a solid creature overall. So I like gifted aetherborn a lot. The card I don't like, and it, it's a, a unfortunate is a really big strike to this deck is a reality smasher i think that card got a lot worse post oko because oko just goes up to six and one of the benefits of smasher is that it's so good at attacking planeswalkers and the new breed of planeswalkers with their high loyalty smasher is kind of behind the curve in actually answering them and that's a problem because it's always been reality smasher and thought not seer that were the draw to playing eldrazi in your deck and going through the you know Uh, rigmarole of adding all these colorless lands. It's basically like adding another color, right? You need lands that add specifically colorless. So this might as well be a two-color deck. And Matter Reshaper has never really been powerful enough to do it. You know, it comes in because it fits on the curve. There's four copies here. But the real draw has always been Thought Not Seer and Reality Smasher. And if one of those draws goes away, is Thought Not Seer enough of a draw to make me want to put all these lanes in my deck?
0: I'm not sure. But you know how I feel about Matter Reshaper, right? Not a fan Huge fan of Thought Night Seer, definitely a fan of Reality Smasher. There's only two here. I got to kind of agree with you that it's definitely not as good as it used to be, especially in this format where you don't really, like, especially in this kind of deck of this format where you don't really have a way to cheat it into play sooner. You know, you don't have like Eldrazi Temple yeah. or anything like that. Like, if your Mattery Shaper dies and puts a land into play, that's kind of like ramping, I guess. But it is pretty cool that, like, I like the idea that they have going with the land base in this deck. Like, there's 26 lands, but I think there's something like 10 different lands in this deck. Yeah a lot of which are utility lands that, you know, can tap for colorless so you can cast your Eldrazi. But there's also a field of the dead just chilling out in this deck, like ready to make some tutus if the game goes long. Also, there's four Ifnir deadlands, a land that, that we haven't seen in a while that actually has some pretty cool utility in this format. There's a lot of creatures just sitting around in this lane and can help pick them off. You know, there's Mirror Pool, Urborg, Waste itself, Ark Archiv- of uh, Orzaka, Bl- Blast Zone, Blighted Flynn. I mean, there's all kinds of different. Like, there's Endless Sands. I haven't seen that one make it into a deck like ever so there's there's some really cool stuff going on here. Um, this deck is just cool, I guess is the way to put it. I do like uh, I do want to make one note about something in the in the sideboard. There's three stain the mind or stain the mind. I'm sorry, which is a five mana convoke spell. It's four and a black. You get to name a non land card, search your opponent's graveyard, hand, and library for any number of cards with that name and exile them. So this is kind of like a cranial extraction, surgical extraction type card in this format that I probably think should be played a tiny bit more. Tannen, yeah, you hate these effects, don't you?
1: I got stained the minded twice last weekend for prime.
0: Good, good. You deserve. Once it
1: was on turn two.
0: Yeah, you, I, I was going to kill them. Wait, what? I was
1: going to kill them on turn three.
0: Wait, did you say turn? Two? I was on the play. How'd they do that on turn two?
1: Yeah, Kane Reinhard had a uh, turn one Hedron Crab, turn two Hedron Crab oh. play a fetch land, crack it, have four Hedron Crab triggers. Uh, Milled over a creeping chill, three amalgams, and two uh, vengevines. Cast the grave crawler from hand. So second Hedron crab plus grave crawler triggered the vengevines. Had five creatures in play. Tapped them all. Cast stain the mind, and then end a turn. Put three amalgams onto the battlefield as well.
0: Uh, did, you power, did you win the game? Nineteen power
1: and a creeping chill, and a stain the mind on, on turn two. Did you win? I did not. I oh. uh, untapped and conceded.
0: I definitely would have won that game myself, but, but yeah, go ahead. Definitely
1: got punished for uh missing the winning line in game 2 because that was game 3.
0: Yeah, you should probably not so, do
1: that. Yeah, Max Max punished there. So, uh thanks for bringing that card up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh well, you know, what are friends for?
1: Uh <laughs> but- I know, concur that I think this card is underrated and should see some play. Uh definitely a, an easy card to overlook and I, I also agree that I love just having a million utility lands. I think that's great. I'm not sure if all of them are good, but again, it's early in the format. I like trying things, seeing if cards can work. I think Ifnir Deadlands is obviously powerful, so four copies make sense. But then, you know, Arch of Blast Zone, Blighted Fan, Castle Locked Rain, like They're all going to work. Some of them will work. Some might not work. You'll adjust as you go on. But a 26-line deck with 13 utility lands, you're not flooding.
0: No, absolutely not. <laughs> and uh, I got to get a, another little... Uh, thing about the sideboard here there's three ganti lord of luxury i do love me a
1: by the way yeah is this card good i don't know Maybe. Uh,
0: it might be i mean like i mean you and i both know that uh our our third teammate brennan decantio loved this card to a ridiculous degree and did some work with it so i think there's a lot of matchups like in the, the the black greenish type max matchups you know any of the mid-range matchups this card can do a lot
1: yeah you you can also take felidar guardian and go for the rebuys
0: Ooh, I like it. I like yeah. It. Okay. That's a value train. All right. I'm in.
1: Just get all four of them.
0: <laughs> Speaking of black green decks, by the way, the next deck that we have on the list is uh, B Dell. Uh, their Oh list. This is a black green deck. Kind of like we've been seeing um, through a lot of the list so far, but this one is distinctly different in one way. This is a season's past deck for anybody who doesn't know what seasons past does. There's only one copy in the deck, but this is what the deck is built around. It's a six mana sorcery. And it says, return any number of cards with different converted mana costs from a graveyard to your hand. Put Season's Pass on the bottom of its library. So you can technically never be decked if the game goes super long. Like, you will not run out of cards before they do because Season's Pass goes to the bottom of your library. But this goes through the whole chain. You can get zeros with Fabled Passage. And if you have something like Walking Ballista in your, or if there's Hangerback Walker in the sideboard, you can get Hangerback Walker back all the way up through the list. You can get your ones with Thought Seas, your two with some removal spells. So you're get like Assassin's Trophy, Abrupt Decays, up to threes with something like there's Nissa Vastwood Seer in here, Tireless Tracker. And then you get, you know, that it goes on and on, all the way up to six, which I got to believe is the reason why they're running a Veraska Relic Seeker is so they have a six mana card in their deck to get back just the, the full Monty with Seasons Past.
1: Yeah, no, the, so that you can get up to seven cards then, just completely new hand, all spells. Uh, this is a deck that uh, emerged in the early days of um, it was Shadows over Innistrad Standard. Uh, this was one of the decks played at that Pro Tour. I believe it was John Finkel who made the top eight with it. Uh, basically just a, a traditional rock mid-range deck, but it uses Seasons Pass as its value you know, card, and it only needs to play the single copy because you have four copies of Dark Petition. Three black black sorcery. Search your library for a card and put it into your hand. And then shuffle your library. But if you have spell mastery and two or more inciner sorcery cards in your graveyard, you then add black 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 to your mana pool. So you effectively get it for only two mana because you get three of it back on a rebate. So uh, a very powerful card, and uh, you know, typically you're you know casting this on turn five finding your seasons past using the black mana to cast another removal spell to you know, keep the pressure off of you after having interacted a, a lot in the first few turns and then turn six when everybody's sort of low on resources you cast your seasons past reload and suddenly you're good to go because you get to return that dark petition the seasons past is now in your library again and that dark petition is going to find it once you play all the removal spells you brought back and it's just a repeated repeating cycle um uh, definitely a, an interesting card. I, you know, I think Dark Petition is powerful. This is a deck that faded pretty quickly in that standard format. Turned out to be you know a little slow, a little clunky. But in a larger format, you can actually you know have a higher density of really good removal of some cheaper spells, so that you don't fall behind as often. And then you can play some powerful you know silver bullets in the deck. We see the one of Murderous Rider. We see. One of Crypt Incursion as a piece of graveyard hate. You can you, know, you can just find this off Dark Petition on turn five, cast it if you have spell mastery, and really put a hurting onto these graveyard decks which aren't that fast. And we got our, our sweepers and Rituals and Languish. I like those singletons, and then just a pile of really, that really good Golgari removal. And then our creature suite is built to you know play well with that too. This is a deck that wants to make a lot of land drops. We've got Missa Vastwoods here and Tireless Tracker, great creatures. They've got Trader Trader again that plays super well with a heavy removal strategy. So I like the way this deck is built. I think it's you know interesting to go to uh, this kind of deck because it's not a deck that really succeeded in standard over the long term, but it is the kind of shell that gets better in a Pioneer. So I'm, I'm interested to see if this one has legs in the larger format.
0: Uh, I'm super interested. I think it does. I'm going to sleeve this deck up. Like th- this is one of the, you know, like five to ten on here that I'm like, I'm definitely going to play some de- some games with. I think Ritual Soot is a card that's definitely been underlooked in this format as a black sweeper. A lot of people talked about languish. Well, I think Ritual Soot is actually better in a lot of spots. Like it can still kill some of the creatures that actually get out of languish uh, size, like uh, Hydroid Crisis and stuff like that. Uh, so it still kills okay. everything out of the, bl- the blue green uh, devotion deck as well. So also like there's a to the slaughter in the deck. I'm a huge fan of that. You mentioned Crypt Incursion. It's very good against the graveyard decks. It also can randomly win you a game against the red decks as well. Cause you're going to be trading off resources as quickly as possible and killing a lot of their creatures. And if you gain like six to nine life off this card, they're probably not winning and you can find it off dark petition. Like you were talking about earlier.
1: Yeah. Because- you, you kill all their creatures on the first four turns. They've got you in burn range. They're like either like, I just need to untap and I've got you, or I just need to draw that one more burn spell. to finish you off. And then you're like, turn five dark petition gain nine. Okay. Yeah. Gain-
0: <laughs> yeah. Go good luck. Yeah. And you can, Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I definitely like this deck a lot. Um, I'm definitely going to take this one, screenshot it, and send it to Brennan Candy. I'd be like, here you go. Because he's going to love this deck. <laughs> yeah. so, like, so.
1: Maybe, if the deck is... It, you should play it first, actually, okay? If yeah. the deck is bad, you're just going to derail, like, a week of Brennan's life for no reason. So you've got to do That's, the... That sounds great. You, you've got to do the homework. you got to help him out, man. You know? No,
0: that sounds great.
1: Brennan, <laughs> Brennan with Golgari Midrange Piles, it's like me with Is it Spells. You know, you, you've got to... You gotta you gotta keep me away from them if they're not good enough.
0: Okay, okay. I will I'll think about it, probably still gonna hope to
1: derail his life, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> with, with friends like these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Moving on, we have Sinistar six one nine, another Azorius control shell, but this one using approach of the second sun. Uh, as, as a primary yep. win condition, we still see some copies of Dragonlord Ojitai and Torrential Gearhulk, so going pretty heavy on the big spells. You know, we, got, we also have a big to and has two copies of Sphinx's Revelation. So, I'm a little worried about the high curve, but you know, uh, Approach of the Second Sun has some nice cards to play with it. There's a Singleton Fay of Wishes to get a copy of Approach out of your sideboard if that's how you want to get it going. There's also four copies of Mystic Sanctuary, so once you cast the first copy, you know if there's one in your graveyard. You, know, you can get it back with Sanctuary and, and play it before you draw, you know, go through a million cards or whatever.
0: I'm, I'm going to say this, and this is not something I'm recommending with the deck, but it's something you can do since you have four Mystic Sanctuary. You can cast Approach of the Second Sun and counterspell it with your own sensor, because there's two sensors in this deck, and then Mystic Sanctuary back on top of your library. Because all, all the, yeah, the first time it, it checks if you've cast the card,
1: not if that it's resolved. Know. You won't get the seven life, but you'll set yourself up, yes. That is definitely a pattern you, you need to be aware of if you're playing this deck.
0: Yeah, uh, there are two Gear Gearhulks in this deck, like you said. I would like to see, possibly, if they could fit in Hieroglyphic Illumination in this deck. I talked to you a lot about this. Um, I think it's a really good card to have in your Hulk decks. It cycles early, it fuels dig-through time, which you see in this deck as well, but it's also just a great card to flashback when you want to aggressively play a Hulk on turn six, you know, and just, you know, draw two cards along with it. We've seen a lot of stuff like that in the in the past. Um, there's three Azorius Charms in this deck, too, a card that, like, so kind of slip through the cracks on a lot of people. Like, this card is legal in this format. It does a lot of things. It draws a card in, in matchups where it's not really alive. Um, it has three modes. You can choose one. It's creatures you control, gain lifelink, draw a card, or put target attacking or blocking creature on top of its owner's library for one blue and one white. So early defensive spell, draws cards late when you need it to. You could also do some pretty cool stuff with it with like Dragonlord Ojutai or Torrential Gearhulk where you put gear, your own Gearhulk on top of your library at the end of combat after you've gotten an attack in. And then you can just opt into your Tintral Gear Gearhulk and cast it again. Uh, late in the game. I used to do this a lot with Snapcaster Mage when those were in the same deck. So lots of cool little things you can do with this deck. So if you're going to play this one, you definitely need to get some reps in and figure out all the little cool things that you do. The one thing I'm worried about is three approach to the second son of the main deck. I think I would maybe move that down and up my Faye of uh, of Wishes count.
1: Yeah, give yourself a little bit more versatility there. Uh, Yeah, I, I think so. You know uh, the the way I'm looking at it, I, th- I don't think Torrential Gerhold fits that well in this deck. We've got a lot of fat at the high end, and a lot of it is built That's towards right, right. digging for approach and digging for that second copy. You know, Dragonlord Ojitai helps do that. The card advantage from like Narset does that. Take through time gets you there immediately. Uh, So there's
0: your reach sanitarium as well to help. out. I
1: just don't think you, I don't think you need the gear hulks on this deck. I think the land counts a little bit low, but I like how there are so many ways to build with approach in mind and really make sure that you're casting that second copy, either the turn after or within two turns of, uh, of the first copy. So,
0: yeah, you can't be casting Approach to Second Sun, putting it back on top of your library a few cards down, and then trying to naturally draw there. That's that's not the plan of the stack. You need to be getting through as quickly as possible. In fact, like if you know that you're casting Approach to Second Sun on, on turn seven, and you have something like Opt or Sensor in your hand, you should probably not be casting them before you cast your Approach to Second. You should probably be waiting till afterwards.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, cool take yeah. on the Azorius deck, definitely different from the list we've seen, and goes to show you that the the shell is pretty powerful
0: yeah absolutely and speaking of shells that are pretty powerful that we've already seen we see kind of the nycthos uh million forest mono green devotion deck next from uh timmy tron of course someone with the tron name is playing uh the mono green in
1: particular Uh, that that literally just describes this deck it's big creatures and lots of mana
0: yeah, and so this one's a little bit different than normal. This isn't your prototypical Nykthos deck, because it has all the little parts of it, right? It has Nyssa, Burning Tree Emissary, Elvish Mystic, Land War Elves, it, but we got Paradise Druid in here a little bit. That's that's a little different, but besides that, we have Sorok the Hunt Collar, Steel Leaf Champion, Romus, the Indomitable, Nullhide, Ferox, and Galta. And then along with the Great Hinge, something I haven't seen put into one of these decks, this is a little bit of a different direction for... Yeah, the this is deck.
1: sort of an aggro devotion deck, you know? And that's why I think you see Paradise Druid, you know, it, unlike um, Sylvan added this one can actually attack, but, it, you know, it's a mana creature you know you're going to untap with and be able to cast your four drops on turn three, your and Surak, the Hunt Caller, things like that. Uh, so I, I like that change. I think that's smart. I think using Burning Emissary in this list makes a lot of sense because you're going to get a lot of value out of the body. Also an awesome card with the Great Henge. Uh, I'm what concerns me about this list is I'm not sure if going this route fits with the context of the format. You know, I'd have, I'd have to play it. You know, it definitely could be, but I'd be concerned if this deck is fast enough to be racing the cat combo decks. You know, there's really no interaction here besides two copies of Pelucranos. So are you fast enough to race those decks? And are you just going to get trumped by the big devotion decks? This deck sort of strikes me as Eldrazi Tron versus regular Tron, right? And Eldrazi Tron probably hasn't been that good against regular Tron because like your mid, your cheaper cards just aren't that good in the matchup. I think Karn, the great creator might've helped you out there a little bit more recently, but I'm, uh, you know, but still like, you know, that their Karn, their big Karns and their O stones are going to be good. Uh, most of the time, the same is true for here. Like they're, 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 cronoses are probably going to make more mana than yours their you know hydro are might be even bigger than your creatures other than maybe galta uh though you know've I've cast a 2424 hydro crisis so galta needs some work uh so I'm wondering how, like if you if you have the speed here I like the inclusion as a result of Sorak the hunt caller and then giving your galta haste giving your, your your second big creature haste really important for closing those games out and sometimes with Nykthos, if you have enough mana out, you can go Sorok plus the Galta immediately uh, and you Just know, kill somebody, yeah. kill someone out of nowhere. So I like that aspect of the deck. I would have to see an action before I be really sold on it. But it's definitely an interesting take, and I think it's a really good shell for the Great Henge, which is a powerful magic card.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I got to say this. I like their sideboard a lot. From from the little things that I don't like about their main deck, I think their sideboard is really good, especially the four feed the clan. So we're seeing that like, yeah, mana red might be a problem, especially if they're killing your land worlds and stuff ahead of time. So they were saying, you know, I, I, I'm going to gain life because I'm going to win the long game. You see four, Satestin Tactics. This was secretly like one of the best sideboard cards when I played a lot of green, red devotion. This can help out a lot with cat combo or other creature decks, just kind of keeping you up. Uh, it's also not even terrible in the mirrorist matches where all you want to do is stop their mana generation if you can kill like their lamor elves on the play or whatever this is a big play yeah i think and then there's three in those matchups yeah and then there's three miscutter hydra as well in the sideboard so the matchups where someone's going to be having a lot of counter spells let's 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 be real there's a lot of hands where you have a ton of mana and one big payoff and if they stop it you kind of just sit there you know not doing anything Miscutter Hydra can't be countered. It's got haste and protection from blue. So it could also finish off a lot of those planeswalkers as well, really fast and easy. So definitely like the, uh, the sideboard uh, changes in this deck too. So yeah. uh, I did like your analogy of it. It does feel like Eldrazi Tron in a format where Tron exists though.
1: Yep. Uh, you know, but uh, an interesting take I'm yeah, I'd have to see it in action first. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Uh, next deck, another sweet one, uh, though I do not have the, this. This is not specifically a sweet deck but I I do think it is pretty sweet. It is Yuka 42's uh, Bant Field of the Dead deck, notably Eschewing Scapeshift. We're not going for that one-two combo. You don't see any Teferis. This is really just a ramp deck, but there's four copies of Hour of Promise, which I think is excellent. You know, great follow-up to Supreme Verdict. You wipe their board, then you Hour get, you know, Field of the Dead and something else if you need the different types, or just double Field of the Dead if you have six lands already and make some zombies and get that engine online immediately um and then four copies of sphinx's revelation you know in a 30 land deck revelation is going to put in some work
0: yeah i mean like how how often have you played a deck like this like if you played Bant ramp in standard where you know you have all these ramp spells early you maybe get a field of the dead going and you're making a two two but then you have like eight mana and nothing to do with it right yeah and- like you just you'll just ha- and it'll be like turn four and you have eight lands in play or something like that and you're like well i'm not really doing a whole lot our promise does help kind of fix that. You know, you can go get uh, a couple of deserts and make some tutus while your field of the dead is also making tutus. So you'll kind of get the ground gummed up, but there's definitely some matchups where that's not good enough. And something like sphinx revelation is going to help, you know, break through that by just refilling your hand. Yeah. It's kind of like, When you're playing the the green devotion decks and you play the blue version for Hydroid Crisis, that's what, that's what Sphinx Revelation is for for this. Yeah.
1: And these lists have in standard have played Hydroid Crisis before Revelation, you know, it doesn't make that body, but it's significantly better at giving you that life buffer and making sure you have a ton of cards in your hand to keep fueling Field of the Dead. So there are some advantages there uh, to the older card. And because you have that, you know, strong card draw power, I love the inclusion of all of these i can make extra land drops cards you know you have 30 lands you're going to have extra lands in your hand you're drawing extra cards so four growth spiral four arboreal grazer give you some nice defense against uh you know aggressive decks we got four elvish rejuvenator to find extra lands and then our one disenchant effect in the main is a broken bond you know a sorcery speed disenchant that just says you can also put a land from your hand onto the battlefield so you know I. Uh, We're really going heavy on that ramp theme, but we're doing it, I think, in the right way as opposed to playing things like...
0: Absolutely. I don't know
1: exactly what kind of rampant growth effects are available in the format, but as opposed to playing something like Farseek, Farseek definitely is, you know... Farseek is an awkward one with all our singleton lands, but I'm sure there's plenty of, of ways to find it. You're doing. You're getting the lands out of your hand because you know you're going to have them, and these cards have a lot of other functionality. Grow Spiral cantrips, Arboreal Grazer blocks early. Broken Bond with a Disenchant. chance. So you're getting your functionality in instead of playing ramp spells that basically just act as lands because you already have 30 of them. So you need to use the rest of your deck to you know actually interact as much as you can.
0: Yeah, before we move on, the only rampant growth effects in the format are the bad ones. It's like into the wake or whatever it's called, the one where you have to have a waste in play, and then like the the dinosaur yeah. one. I was to say it's all the check ones, you know, none of the just pure actual rampant growth, like two mana. Like uh I was gonna say uh what's it called? Uh Growth Spiral is like the closest thing we have to it in the format. So yeah, definitely like the build of this deck. Uh don't really have much else to say, but it's cool. Uh, a couple of the other singleton lands you get to add because they're they're legal in this format when they weren't in standard when this deck was really big. In like Lumbering Falls, Scavenger Grounds, so you get a couple like utility lands. Main like you can go get Scavenger Grounds with um our Promise, make two twos, and then be able to kill their graveyards the next turn, maybe if they're you know a graveyard centric deck. So definitely a cool idea here for sure.
1: Uh, next one up we have Ictomo nine one two. Yeah, I have no idea what I'm going with So this is a Golgari Dredge deck, essentially. You know, we're using Grizzly Salvage, Once Upon a Time, Stitcher Supplier, and Seder Wayfinder to fill our graveyard. We've got, you know, some good uh, recursive threats in Narcomoeba and Prized Amalgam and Scrap Scrounger. And then, uh, you know, the card I like the most in this deck is Smuggler Scopter. You know, it turns your early enabler, Stater wayfinder, and Stitcher Supplier into real threats by letting them crew the Copter and then gets these cards that you want in your graveyard from your hand in your graveyard, which is a big problem for these decks. You know, it doesn't quite work with Creeping Chill, but getting your Amalgones and your Scroungers in your graveyard while digging through your deck for more gas, really great. So I think Copter fits really well in these decks. We've seen it a lot. Uh, We're following your rule here with four copies of Once Upon a Time in our creature deck with Forests. So that's nice. I have to say... I played a version of this deck at the BCW challenge event last Friday. Mine was a Sultai list that was playing haunted dead and elder deep fiend as well to give you some sort of like sort of an over the top plan. You know, once you recur the creatures, you kind of need to end the game and they can be a little slow at doing this because we're not filling our graveyard quite as quickly as, you know, modern dredge uh, or Crabvine, decks like that. So, you know, elder deep fiend sort of acts as that time walk uh, and what, you know, uh, yeah, you can pretty easily dig for it. That list was playing um, the grapple with the past to recur them so you could set that up. I found the deck pretty inconsistent. You know, my, my list didn't have once upon a time and I was playing a third color and a little bit of an extra piece. So I think this deck's going to be a little bit better at being consistent if it's a little bit less powerful. But when your draws come together, this deck does a lot of work. Like it looks really good. Like it's high end draws.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do like the inclusion of Lawlift Troll as well as like, you know, the second version of Smuggler's Copter, While it doesn't do exactly the same thing, it does help put, you know, things like Pride Amalgam into your graveyard and Scrap Heaps Grounder into your graveyard to give you a little extra value and stuff there. The uh, card that gets a little underrated, but you got to remember, this card is legal in this format, and I think this card is actually really good. So. Super excited to see decks like this. Uh, not really my speed. I would play this deck, but I'm going to lose this one a lot. I know that for sure. I've I've played against it, and it is like when it does its thing, it's impressive.
1: Yeah, uh, it's just a question of finding the build that I think that's most consistent, and this right. does you know a lot of good things towards that
0: end. Yep. And uh, moving on, we're going to be uh, going on to another Monogreen devotion deck with Medv Dev. I think is how you how you pronounce his Medvedev. name. Um, yeah, Medvedev. So this one is pretty much everything we've been saying about all the other mono green decks, except this one's got one big difference in the main deck. Four Ulamog, Ross. Along with Karameter's Acolyte. Yeah, I
1: think, I think you might have missed something. Karametra's Acolyte is the card that stands out to me. Um, I
0: definitely missed that one the first read-through, sorry. Yeah. And
1: uh, honestly, it, it seems pretty cool to me, because when you have Lowland of Abundance and an Elvish Mystic, you make four mana on turn two, right? And so Charamander's right. Acolyte is the kind of card that can really take advantage of that. You play an Acolyte on turn two with a Leyline. Line. You've got 4 Devotion there. It taps for one extra because of the Leyline, Line. So that's 5. Your Mystic taps for 2. That's 7. You play a third land drop. What, 10. What's 7 plus 3?
0: Uh, that's 10. What is
1: Ulamog's Converted Mana cost?
0: That would also be 10.
1: Oh, so you're telling me they figured out this really neat curve that just casts turn three Ulamog, the Ceaseless Hunger?
0: Is that good? Do I want that? That's
1: that's better than Modern Tron, right? They they cast it turn four okay. at best.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, this is definitely really, really good. The more I think about it, also big thing to talk about here. So, Carman's Acolyte, like you said, it's a, it's a four drop that you it, it taps to add green into the devotion that you have. Like it doesn't say that on the card, but it, it adds green to your mana pool for each devotion to green that you have. It does say it. I'm yeah. sorry, it it literally. Says but devotion, uh, uh, come on. Yeah, yeah. The thing I was about to get to is it's a 1-4, which we've seen is pretty important in this format. Like, that fourth piece of toughness helps keep this around versus a lot of the removal spells that are common. Yeah. yeah. Plus, it's a 4-drop as well, so it can help uh, get around Abrupt Decay as well.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a, a heady find. I, I think this list is really interesting to me. Uh, I think it makes a, a ton of sense. You know, we're not getting too cute. It's oh, It's 4s and 1s, basically. The one card that looks weird to me is this Corsair Proofix. I think I would just play a 21st land uh, instead of it. Okay, I can um, find that. But other than that, this list looks good. And Carameter's Acolyte I think is a card that is I completely overlooked, and I'm interested in trying now.
0: Yeah, th- This this to me stands out as like, this might be the most well thought out Monogreen Devotion deck
1: that I've yeah, seen. Yeah, no, it, it looks very, really straightforward. Anytime you see a deck with a ton of fours, sometimes it can look untuned, but when you look at this one and, and think about it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And turn three Ulamog sense. is messed up.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're not going to lose those games. There, I don't know if there's a deck in this format that can come back from getting Ulamog on turn three.
1: Yeah. Especially on the play, you just take their two lands. What do yeah, they do? You just,
0: you, you're almost always taking their lands yeah. and they're just dead. Yeah. It's
1: just exile their deck before they can ever answer. Like, what, mm-hmm. what? The cheapest card that answers this is like Edict Effects at two mana. Mm-hmm.
0: no you're, you're definitely right so they eat at you but they've lost their mana and they're probably not coming back because you're just going to cast some other thing yeah like you're just gonna cast a pelucardos at that point, and they're just dead mm-hmm. or they're gonna get beat down by a bunch of random one ones and one fours and stuff so yeah definitely like this deck a lot this one definitely seems like probably the best one especially in the mirror like you're gonna go way faster than they do
1: okay uh we are gonna move on to the next one this is tim rod playing in gruel beat down deck with three copies of Embercleave. We saw this card a lot at the yeah. most recent Mythic Championship. I think it works really nicely here, especially with Gorkland Rampager. If we can Ember Cleave a pumped creature, you know, that's gonna end the game really quickly. And this deck is really just solid curve, very aggressive. We see four copies of experiment one and four pelt collectors. We really want to get that one drop down that's gonna, you know, get buffed by our other creatures. Burning Tree Emissary, notably being paired with a lot of cards to cast off of its mana. There's no green, green, red, red, two drops in here. We've got Voltaic Brawler and Zurchot Goblin, both castable for red, green. And keep in mind, Bone Crusher Giant's Adventure Stomp, also castable off of Burning Tree Emissary. So we're really keeping that in mind. I think that's really smart. If you're putting Emissary in your deck, make sure that you can take advantage of that ability and really be casting another spell. Uh, or if you're a heavy one-drop deck, try to be casting two spells off of it.
0: No, 100% agree with you. If you want to be an aggressive green-red deck in this format, like if you like Gruul Attack People, you know, if you like the card Gruul, uh, Gore Clan Rampager, if you like Gruul Spellbreaker, if you like Domri, this is the deck for you. I, I think this deck is one of the cooler uh, aggressive decks that I've seen that has a consistent, like, all-in plan. And I gotta say, this deck, besides the Devotion decks, is the best Burning Tree Emissary deck. I think I've seen it utilizing the mana.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I think... Uh, I think this deck could stand to have a little bit more interaction. You know, we've got Stomp and then Domri minus twoing. Uh Maybe we want a little bit more, but you definitely want to be super threat dense with a deck like this. I think this deck is going to end games on turn four a lot of the time, really. You know, if you've got like Experiment 1 into Emissary plus Brawler, your Experiment 1 is already a 3-3 and you have eight power on turn two, you know, you can Ember Cleave them on turn three. Does that kill them? You know your your brawler. Yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure they does. Your brawler yeah, can yeah. become
1: a four when it attacks. So you, you equip that one. So it's eight, that's a five. So yeah. that's a five with Embercleave. So that makes ten damage. And then you've got.
0: Oh yeah, ten. Yeah. And yeah. then
1: you've got three plus. You've got fifteen after attacking for three. So you, you've dealt yeah. them eighteen on turn three. A lot of shocklands in this format. So eighteen is probably good.
0: Yeah, eighteen probably good enough. Like yeah, it. definitely. Yeah. Uh, I like this deck a lot. Yeah, this one looks pretty cool. Um, like you said, maybe an extra piece of interaction here or there, but definitely a cool idea, and I like it a lot. Yeah uh if, if we move on to the next one we see a second interaction from uh yuka 42 i think we had this person in like just a couple just a couple of decks ago yeah, yeah they, were the, they, were, they were the real deck yeah it's their name's making me hungry by the way i love yuka yuka is really good but this is a this is a pretty interesting deck this is like the pioneer take on i, I guess this is kind of like humans sort of it's got like a spirit Uh, kind of thing too yeah okay this looks like the human deck that that we may get to later i can't remember if it's five boat or not but i've seen going around this one's more like a
1: monument deck through and
0: through okay i didn't see the catcher's monument i thought this was a different deck but yeah this is a catcher's monument smuggler's copter and then just a bunch of really good efficient blue white creatures really leaning on value yeah leaning on charming prince here knight of the white orchid militia bugler showing up with a lot of value here can find every creature in the deck uh, definitely cool in here. You're seeing Bygone Bishop, something we mentioned in the last cast that hadn't really been uh, been explored too much in this format. You have four Spell Quellers, I mean, three Spell Quellers, some Thraben Inspectors. This is just your typical, like, aggressive, disruptive creature deck that you've seen kind of like like the human decks in Modern.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm... So a, a card like Oketra's Monument, it, it's a powerful magic card. You know, we we, we saw it show up in Standard... Do pretty well uh, for at least a brief period. And the key is you know, you know you're know you going to play a really heavy creature deck if you're playing Ocatra's Monument, so you need to find ways to get interaction through your creatures. And this deck does a good job of that. We've got three copies of Deputy Detention, three Reflector Mages, three Spell Quellers, we have three Selfless Spirits to prevent re- removal from our opponent. Got a lot of card advantage between Bygone Bishop, Knight of the White Orchid, Militia Bugler, and Braven Inspector. Uh, so you know you're actually going to be grinding a pretty significant advantage with this deck while generating a ton of tokens. I like Bugler a lot. It finds basically every creature in the deck. Yep, all of them. I love Knight of the White Orchid. Definitely an underutilized card. Uh, so I, I like the way this deck is built quite a lot.
0: Absolutely. And just for everybody at home, uh, in case you didn't know, Oketra's Monument is a three mana artifact. It says, "White creature spell as you cast costs one less to cast." And then whenever you cast a creature spell, you get to create a one-one white uh warrior creature token that has vigilance and i'm doing a roll a quick check but yeah every creature in the deck is white or at least is half white or half blue so it's going to trigger a catcher's mind every time
1: yep uh one thing that worries me about this deck and once again uh, i keep bringing up cat combo but it's such an important part of the format right now and one of the ways to stop that is with cards like uh proper orb or tricottley honor guard i'm not sure if Torporb is in the format, but like effects like that, that stop enters the battlefield triggers from happening. And if we see people playing cards like that, this deck gets hit hard because all the creatures are meant to generate value with ETB effects. So you're going to need some removal on the sideboard. If those cards are popular, Uh, we don't see any, you know, straight removal in this list sideboard. So that tells me that people aren't really playing those effects and that's fine. You don't have to be scared of something that's not there. But keep that in mind. Like that is a powerful way to disrupt this deck, and it's something you need to be prepared for if you want to play it. Uh, and if the meta game shifts that way,
0: yeah, I definitely think this deck is cool. If you're a fan of any of the human decks, like old school, you know, blue white or bant decks, like this was this was a standard deck at one point in time. So if you're a fan of this kind of strategy, this deck looks viable in this format again. So definitely give it a try.
1: Yep. Uh, okay. Next up, Chubby Rain playing what I have labeled as four-color delirium, and we, we saw a soul-tile list earlier that we said wasn't trying that hard to enable delirium.
0: Oh, this one is trying.
1: It, it's definitely tr- it's trying, but it's trying in that it's diversifying its types. Um, you know, right. We're not seeing um, those those weak enablers like Grizzly Salvage, we're, but we are seeing a lot of singletons for traverse y which is a little weird because there's only three copies of the Traverse, but there's eight singleton creatures.
0: Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me, but I will say this. You're talking about how it's not playing some of the uh, the uh weak enablers. It is playing two Scrabbling Claws, and if that card is going to be good in the format, like if there's enough reason to have this card because it's good against like Delve, you know, some, you know, uh of like the dredgy type decks yeah, or whatever, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Arclight Phoenix yeah. This is just a good card to have in your main deck cuz it can it can solo win you a game. It can mess up their draws enough that it gives you enough time in game one to win a game. Plus it's an artifact that just goes to your graveyard. for everybody at home Scrabbling claws is a one mana artifact. You could tap it to exile uh to make a player exile a card from their graveyard or you could pay one and sacrifice it, exile a target card from a graveyard and draw. Yeah, this a card. is what we had so to do with to be,
1: before Relic of Regenitus. You know, we,
0: yeah, before we got yeah, the better we spoiled yeah.
1: Like y'all are. We had to play Scrabbling Claws yeah. and still beat our opponents playing dredge decks.
0: Back in Ross's day when he was walking uphill both ways in the snow. Yes. But yeah, so Scrabbin Colts was a reprint recently that kind of didn't get any press. But this is a card that could show up in this format. So yeah, this is like you said, it's just it's the Sultai Delirium deck with Teferis in it.
1: Yes, uh, which, you know, good card. The mana is probably workable. Um, maybe you want Gilded somewhere to help out there, but you do have Traverse as a mana fixer as well. The uh, the card that I like a lot in this deck is Oath of Nyssa. This helps your splash. You know, you can now cast fairies without white mana. It digs for the right lands to help fix your mana, but it's also a legendary enchantment. So when you play the second copy, one goes to the graveyard, and now you've got enchantment in there for Delirium. So it actually is sort of a Delirium a enabler, really a point. while also just being one of the best cards in the format. We talked about this earlier. You know, this card is just great.
0: Yeah, I think it's just better to play the four of these than play Vessel of Nascency. While Vessel of Nacency maybe has like a higher probability of you getting Delirium early because you don't have to draw two of them to make sure there's an enchantment in your yard. I think Othinous is just a much yep. better card. You know, you're you're spending one mana versus two, or I'm sorry, three, because it's one to cast, two to activate over the span of multiple turns. Plus, it allows you to play these Teferis in this deck. I think this is a really heads up uh, idea by Chubby Rain here. And I like this deck a lot the the thing that stands out to me like you said it's a three traverse versus the eight one ofs but you know maybe you want more and maybe play like one extra basic maybe just to make sure that your mana is good but uh, it's yeah probably fine. and it's not like
1: any of the creatures here are bad you know they're all good they're all one ofs.
0: yeah like i was looking at it to make sure they're not playing a planes in their deck which i'm a big fan of like don't yeah. don't play planes in this deck
1: yeah you don't want to draw planes uh also of note oath of Nyssa, great card to bounce with your teferi time ramblers,
0: oh yeah i was actually just thinking yeah. about that so We talked about that in this format is like sometimes people are going to play decks where Teferi is good against them, but you might not have a good target for your Teferi. And I like having just something that you can you can target for some value out of your own deck.
1: Corey was doing that a lot yesterday on Versus Live playing in a copycat shell, and it was backbreaking every single time. That sounds nice. Okay, next up, we have another Azorius control deck from Azorius Raj. I assume it's like short for Roger. Yeah, Uh, probably. Hopefully. And uh, you know this one's a pretty typical Azorius deck. Uh, this time we see three Sphinxes Revelation, zero Dig Through Time, so a little bit heavier on the Revelations. I like twenty-six lands, but the one thing I uh, you know I want to note about this deck: three copies of Last Breath. And what we talked uh, earlier about how the Azorius decks didn't have great spot removal. Last Breath is a card that I overlooked, and I think is really good.
0: Yeah. So Last Breath is a one in the white mana instant. It exiles target creature of power two or less. Its controller gains four life. This is uh, the build of Azorius that was very good in standard. It had a bunch of Last Breaths main because it killed a lot of the things in the format. You were killing Packrat, you were killing New Vault, stuff like that. Night Vel Spectre. I am a little worried that there's a lot of you know, 3 3s and 4 4s for cheap in this format, but this does kill Landmar Elves, which is a big deal. And something like that it is a target or mobile spell that so you can just point at something and kill, which is a big deal in this deck, like you said. Plus, they're also playing Commit to Memory in this deck. So, this is where I would probably look to build my blue white decks if I wanted to build the do nothing max like Sphinx Revelation type decks. Like you need to be able to answer a permanent that gets into play at some point in time and commit to memory last breath can definitely help out with that a lot. There's also a Cyclonic Rift in here to kind of, hey, pick that up. I'll counter it on the way back down kind of thing because uh, the one problem I have with these decks, I do think they're good. I like them a lot. If your opponent resolves a Teferi Time Raveler against you and you don't have something like commit to memory or Cyclonic Rift, you're just dead.
1: And two copies of Spell Pierce here in the main deck to help make sure the Teferis don't resolve. So I I like the addition of the cheap spells here. My issue playing Azorius and Versus was that it didn't have enough cheap spells, and and this one is definitely going hard to solve that problem while still staying in the blue-white shell, so we get four copies of Field of Ruin, we get to play Mythic Sanctuary, get all these cool utility lands, uh, and just get a a smoother mana base. So I I like the direction this deck is going. I'm not sold that it's better than Esper, but it's definitely one of the better-looking straight blue-white lists I've seen we also see four copies of Fiend Slayer Paladin on the sideboard, a card you mentioned earlier in a completely different deck that looks like a great sideboard card against the red aggressive decks. So this deck is not messing around against them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you just want to survive to cast Sphinx Revelation against them. Like that's, that's, that's the name of the game. Just, just survive against the red deck. And then at one point in time, you're going to cast Sphinx Revelation for four or five and the game is probably going to end. I'm going to go on a rant for like half a second. So when you're building your blue-white decks and you, and you want to do it with Sphinx Revelation instead of something like Dig Through Time and Torrential Hog. You need to trade cards as quickly as possible in the early game. You need stuff like there's four Zorius Charm in this deck. There's three Last Breath. There's two uh, Spell Pierce, stuff like that. You need to put cards into your graveyard, and it's not because of delving. You need to actually get through things as quickly as possible because you need to make sure you live. And so you want to fill your deck up with a lot of these cheap interaction spells like we've seen this person do. You know, we've got tons and tons of two mana interaction in in this deck and one. And that's the best way to build your deck because it allows you to get to Sphinx Revelation more likely and still be alive. But also when you Revelation and you're going to have to do it for three and four a lot of times in this format because of the speed of it, you now draw more cards you can cast the next time you have mana. You know, you're not just drawing a bunch of clunky four and five and six drops. So definitely make sure that your deck is as lean as possible. These Sphinx Revelations and you're not just all top end.
1: Good, good points. Good points. Uh, Moving on, we have Chaos of Minds. Four color human cocoa deck. This is no black, but you know, really it's base white, really heavy white. We have four copies of Benelish Marshall, but we're touching some other colors to get more powerful cards. There's four experiment one, four mantis riders. We're getting into blue and red, a four reflector mage, and then the four collected company. So only 16 cards on the deck that aren't castable with just white mana, which is nice because we're trying to balance a four-color deck. So having that really heavy base color, you know, every single land in the deck makes white mana. So our four color deck has no problems casting a Vanilish Marshal. You know, we're taking a little pain to do it with four copies of mana confluence and a lot of shock lands. There's uh four unclaimed territory as well to help out. But the mana should be workable. I'm a little worried about casting collected company. There's only mana co- there's ten sources. That that's that's like the bare minimum to me, four temple garden, four confluence, two fortified village. But it's enough that you know the the increase in power level of this deck might might merit it. You know, Thally's Lieutenant, Reflector Mage, Mantis Rider are staples of the modern version of this deck, and then we're playing Banilish Marshal, really powerful, some good, really good one drops, and Charming Prince to tie it all together. I'd like to see some more interaction main beyond Reflector Mage. Uh, I'm not sure how good Smuggler's Copter is in this deck, card that I think is really good, but Thraven Inspector and maybe a freshly cast Lieutenant are about the only good creatures at crewing it. But it is a the looting does help your mana, so. I'm I'm interested in pushing the boundaries of what the mana can do in this format, and I like where this deck is going. But this is another deck that I'd have to see to believe.
0: Uh, see, like I'm, I'm glad that you brought up all those points because I, if I remember right, I think Todd Anderson streamed this entire like this this exact list uh, the other day, and I was watching him stream it. And if I remember right, when he was done with it, he he actually cut Smuggler's Copter. Like he's just, like it just didn't do enough. It wasn't good enough in the deck. He could probably use some more interaction in its slot. Though what he was doing seemed pretty powerful. Like I watched him beat uh you know a bunch of different decks in the format from like you know uh the other creature decks all the way up to the devotion type decks because you know if you get a reflector mage at the right point that can be good enough to just to give you enough time to kind of like cross the finish line here um you do every now and then run into problems with either getting three lands into play or having a green source like you said to cast collect company other than that, I like the deck a lot um, i think I would maybe fit a deputy attention or two in the main just just in case like you know you want some form of interaction but it doesn't attack very well in this in this deck. Is trying to finish the game as quickly as possible. Yeah, so, I,
1: I think something like that, or Deck and Stone, or Drilocka's Command. Command is probably too hard to cast, but De- Deck and Stone is, is a nice, easy one to cast. Clears away a lot of things. So just a little bit of interaction. But yeah, I agree. I think what this deck is doing is powerful, and the mana looks workable to me.
0: Yeah. So um, when we were first looking at uh, Pioneer decks, and I was like getting excited, I was I had dinner with uh, Jonathan Job in brian Basoko last night and he was like looking through some decks and asking me you know what i liked what i didn't like etc cetera, etc cetera. he got to this deck like set up really quickly in his chair showed it to me he was like we're back boys and he was just super excited that that humans was playable uh for those of you who don't know brian Basoko has two trophies from uh the sg tour with humans so he's a big fan of the uh of the strategy he, he likes
1: to call himself the champion of the parish being from well, the parish is the ch- louisiana
0: but yeah, he's, he's, from, he's from my neck of the woods. He's definitely actually the champion of the Parish. So
1: Okay, uh, next one up, we have TSP Jendrek playing an interesting Azorius list. You know, a lot of similar cards that we've seen, but this list incorporating an interesting combo that you actually brought up to me last week.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of this kind of strategy, especially in formats like this. Um, when people don't know that it's coming, there is four Quicken in this deck. And for people who don't know what that card does, it's a one blue instant. It says the next sorcery you cast this turn can be cast as if it had flash draw a card. Now, you might be asking, like, why are we playing that card? You know, it's a one blue mana card. Yeah, it does cycle, which is nice. You know, you can draw an extra card early, something like that. But doesn't, you know, Teferi kind of do the same thing? And it's like something that you you get a card for. The real reason is because besides the fact that you're playing Quicken, you look at the sorceries that you're, you're Quickening in this deck. There's three Supreme Verdicts and three Hour of Revelation. Hour of Revelation is a three white, white, white sorcery that destroys all non-land permanents. Also, it costs three less if there's 10 or more non-basic land, uh, non-land permanents on the, on the field. Uh, not always going to happen. <laughs> That's not going to happen too much with you b- still being alive. But the thing is, if you cast this at instant speed against a lot of decks, they're going to die. And, you know, you're casting Supreme Verdict in their combat step. They're going to die. And so, like, this is a big kind of step forward of this deck. I like this. I like the quicken aspect a lot. It gives you an angle of attack. They always have to respect it once they know it's there. And I just like this a lot. It kind of frees up your mana quite a bit. You get to just traditionally play the draw-go deck.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm a little concerned about using Castle Ardenvale as the only win condition, along with Nexus of Fate. Uh, But if you're trying to play a super long game, Nexus might just, you know, win it by itself, at which case, like, Castle is enough uh i'd like to maybe see like one torrential gear hulk uh just help close games out but i
0: thought the same thing when i saw this deck
1: yeah but otherwise I- i'm pretty cool with what's going on here
0: uh, yeah another deck using last breath we see two of those main another deck of disallow in it too i've talked a lot about disallow in this format um a card that can really wreck this deck is just the eventuality of a deck having emerald cool in it because it's not something you can ever do about it it's a, it's a cash trigger and disallow is something that allows you to uh you know stop the cash trigger. It comes into play and you can like Supreme Verdict away. You know, you can do something to take care of it once it's in play. So
1: in general, I am not a fan of Disallow. I think Absorb and Dissipate are both better. But in a deck that is playing like, super long like this one is, then you really want that extra versatility because there are, you know, Planeswalker ultimates or, you know, you know things like Emrakul triggers, things like that, that y- you just want to answer. Uh, and so I'm a fan of it here, but for very specific reasons. In general, I would favor absorb. What's what's the name of the
0: artifact? I just blanked on. It's the one man artifact that lets you shuffle your graveyard and library together.
1: Elixir of Immortality.
0: Yeah, so this deck usually played an Elixir of Immortality in the past. I was a big fan of that strategy. I liked that deck a lot. Uh, you're seeing Nexus of Fate kind of fill that role here, while also being a actual win condition as well with it. So that's a pretty interesting um, like move forward that I've seen with this deck. Like a lot of people probably you know thought of that deck and it from standard and then they were like well isn't nexus of fate honestly kind of better in a lot of ways and maybe it is it might just be enough with the castle just to kill them yeah i mean you can get you can get to the bottom of your deck real easily with this deck and make nexus of fate pretty much be the last card and just take all the turns for the, rest of the game
1: yeah i i can buy that that's something you can do but i think there's a lot of value in the one torrential gear hulk uh, i know no, i agree so uh just small little edits but I, again another look these Azorius decks are pretty varied I'm surprised yeah
0: absolutely like if this was the traditional deck dump where they weren't just giving you everything we could have made uh you could have maybe seen all of them anyway because they have enough different cards between the uh, between the decks so very excuse me very interesting to see all the different ways they've taken it this is this is the way that i this is closer to how I would have built the deck if if I was going into it you're seeing four glimmer of genius as well in this deck so they're they're really selling the I want to say, you know, play a land and say go. Um 26 lands, traditionally decks like this play twenty-seven or twenty-eight in the past. Twenty-six might be enough since you have sensor and four quicken. And I can definitely buy that because the first quicken almost always just gets cycled in a deck like this. So uh, definitely like this build a lot definitely going to give this one a try
1: okay moving on we have a dank confidant playing a green blue or Simic C- devotion strategy this one a little bit more mid-range or aggressive uh not as much over the top we do see the four copies of hydroid crisis but there's no like walking ballista there's no ulamog we're staying in the mid-range with four copies of oko four corsair Crucifix, four questing beast i like questing beast a lot uh, I generally sideboard it in my Devotion decks, but in this build, that is trying to just be a little bit more aggressive with the capability of going over the top with Nyssa Hydra Crisis. Uh, I think Questing Beast makes a great main deck addition. I think the real gain here um, would, is actually a card I don't see, and I expected to see it. I don't see any copies of Gilded Goose as a mana creature. I do see two Sylvan carry added. I think once you have four Oko in your deck, Gilded Goose is just super valuable, and have, this deck will play as many one-mana you know, creatures as it can get. So I would like to see Gilded Goose over Sylvan Carey added and maybe you know even go up to four of them or cut a land something like that. Um, but th- this strikes me as a, someone who was you know noticed or was worried about people preparing for the devotion decks and saying, "You know, I don't want to go like all in with Leyline when people are going to be prepared and killing my mana creatures. Instead, I'm just going to play powerful, you know, mid-range threats that I can ramp into and just enough high end that I still have that capability of going over the top. Uh, it's not a bad place to be when people are prepared for the devotion decks. I think it, if people are unprepared, you really want the extra power, but this deck is going to be a lot more consistent and a lot more resilient to removal."
0: Yeah. Uh, definitely a big fan of Chad Harney's. I'm pretty sure this is Chad wow. Harney. And uh, I, I like what he does. I like the way he builds his decks. Very smart player. Uh, very good at magic as well. He's definitely following the rule of, you know, four once upon a time because my deck has forests and creatures in it. So definitely a huge fan of that. Uh, I definitely want to ask him, though, you know, why no Gilded Goose? Maybe he just like, couldn't fit it or he just liked uh, this version of it a little bit better.
1: Yeah, if you're playing Devotion and you know you found that your opponents are just killing all your stuff and that's a problem, You know, look towards this list. I think this is a good juke uh, if you still want to play those heavy mana creatures, Hydra Crisis style.
0: Yep. And if we look at the next deck, this is a deck that uh, gets the juices flowing for Ross Merriam. I'm sure. Mr. World Waker 2 here. Uh, Mr. or Mrs. sorry but uh, this is a elves deck like just actual factual elves with a little bit of ramp into it you're looking at green black here it's got ley line of abundance to go with all the the early uh, elves that generate mana including this one gets to play uh, what is it 12 one drops that, that make mana with null root trapper uh, being another one drop that that produces mana you're looking at paradise druid you know just all kinds of stuff like that um, we we're looking at shaman of the pack to kind of make sure you tie it all together and have ways to win. But it also has a big uh, end game with in raise forerunners as well.
1: Yeah, this deck is definitely trying to get to that end raise forerunners. Uh, you know, leyline of Abundance with all these mana creatures can help you ramp quite a bit. We draw a bunch of cards with Beast Whisperer and the Great Henge. Uh, my critique of the deck is I don't like quarter calling these decks. I think Finale of Devastation would be better. Because Finale, you know, not only can find end raise forerunners, but you can just cast it for X equals 10 and win that way. Uh, and I think it's a little bit better, you know, at lower mana cost than Cord as well. So I would prefer Finale in that spot. Um, but otherwise, this is another, this is sort of like, a, this is a Green Devotion deck, really. You know, if we're playing Nycthose, not in super high numbers, but, you know, it's another way to take the Mana Creatures plus Leyland of Abundant Shell, uh, you know, a little bit more aggressive, we got the Tribal Synergies, but it, it's definitely a cool way to do it. Uh, I just think uh, Finale Devotion fits better.
0: Yeah, got to agree completely with the finale devastation thing there. There's two Great Hinge in this deck as well. A a little bit harder to kind of like super turbo it out. You know, you don't have like a super high powered creature that you can just like uh, ramp into on turn three, but you're gonna have a lot of mana in this deck. So just getting Great Hinge into play as quickly as possible is a thing. I am worried about you putting a bunch of creatures into play, casting Great Hinge and then not having anything behind that, any more creatures behind that to cast. But I mean, if you have any of them, this deck can chain the entire deck together pretty quickly with Great Hinge.
1: Uh, okay, moving on. We have Alaria known Alarian one. Probably it's probably Alarian one. Uh, this is a Jeskai Sahili deck. I'm not sure if we had one on part one of the show, but this is a pretty popular shell for the Cheeli uh, Felidar combo. Basically, a Jeskai control deck that is playing you know very low creature count, so your removal is mostly bad, but you need to have it in your deck to deal with Felidar Guardian, uh, which is a nice you know a squeeze to put your opponent in. I think it's one of the reasons the shell is succeeding. Uh, but you see your Supreme verdicts, your typical sort of is it uh, control cards. The two cards of note, I think, here are four copies of Sensor, which is nice in this deck where you do want to dig towards the combo. So having you know, more of your disruption pieces have cycling so that you can uh, have that little extra bit of velocity is nice. And we also have four copies of Is It Charm. Now this does the same; you know, it's a disruption spell that can you know, be cast as a faithless looting and dig towards your combo. I'm not as high on this one because it's so mana uh, inefficient. So seeing four copies is um, a little alarming to me. I would like this card in smaller numbers, uh, you know, because I like I like having some versatile cards, but I don't want to play those versatile cards in high numbers because they are mana inefficient, and then you end up getting clunkier draws. So uh, I think it, that's just one little bit I, I would do if I were building a deck like this, but I like the way this deck looks, you know, but playing a control deck against a with the combo in it is really powerful because your opponent is incentivized to sort of, you know, play to the battlefield and try to end the game because your, your late game is really strong. But if they do that, they might just die on the spot. But so it's, uh, it's a nice squeeze.
0: Yeah. I, I like this deck a lot. in the fact that for one in game one, you might not realize you're about to get sahili ride. Like it, they just look like an, is it control deck? You know, you can kind of make the assumption maybe, but like, you know, they start like Supreme verdicting you and like, you know, countering your spells and, you know, sweeping you up with some of the, the sweepers like Kozilek's return. And then all of a sudden they play Felder Guardian and untap a land and then cast a Healy Rai and you just kind of die from there. You know, you're seeing like the Tension Sphere and you're, you're seeing all of the makings of like an is of a an Azorius deck just having read it maybe for like, you know, is it charm or something because the card is good, you know, kind of thing. So like you might not necessarily know that's what's about to happen to you until it happens in game one. And that's, you know, pretty nice when you can kind of pivot on someone and they don't know it's coming. So definitely getting some uh, some extra points there. Uh, I like the deck a lot. I think I might be trying to fit one Gear Hulk into it because there's so many good hits with it. you have Hieroglyph Illumination plus Dig Through Time as hits off of that and and Kozlek's Return. All of these are very very good to hit with a with a Gear Hulk. So maybe fit one in there. Uh, other than that, I think this deck's pretty sweet and pretty good.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of a Gear Hulk. I think having one win condition outside of the combo is nice. Uh, So you're not completely relying on it. You can ignore something like a a Sorcerer's Spyglass. You know, you're you're not dead set on having to remove that from the battlefield to win the game. Uh, So I I like that as a singleton. I think that's a good idea as well.
0: Yeah. Other than that, because like this does seem pretty soft to a Sorcerer's Spyglass game one besides Teferi Time Raveler. So I would definitely be worried about something like that. Yep.
1: Yeah, uh, now we have the King WJ. This is another Ensole aggro deck playing Ensole Artifact. We got Shrapnoblast, but this time we're moving into white for all that glitter. So, you know, 12 powerful payoffs for being a heavy Artifact Aggressive deck. It does stretch our mana to three colors, and when you're playing Darkseal Citadel, that can be a problem. But we have Springleaf Drum, Spire of Industry, and Aether Hub, all as five color sources, and then some nice dual lands and Spireboff Canal and battlefield forge so i think the mana is workable here and like i've said i've noted on the part one i think this shell might be an underrated shell it uses smuggler's copter really oh, yeah. well it has a lot of powerful cards for the synergies and it's not really playing a lot of you know bricks in order to enable them you know ornithopter never a great card to draw on turn five uh but you know ginger brute bowman courier Hangerback back walker steel overseer all pretty powerful magic cards
0: yeah, I think this deck is actually very good. The more, the more I think about it, like you said, I like the shell. I like the way this deck looks. I think this one's really good. And this is definitely the faster version of the other ones, which is funny because it's got an extra color in it, right? And you're like, how is the one with the extra color in it more like uh, more fast with like adding all his deck litters? But Springleaf Drum leads to some really busted draws. Like Onithopter Springleaf Drum... You can you can do some stupid stuff on turn two with this deck. So yeah, definitely a big fan, big fan of this one. And I, I think this deck's going to be a player in this format.
1: I agree. And I love these two copies of Experimental Frenzy in the sideboard.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I love being able to do that because the thing is, after sideboarding against you, there's a lot of decks in this, in this format running like a Braid Fatal Push and a bunch of stuff that, you know, matches up really well against your threats. And you're going to get two for one more than once in this deck. You know, like yeah. they're going to they're gonna kill your, your creature. It's got in solar effect. They're going to kill your creature. It's got all the glitters. So just getting something back for it is nice.
1: Yeah, everybody's trying to kill the creature that you enchant. They're not trying to kill the enchantment.
0: Exactly. Also, there's Gearport Aethergrid in the sideboard as a two of, a card that has really shined in certain parts of modern when it's come out of the sideboard of like the quote-unquote affinity decks and can be very good in this format as well. Also, it's just, it's a good answer to the cat combo as well as like, you know, any of the green decks that have a lot of creatures of like one toughness and stuff. So yeah, big
1: fan of that card another azorius deck up next this one is from seaman rock and yet another way to go with it we this is yeah. of the super friend style we've got 13 planeswalkers going all That's the way from, all the way from fairy time raveler and narset up to elspeth sun's champion and because we've got a million planeswalkers there's two copies of heart of cure in here i honestly think that number could go up i think heart of cure looks great in this deck it gives you this sort of a secondary angle it lets you get a little bit aggressive, attack opposing planeswalkers, uh, which is really nice. And it's a creature that doesn't die to Supreme Verdict. You know you, you verdict first, and then you crew it with your planeswalker.
0: Yeah, and I got to say this: when I first saw this deck, you have Sphinx's Revelation and Heart of cure in the same deck, and that did not strike me as something that that would be happening. But I like the idea, and I I, I got to agree with you. I think maybe we can get a third one in this deck. There's so many planeswalkers, and the fact that the card. Heart of has Vigilance, which a lot of people forget, you know, if you haven't played against it a lot, too. So you're attacking and defending with this card because a lot of the times a lot of these a lot of these Planeswalkers, they're fine with losing a loyalty counter because they're just they're just fine the way they are. Like if you're playing Gideon just to make the two twos, like losing a, a couple of loyalties off, this doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like you've just got extra loyalty sitting around. You've got Narset with a ton of extra loyalty sitting around to Ferry with a ton of extra loyalty sitting around. And it goes all the way up to six man Elspeth. If you've never played against six man Elspeth, this card is very powerful and very good. And then, like you said, you've got four Declaration of Stone, three Supreme Verdict. A lot of early interaction with creatures here. I like what's going on with this deck.
1: Yeah, I, uh, another good way to take these Azorius decks. I think this one makes a lot of sense. And I like that little bit of aggression here, y'all. You know, keep your opponent off balance. Gideon, Heart of Kieran, They can end games in a hurry. They can punish your opponent for stumbling. So uh, that is that is a neat find. I, uh, you wouldn't think that just a two-color deck could play so many good Planeswalkers, but these are all great. You know, two different kinds of Teferi, Narset, Jace Architect of Thought, which is a good answer to the cat combo, Elspeth, great finisher, and then Gideon to sort of cement you in this more aggressive version of a like, tap out control. They're all good options. So, you know, we're not playing any bad cards to enable our Heart of Kirin's. Love it.
0: You know, one of my favorite things about before we move on, one of my favorite things about this kind of control deck, quote unquote control deck is in the mirror, If if this is the one that I would want to be on. Because if you like turn to a heart of cure in any of the the mirror type matches following up with any planeswalker, they're they're not going to win. Like you just have so many haymakers that it's very hard for the other control decks to win that I think you're in a very good spot.
1: Yeah. Agreed.
0: Like you attack their planeswalkers way better than they can do anything about yours and stuff. Yeah. This deck is sweet.
1: I like it a lot. Uh next up, we have White Hat Hatter with another version of Jeskai Ascendancy with Sylvan Awakening. We saw one on part one. This one actually doesn't play any creatures. So no Sylvan carry added, no Paradise Druid, which is interesting. Uh, it's basically just saying I have a two-card combo, Jeskai Ascendancy, Sylvan Awakening, and I'm going to try to assemble it. And it does that really well. We have four copies of Opt, two it Charm, four Anticipate, four copies of Dig Through Time. So definitely able to assemble this combo pretty consistently, but importantly we have a lot of interaction you know, is it charm pulse double duty it can be a counter spell removal spell fiery impulse great early removal spell against aggressive decks along with deafening clarion and then we've got two copies of veil of summer in the main deck i think this is a great addition to this deck it can stop counterspells on your stuff also stops abrupt decay on Jeskai guy ascendancy which i think is a problem for these decks veil of summer very clean answer Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, i i like this build quite a bit we even have a tune with Aether to help fix our mana because we're playing Aether Hub and Mana Confluence in a four-color deck. Uh, I think this is a really, really well-built deck. And I know on part one, I was skeptical of this deck as a whole because it's a two-card combo that seems a little bit worse than cat combo. But this version of the deck plays a lot of interaction, which was the thing that I was I was concerned about. So if you can find a build that's still consistent but also plays this kind of interaction, I'm in.
0: Yeah, I actually like this build a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. In fact, that I'm actually thinking about trying this deck out. Um, I like the fact that this one is a lot better at most decks of finding Jeskai Ascendancy because it's all in on doing that. You're seeing four strategic planning, which is a good way to find stuff, but also fuels dig through time very well. Four anticipate. When you put four anticipate in your deck, you're committed. Like, this this is someone that knows what they're trying to do, and they're doing it. You have a four opt, two is a charm. The two Veil vale of Summer's main, like you mentioned, great. We talked about this. I thought we were going to start seeing Veil vale of Summer main in this format. I thought maybe the, the deck you would see it in is something with like cat combo, you know, because like you want to make sure that Thought Season Abrupt Decay don't hit you. But this makes a lot of sense in this deck as well. And all that, I, I think this is one of the most well-built Just Guy's NFC decks I've seen, especially in this format. And then I got to say this. I love the sideboard. There's a couple of really cool inclusions in this sideboard. And the fact that there's Monastery Mentor on the sideboard. There's three of them which is a good way for this deck to pivot post-board. Because if, here's the thing, if it does its thing in game one or, you know, plays like five or six turns, you're going to see 20 something cards from this deck, you know, 30 cards from this deck. So your opponent's going to probably understand that you don't have creatures in your deck. So you're going to get, you know, that surprise factor of Monster Mentor coming in. Plus there's two hushbringer in the sideboard. This is a new card. If people haven't seen it from Throne of Eldraine, it's one in white. It's a flying lifelink one, two, but creatures entering the battlefield or dying don't cause abilities to trigger and this can shut down some of the decks that we've seen so far. You know, like the the humans esh builds from earlier. Like this is this is a card that just stops their whole their whole plan, and they're probably not going to have a way to c- kill a creature in their deck. So yep.
1: I- it stops cat combo. It stops mm-hmm. you know the rally the ancestors decks and any kind of aristocrat style deck because they're trying to sacrifice stuff. So yeah, I I'm here with you. I think the sideboard is great. I think Godfather's Faithful is a really good addition against aggressive decks. You it's know, a 0-4, Ross. <laughs> yeah, also going to gain you a ton of life uh, because most of your spells are, in fact, blue, black, or red. I think everything but Veil and a Tune. Oh, and and Sylvan Awakening. But if you're casting that, they're probably dead. I don't know, probably okay. Not all of them, but still a good number. And the fact that it's a life gain and a good blocker.
0: Yeah. So, uh, White Hatter or however you pronounce this, uh, White at Hatter or whatever, uh, White Hat Hatter. Sorry, uh, gotta yeah. gotta say a lot of alliteration here. Gotta say, very well-built deck. This is definitely one of the ones that's impressed me the most on the list.
1: Yeah, I am I will echo that. I think this is this is a deck.
0: You definitely need to play this one on Versus Live next week if y'all are doing some more
1: Pioneer. I'm, I might be playing this one tomorrow.
0: Ah, oh, nice. I like it. All right, let's, let's, make, let's
1: make it happen. Let's make it happen. Hold on a minute. Let me make a note of that. We're good.
0: <laughs> All right, so while Ross is making a note of that, I'm going to go ahead and move us on to the next one, Slitherblade with another 5-0. Um, this one's an interesting one. Uh, this is another Feldar Guardian uh combo deck. But this one's got, you know, Oko, Thief of Crowns in it. We see Gilded Goose, but the card that is different, and maybe we haven't even talked about this one yet because it hasn't come up. There's two Wicked Wolves in this deck. So you're the typical Saheeli Rai, Teferi, Feldar Guardian deck with like othanissa Nissa. There's some Heart of Kieran in here. Um, when I talked to Ross a lot about the beginning of this format, I thought that this would be a deck that was going to be very popular. Just Oko, Saheeli, Teferi. Like, put all those in a deck, put Oath of Nyssa in it, you got a deck, build from there. This one's got Spellqueller, Wicked Wolf, Reflector Mage, Once Upon a Time in it. I-, I like the way this deck's going. I like pairing Oath of Nyssa, Once Upon a Time, with Feldar Guardian, Saheeli Rai. That just seems like it should work, right? Like, that seems like there's a thing there. Not much else to say about this deck other than this is cool, this is like the, one of the evolutions of the deck. This one's got a little more interaction with Spell Queller and Wicked Wolf for your opponent's stuff, but... I think it's just doing all this just enough to make sure it's a Rock can finish you off or it could randomly win a mid-range game.
1: Yeah, we, we've seen so much food in this format. I think Wicked Wolf could be a good card. That's the only really standout card from the list. I think playing th- 3 Oko is kind of weird. Just get the fourth one. The, card, the card's messed up. But I, I like Wicked Wolf. This is an easy card to overlook. You think of it as a standard card. It should be good in Pioneer.
0: Yeah. Also another good deck at uh, Tefering its its own creatures, Tefering your own Feldar Guardian, uh, Tefering your own Spell Queller, your own Wicked Wolves, your own Reflector Mages. Just more stuff to get a ton of value, your own Oath of Nyssa. So if you don't have targets from your opponent or good ones, another deck that can take a lot of advantage of Teferi Time Raveler.
1: Yep uh moving on we have swarm of bloodflies another gruel beatdown deck this one uh no ember cleave uh, i kind of wish we had some Embercleaves because i think this deck might struggle to end games but i do really i do really like glory bringer i'd like to see questing beast actually i think it's better than either sarok the hunt caller or peluconus world eater uh just to get more haste more pressure uh really good with gore clan rampager but i do I do just love me some Dombor Raid. Four copies of this card. One of my favorite cards of all time, actually. Uh, so I, li- I love to see that here. Really great source of card advantage. Gives you some interaction. Really awesome card to cast on turn two off of an Elvish Mystic or Elves. So I love that. I'm a little concerned with this deck's ability to cl- really close out the game. Rona's help is giving your creatures trample. Uh, but um, um, I-, I think these these girl decks might be good. You know, Having eight Llanowar Elves uh, in these decks are is really really nice because your starts with them are yeah. really good
0: yeah and so that makes me think that maybe you should lean into at least a couple copies of once upon a time if like you want to make sure that you have the turn one elf that much more i don't know where you would make the cut here but also people have forgotten about gore clan rampager and this card's very good in this format there's a lot of you know you have a lot of like four fours and five fives that don't have trample if you don't have ronus in play and people are going to put their you know their Land War elf in front of it and you're like, well, you're actually taking eight here. I'm sorry, like you know, you, you you don't realize how much damage you're actually about to take. So, definitely pretty cool. Also, um, a good target. out an good... early Oko. Oh yeah, this card can. That's yeah, this is an answer that can kill an early Planeswalker that has a lot yeah, of loyalty. This that's, deck that's, that's a
1: really, really good at doing that, a, a killing planeswalker. Yeah. There's A lot of big haste threats.
0: Yeah, so if you if you like Gruul and standard, like if you like the Ember Cleave type decks, this this is another deck that you can maybe gravitate towards for sure.
1: Okay, next one up, we have Brennan. Two is there a second Brennan? Did he clone it? No, there's only one. Yeah, this one spells her name with an O, so not the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely not the same. So this one's just a—it's it, this is like very much like the deck that you played on versus live, right?
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's Boris heroic. I think there's several of these in the deck dump. Uh, definitely a really powerful shell. I think it's one of the actually one, just one of the better decks in the format. Uh, so not a deck to be underrated. This list has two cards uh, that are really interesting. One is Boris Charm. You know we're playing an aggro deck, so it's a nice bit of reach, but it's also very good against Supreme Verdict, which is typically a card that decks like this struggle with because your God's Willings and stuff don't really match up well against it. I'm not sure I like the full four copies because it doesn't synergize that well with, um, you know, the heroic strategy, though you can give a big heroic creature double strike. So maybe I'm underestimating how well it plays with that third mode, sort of the ignored mode of Boros Charm, but it does come up quite a bit here. I also really like the two copies of Madcap Skills. You know, the, the, this is a card that has seen some play. It, it's a very aggressive card, and it lets you get some evasion. Most of your creatures are on the ground in this deck, and so giving them Menace when your opponent just, like, leaves back a chump blocker, this card is a card that can end the game in a hurry. Madcap skills, Titan of Strength, like, take 10 that you didn't expect.
0: Yeah. Madcap skills, everybody at home, it's a, it's a one and a red enchantment. Uh, it's a creature enchantment. Uh, the enchanted creature gets plus three, plus zero, and Menace. Uh, this is a card that defined a limited format when it was out. And uh, it did kind of find its way into Standard a tiny bit at the time. But you're definitely going to see it in the, the red versions of Heroic. And if not, they should be playing more versions of it. And yeah, this is, this is pretty cool. The, the mana is good in this deck as well. You get Battlefield Forge, Clifftop Retreat, Inspiring Vantage, and Sacred Foundry. And if you want, there's even Temple of Triumph. So there's a ton of red-white dual lands. Like red-white has the max number of <laughs> dual lands. So your mana is good in this deck because you are playing Feather as well. And red, white, white on turn three can be difficult. Yeah, the standard
1: version of this deck did not have very good mana. It was one of its deficiencies. But enemy colored mana for aggressive decks is very good in this format. So another reason I like the Boros shell over something like Azorius Heroic or Bant Heroic, something like that. I think the Boros deck has significantly better mana, and that's really important.
0: Yeah, and... and uh, I think this is going to be a popular deck because not only is it good, but I think this strategy is very popular with a lot of people. You know, they think about, you know, playing back in those days and they're like, I like this effect. And a lot of people like Feather and Standard. It's just unplayable because of the way Standard is right now. And this deck is good in Pioneer. So if you want to play this strategy, just port your deck over and I'm going to give you another piece of good, uh, good. I mean, another good, good thing about this deck. It doesn't seem that expensive. Like monetarily wise, there's a lot of commons and uncommons. in yeah. this deck. Really, your your lands can get a little pricey, but like that's about it. You can probably get this deck for like a hundred dollars.
1: Yeah, I agree. And a nice budget option for those that are looking there. Your swift spears are probably a little expensive because that's a staple uncommon, but that's about it. Uh, yeah, and, yeah.
0: I, I will say like that the lands and a couple other things. You know, a couple bucks here or there, and you're you're pretty good. It's just uh, the big part of your deck. You know, like four titan stream, four reckless rage, four God's willing, four defiant strike. Those cards don't cost anything. You know, so like you're you're looking at a, a nice competitive budget option, which is a big thing because a lot of people, when they say budget, they mean non-competitive, and we're not saying that here. This this deck is real.
1: Uh, Moving on, we have yet another Azorius control deck. These are really popular. This one, pretty typical, nothing out of the ordinary, uh, but at least in the spell slot. The the, uh, innovation here is in the lands. This Azorius deck is playing two copies of Field of the Dead, and it's spreading out its lands to enable it. We have one copy of Temple... Enlightenment, one Port Town, one Irrigated Farmland. These are various Azorius dual lands that are around. Lists aren't playing as many of them because they're not that powerful in the format, but adding one gear deck to enable this really good and really easy uh, you know, engine for your late game is really nice. You got two copies of Field of Ruin. This is a card that can double trigger Field, field of the Dead uh, while also just being a good card in the uh, in the archetype. One Fable Passage, uh, one Castle Vantress. So uh, I think you know we're not trying that hard really t- to get too filled over the dead in our deck, and it's a really nice card to have access to. You know, you're getting into the late game of this deck pretty frequently. Uh, a couple extra zombies here and there can be the difference between stabilizing and dying, or the difference between answering an opposing planeswalker or not. So. Uh, a really interesting thing to do. And I think something that more decks that are playing a long game should probably look into because there's a lot of dual lands available, even in only two colors. So you downgrade your mana base ever so slightly and you get this huge upgrade in field of the Dead. Uh, It's a trade I think more people should look to make.
0: No, I I think this idea is great. I I 100% agree with you. I saw a list that I really liked early when people were just posting on Twitter before the format even started getting played. and It was a version of this deck where they had, um, you know, the Wish Fairy and a couple other things, but they were playing. The thing that, that caught my eye the most was they were playing Field of the Dead. And it just makes sense to me. You know, we saw Sam Black do this in his modern deck with the, the Soul Tie Control deck, and he did it mostly so he could beat the clock. You know, like he needed something that can end the game and you have like a Gearhulk in this deck. But it's also just good in the deck. Like, you know, in the past, we saw the Blue White Azorius decks like they would even play Mutavault just to have like another way to attack opposing planeswalkers, another way to block, just get something uh, done, but you would lose your land. And in this one, when you're playing field of the dead, you don't have to lose your land when you're still getting value. And there's 27 lands in this deck, which is, I I think the minimum number you want when you're playing a field of the dead Azorius deck that's, that's wanting to make its land drop every turn. So big fan of this strategy. Uh, like it a lot. Also there's search for his canton. this deck too, and that could actually trigger field of the dead. That's actually pretty sweet.
1: Uh, can it, well, when
0: it transforms, let's say when it comes into play, yeah, search transform oh, damn. Get to the battlefield. Uh, damn. That doesn't that, that doesn't would, work. That would be sweet. That, that would have been really cool. I was like super excited about those like cause you know when you flip a search and then you draw the next one, you're like, well, at least I get to scry. There's no reason to transform it. And I was like, oh that's a cool reason to transform your next search, but that would have been cool. All right. That would
1: that would have been nice, but unfortunately, no dice there. Uh, next up is Pote or Pote, I don't know. Uh playing a just Golgari snake deck. This is basically the old standard deck with a, with a few upgrades gotta say like i think there's better things you can be doing with the you know great disruption that has.
0: this is an homage deck this is yeah. just like an homage deck right like you're like i loved this deck in standard this is the deck that got brennan DeCandio <laughs> very famous you know he won uh, two opens pretty much with this deck with the the first version where it had like ember and then the second version when you had just this kind of thing going on uh you, you know in a, in a brand new format you do get a little bit of an upgrade the deck never had thoughts yeah which is a, a pretty big upgrade. Uh, you're seeing like the, the full version of Traverse and Nissa voices in the car in this deck, because it has stuff like Hangerback Walker and Walking Ballista and Winding Constrictor. Not much else to say about it. Like you said, there's probably, you could probably take it one way or the other and make it a little more powerful, but it's a cool deck that you can play if you liked the standard deck.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, but I, I've got to say that there's, there's gotta be better things to be doing. Um,
0: Don't tell Brandon. If, yeah
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, that see I will tell him that because it'll help him out it'll it'll stop him from you know get getting caught in, you in the You and I have fight.
0: different versions of fun with Brennan. You like to help him. I I like to derail him a little bit so.
1: Yeah. See I I, I talk a big game on Twitter but behind the scenes I actually help my friends.
0: Uh, well, man, you're not you're not a real friend.
1: okay next up we have a really uh cool list from clyde the glide drexler he also took 10th place in the challenge with a uh, very similar list maybe even exactly the same
0: yeah i didn't check to see if it was exactly the same we could definitely check at the uh the end of the show when we go over the challenge but another moto superstar
1: Yes, uh, been around for a while. This is Mono Black Devotion, uh, but not like Mono Black Devotion the way you're thinking from Theros Era Standard. That deck was not really a Devotion deck. It was just a good mid range deck with lots of removal and good threats. This really is a Devotion deck. We're trying to get to the battlefield. We have Nykthos. Still playing Grey Merchant to take advantage of. Um, you know, as another devotion payoff. But the key here is that there is a tribal element to this deck. It is a vampire's deck. We are playing Knight of the Ebon Legion, Gifted Aetherborn, which I noted earlier is an underrated card overall, is a vampire. So it fits nicely here. Stromkirk Condemned to, you know, get a little bit more aggression. But the really big thing, and one of the reasons I think this deck is actually really good, is we're playing Sorin Imperious Bloodlord, and Champion of Dusk. This was a combo that was incredibly good in standard, really elevating that vampire archetype in uh, Orzov. So an Imperious Bloodlord is a really powerful magic card. I think it slots super well into a devotion strategy because you get to basically double spell and build this huge battlefield on turn three, and then probably nick those into Grey Merchant on turn four. And uh, they might just be dead. You know, you'll draw a bunch of extra cards. You make sure you have this critical mass of permanence with Champion of Dusk. So, I think this deck is quite good. I think I could you know, even stand to be a little bit more aggressive. I'm not a huge fan of the Kaliduses. I'd like to see a little bit of a lower curve. I think Drana is kind of an underpowered card, so I'm skeptical of that one as well. And I'm also a little worried that we have actually too much interaction. You know, These Devotion decks want to go over the top. They want to play a lot of permanence. So four Fatal Push and four Thoughtseize in the main deck might be a little much for me, but with Champion of Dusk, it I might be fine. So that's something I would have to test out. I could buy it either way. But I, I like this deck a lot.
0: Yeah, only things I got to add to that, there's four mutavolt in this deck, which I'm a big, big fan of. It all comes along with two Urborg, so you can still possibly tap tap for black mana later in the game too, because there is a lot of black, black, or black, black, black in in some of these, uh in some of these casting costs. You want to make sure that you can cast all of your spells in one turn because mutavault can definitely keep you from like double spelling in a turn. Like, if you draw a you can't play a two-drop plus like Fatal Push or Thought Seeds on turn three uh you know big thing there you get to play a lot of utility lands besides mutable you get castle lock the as well in this deck uh i think the sideboard is really good in decks like this as well i'm a big big fan honestly I, th- I think these decks are good there's definitely you're definitely onto something with these decks also if you get these cards now i do think that most of the cards in this deck are a little underpriced like soren i think is a third of what it was when it was good and standard i think it's like a five dollar card now and it was like a you know five to seven dollar card when it was like a 15 to 25 dollar card when it was, you know, when vampires was like the best deck in standard,
1: yeah. So it's definitely something to jump onto. We played this deck on versus yesterday, and it it, it was definitely impressive. It handled. Is it Phoenix? Yeah, uh, I will
0: say this this deck, this deck sweet. I, I like this deck a lot.
1: Okay, uh, moving on. We have Spiral Prince playing a Grixis control deck. This is a pretty typical Grixis list with you know Torrential Gearhole, Diktor, Time. I'm a pretty big fan. I like the mix. I, I will say I agree with you on how good Hieroglyphic Illumination is with torrential gear hulk so i'd like to see that here over glimmer of genius but that's about it everything else in this deck i like
0: yeah you also get to play the card drown in the lock now you can't play as many of them as you can in, like say modern like i played a deck with four drown in the lock the last modern event i played in that card impressed the hell out of me you can't guarantee that you're going to get to always cast it because you don't have things like thought scour to target your opponent by the way we don't want thought scour in this format don't ever bring that up again (laughs) but the thing is is this deck's gonna one for one its opponent a lot you're looking at a lot of thought seizes, dread bores, things like that. You know, just ways to kill things, uh, fatal pushes, heroes' downfall, you know, negate. Things like that that are some one for one. So if you get any value off the card, it's still very, very good. Um, I think these decks are, are, are sweet and good. I, I worry about the mana at times in Grixis decks. Always have, but maybe it's fine in Pioneer. We know we finally get enough of the dual lands to make sure that it works. Um, I always want to,
1: Grixis. They will have to help these three-color control decks a lot.
0: I agree. I always want these decks to be good. Always. I love all these cards. Like, I'm a big fan of Jace Friend's Prodigy, Torrential Cure Hulk, Colagon's Command. Huge fan. For some reason, they always leave a little bit to be desired every time I play them, though.
1: Uh, I gotta say, if, if I were going to build a control deck like in this format, this was my first idea.
0: Yeah, like, you wanted to be on Gear Hulk dig, and you wanted to be a more of a proactive plan, maybe, with, like, Grix's, than just do nothing with Azoria, yes. so yeah, definitely could see that. This is a good Gear Hulk deck for sure. Like Gear Hulk, Colagon's Command is a hell of a combo, by the way.
1: Yeah, definitely, a yeah, really nice one to bring back for sure. And with Liliana, mm-hmm. the one Liliana last up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's definitely the thing you're going to see in this format. Is you know, control decks are going to fight to the last little card, the last little piece of life, and then they're going to turn the corner by Gearhulking
1: you a bunch of times. Okay, next one up, we have a Row 20. This is our one instance of a Kethys, the Hidden Hand combo deck. Nothing you know, outlandish here. I like Gilded Goose as a way to uh, you know, accelerate. I think we could be doing a little bit more with Emery. You know, Emery's a really good uh, graveyard enabler, milling four. We only have the four copies of Mox Amber for artifacts. I think we could do a little bit more with that um and i've heard from other people who are trying this deck out i know dylan hand uh ha- has been testing it out a bit recently he thinks Multi multifarious is a really important card in the deck being able to basically become a kethas uh that you mill over uh or, or you know with it, or maybe become dolton excavator or something like that just to increase the deck's consistency so uh, i would look to maybe add some more lazavs but i like to ferry a lot i like oko as this backup plan you know We're we're still, we're playing Oath of Nyssa, which is also uh, a nice enabler. So nothing outlandish here. I just think we could be doing a little bit more with Emery.
0: Yeah. And I got to agree with everything. I think I would want more Lazov. That was like the only thing I thought of when I looked at this deck, this deck's not my speed. So I'm not going to have much to say about it. It's not the kind of deck that I generally like to play, but the more Lazov idea sounds great to me. So,
1: okay. Uh, ZX rogue up next with my next sweet deck of the, of the deck dump, uh, I am a huge fan of trying to play Mox Amber in sort of aggressive shells. And there's a pretty good density of aggressive legendary creatures. We have This is a Boros list, and it's four Zergo Bell Striker, four Kithian Hero of Akros, four Kharizav Skyship Raider, three Brimaz King of the Oreos, and then uh, some Planeswalkers. So we have enough to turn Mox Amber on and casting, you know... If you go turn one, Zergo, you know, turn two, you get to play a three drop. So we're accelerating to some good threes like Brimaz and Goblin Rabblemaster. Both really benefit from getting down early for accelerating into our Gideon ally of Zendikar. That's another one, nice one to accelerate into. Um, so uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm just a big fan of trying to use Mox Amber like this. I know I've tried to do it in modern with um, sort of a death and taxes style shell. So I I took, like, you know, cards that even aren't in Pioneer, like Isamaru, along with Kithian and some other white legends. And, you know, I played a bit around with the deck, and it was actually kind of powerful. Like, you could play turn one double one-drop because it was mono-white. Here, it's awkward because your two one-drops are different colors. Your Mox Amber is never going to cast both on turn one. Uh but you could like I would have games where I went like turn one, double one drop, turn two, you know, thalia or turn two lean and arbiter ghost quarter you and get you know that strip mine when I already have a pretty good battlefield. And Mox Amber is just a really powerful card when you enable it. It's a mox. So uh, I, I like trying to do this. I think they're they're playing the right creatures. I think Brimaz is a little underpowered, uh, but the other legends I like. But maybe you just need Brimaz. I'm not sure what other ones are available. Maybe um actually uh uh Tajik the Legion's Edge that one might be a cool one. Let's your Mox Amber tap for either color. You know gets your one drops that are you know maybe not the best in combat to be a little bit bigger. You know, pumping your Kari's Eve is also nice with first strike and menace. Uh, oh yeah, with, for sure. Yeah, so I, I think Tajik is one I would try in the Brimare slot, but otherwise I like this deck.
0: Yeah, I like this deck a lot. Don't really have much else to say. You got to hit everything. Yeah, this deck looks sweet.
1: Okay, I'm excited about this next deck again. Spokes playing a green Stompy deck. Four copies of Aspect of Hydra. <laughs> this this man speaks to you. <laughs> yes. And notably, we have a card recently printed that combos super well with Aspect. This is Sir Farin the Hengehammer. Throne of Eldrain, Green Green for a 2-2, legendary creature. When it attacks, another target attacking creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is Farron's power. So you aspect your Farron, you attack with it, and then another creature gets a huge buff. So now you got two brigands attacking. You know, Steel of Champion might not be able to be blocked. If Pell Collector gets really big, it has trample uh are loot, loot has, yeah, well. has trample as well has so uh i like a lot of what this deck is doing i think dried militant is a nice little one drop for this deck just efficient body that's going to disrupt a lot of what people are doing if they're trying to delve or jace or do stuff like that and we're playing once upon a time in our forest creature deck what's not to like
0: no i like this deck a lot i mean you can tell this person knows exactly what they're trying to do when you have four slaughter horn in your deck Slaughterhorn is a 3-2 for 3 mana, but it has Blood Rush. You can discard it to give a target attacking creature plus 3 plus 2 for a green. So this is a creature that's also giant growth on like an attacking creature. So you can tell this person is just trying to get you dead as soon as possible. So yeah. pretty good with the nice, you know, being able to pump up uh, Surferrin and stuff like that. Like, yeah, the draws that involve Surferrin in this deck are going to be pretty unfair.
1: Yeah, keep in mind that you can attack with Surferon, put the trigger on the stack, and blood rush slaughterhorn, targeting the Surferon to, you know, then make right. that trigger do a little bit more damage as well. This is a deck that can, you know, there's not all, there's not any interaction here in the main deck, but this is a deck that can kill you on probably turn three with its best draws.
0: Yeah, multiple aspects of Hydra or something like that. Yeah, very easy to kill from there.
1: If you go like well, if you go like turn one, pelt collector, turn two, surferon, turn three uh, you know, attack, slaughterhorn, aspect, aspect. Is that enough? So yeah, attacker, I think it's worth more than enough, right? Yeah, three our, our are yeah. three there. Do we do we only need two of them? So if our we only two, yeah. Well, th- then we're doing eighteen, right? Our surfering gets to eight, and then our uh, our uh, pal collector gets to ten. So we can do eighteen on turn three with not like that unreasonable of a draw. So. Yeah, your best draws are going to kill on turn three. You're going to kill on turn four quite a bit with this deck if they're not interacting with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they're shock lands in the format, so we always get, can kind of get them. All right, moving on. We have Xantari uh, at the, uh, the next 5-0. And this one is a green-red, just gets you dead as soon as possible. I call this one 4 whack. You know, we used to have 8 whack in, in Modern, but this is just a bunch of really aggressive early drop creatures uh, kind of sitting around Foundry Street Denizen. It's a 1-1 for 1 in red. It says, whenever another red creature enters the battlefield you control, Foundry Sheezy gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. Almost every other creature in the, in the deck is red, has haste, but you're looking at a Burning Tree Emissary Reckless Bushwhacker deck. And Reckless Bushwhacker is a two and a red, two, one that has haste. But you can cast it for its surge cost, which is one and a red, if you've cast another spell this turn. And when it's surged, when it comes into play, uh, other creatures you control get plus one, plus zero and haste until end of turn. So uh, you definitely see it doing a bunch of big huge attacks along with burning tree emissary in the same turn with these uh these creatures that are very under a lot of haste you're seeing a tarkas command as well in this deck along with stoke the flames and wild slash uh they're just trying to get you dead as soon as possible
1: we uh, this is the you know shell of a tarka red we've seen quite a bit the one real innovation here is we're playing four copies of once upon a time so we're following your rule green man and creatures equals once upon a time that's not a card you really see in these lists I think it's interesting here and in that it helps you find Emissary and Bushwhacker that often. You're not really going to need that much help finding a one-drop, but it is, is Once Upon a Time good enough to really fit in this deck? I'm I'm a little skeptical, but the card's super powerful, so what do I know?
0: Uh, I've actually played against this deck, and they Once Upon a Time on turn one in both of the games that I played, and it felt very good. It just okay. ensured, it ensured that they had, like, Either the reckless bushwhacker or the burnery emissary, or it started on Foundry Street Denizen, which is usually their best start on turn one. It's the one one drop that doesn't have haste, but it's the one that you want the most on turn one, and it just dealt so much extra damage because of that. And yeah, I like this deck a lot.
1: This is definitely a deck that wants its first two to three turns to be excellent, and Once Upon a Time is just the best card at ensuring your first. Two to three turns are excellent.
0: Yeah, and not to mention, I will say this, like if, if the game goes a little long, you kind of have to build up a board and they're like trying to stay stabilize. You can have a turn. I mean, you only have 16 land. But you can have a turn where you cast once upon a time, find Reckless Bushwhacker and then surge it. Like you can make four land drops in this deck. I mean, it doesn't happen super often because you don't want to be doing that, but it is something that can
1: happen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next up, we have Squirrel Overlord. Kind of a juke here with the name, because they're playing Esper Control. Not a lot of squirrels in the deck.
0: Yeah, I would have expected some creatures for sure. <laughs> yeah,
1: we only got 2 the two Torrential Gearhulks. This is more of a Gearhulk dig deck than a Revelation deck. We got two two dig, one rev. Uh, but pr- pretty typical here. Nothing really surprising. We've got black mainly for our spot removal, like we uh, said in part one. But just a, just a normal Esper Control deck. This shell continuing to put up numbers and, and get people to these trophies.
0: Hey, absolutely uh i think the only thing you just, you just nailed it it's, it's the blue eye control deck with you know four fatal push it's got a hero's downfall in it too and in some drown of the locks but like i think this is where you want to be with the deck besides the the few that we said that we really liked that were azorius you need a good reason to not be splashing fatal push in this format yeah it's pretty dang easy with the uh, the mana also a little cool thing this deck runs three narset it has the narset Gyreach sanitarium combo which is cute and yeah, like, that's like one of the things that sets this
1: one apart, but that's about it. Okay. Another Esper control deck up next. This is Bladwig, Bladewig. There's no E in Blade, but uh, yeah. whatever. We uh, Another pretty typical Esper deck. This one's more Planeswalker heavy. We saw a build like that with Azorius earlier. Uh, now we have a Kaya Orzov Usurper, which was uh, popular for a little bit in standard, but, but pretty typical Esper deck. This one more Planeswalker heavy, so no Torrential Gearhulks. But again, like just... All solid, interactive cards. We see these control decks doing well.
0: Yeah, uh, three hieroglyphic illuminations in this one with no Torrential girl Hulk, but you know, want to get the, the graveyard as full as quickly as possible. There's Jace in this deck, and there's... Uh, is there dig-through? Yeah, there's one dig-through time, so definitely want to make sure that happens and you draw your cards and your mana as, as quickly as possible. There's also an Anguish Done Making, a card that we haven't really seen in a lot of these decks, but Anguish unmaking Making is one white-black. It's an instant, and it exiles target non-land permanent, and you lose three life. Definitely a... Uh, Underused removal spell in this format that I've seen a lot of the Esper decks that can answer, you know, some planeswalkers, some big threats or whatever early. Losing the life kind of sucks, but. This is a very ubiquitous answer. Yeah. That's three mana and an instant. You know, and it's something that these decks can could definitely you need. You see
1: a lot of these control decks playing Detention Sphere to do a similar effect. Mm-hmm. And you've expressed you know some reservations over that card in a format where abrupt decay is as popular as it is. And Anguish in mm-hmm. the Making, if you go into Esper instead of Azorius, is the kind of card that you could upgrade Detention Sphere into. You don't want to play it in high numbers because you can't take that life loss that often. But it will right. you know cleanly answer these planeswalkers and enchantments and artifact threats that you need to answer and will do so without leaving you vulnerable to those decays.
0: Yep, uh last little piece. There's also a secure the waste in this deck, another card that we haven't really seen in a lot of the uh the any of the control decks that have
1: white in Yeah, them. Just uh, uh was popular in modern for a bit, but definitely a, a good option as a singleton if you just want that one win condition. Next up we have a, another green devotion deck. This is from Von Shuggle. This is a simic list. We got our Hydra Crisis's three Oko's on the main, so really going hard on that. But you know, this is a typical uh simic deck. We see a lot of control, we also see a lot of devotion, so uh, Just another sort of pretty stock list. Uh, And this is a deck that you need to be prepared for.
0: Yeah, nothing really to add on to here. Sorry to, you know, not pimp their deck out too much, like while we're talking about it. But we've seen this list a lot. It's just this is the Hydro Crisis version. Uh, I think this is just a this is a deck that's like level one of this format. This one's good. It's very good. You're going to play against it. Be ready yeah. for it.
1: Now we have uh, a neat one with Acousti playing Mono Red Devotion. This is a deck I think might be a little bit underrated. I think Goblin Chainroller is really good in this format and isn't seeing a ton of play because the aggro decks don't really want to play uh, a, a sort of mid rangeish ish three drop, but it fits really well in this deck. We see the combo with Torbrin Th- Thane of Redfell, only a singleton Torbrin, but we can still uh, do it. Four Fanatic of Mogus as our main uh, Devotion payoff. No copies of Nykthos, though, so we don't have Burning Tramus here. We're really trying to be more of an aggro deck. Um, not sure how I feel about that plan, but I get where we're coming from. The card I actually really like, and something I over, overlooked, actually, in writing about Devotion this week, Runaway Steamkin. Uh, I, I, I stress that when you build these Devotion decks, you want to get to the battlefield quickly. Runaway Steamkin is a card that gets you onto the battlefield quickly.
0: Oh, absolutely. It also gives you a payoff, you know, when you play a bunch of spells, you can keep going and then it generates more red mana. So you have the huge turns where like you're able to run away Seamkin, play a few spells, play a Torburn in the same turn and then probably be able to kill them. It also works really well with Stoke the Flames as well as like comboing out of that. Where you can see two Dragon Mantle in this deck as a way to kind of like cycle through the deck a little bit extra, add a little bit extra devotion, you know, things like that. Also, I mean, you're seeing a real consideration for Devotionary. There's two Boros Reckoner main. There's three Goblin Chain Whirler. I think this is one of the reasons that, like, you're not seeing Nykthos in the deck, along with the card Ash Zealot. Uh, Ash Zealot can randomly do some cool stuff in this format. Like, the second ability, I think we talked about this in episode one, where a player casts a spell from the graveyard. It deals three damage to that player. That can, that can definitely happen in this format.
1: Yeah, definitely. So uh, a nice little aggressive creature to watch out for. Another card I think is being overlooked: Fire Drinker Sader. There's a lot of available red one drops, but Sader is actually is a really nice one. That pump ability, even though it's dealing damage to you, is really good for getting your one drop in late in the game. A nice mana sink. Uh, especially if you're gonna go full on devotion and maybe add Nykthos to this deck, Fire Drinker Sator would be a, a great one drop and just starting your curve early to get on the battlefield. Uh, so you fuel your fanatic Amogus, get that damage in early, get extra devotion. Really nice. Uh, I think the you know even more normalized red deck should be looking at Fire Drinker uh and considering that in their one drop slot.
0: Absolutely. If we move on to our next deck, we're gonna get a pretty sweet one here from the Pronoun. It's a Wilderness Reclamation deck. Uh, they're moving into Bant here. They get to have a fog effect in the deck. Uh, with fog being actual legal, there's something that you could think about here, but Haze of Pollen seems pretty good. Haze of Pollen is fog for one and a green, but it also is cycling for three. So in the matchups where you don't need to be fogging, it's nice to have a cycler. You're looking at a deck here that's got uh you know four Gross Spiral, four Hero- hieroglyphic Illumination, three Nexus of Fate, and three Sphinx Revelation. So it's kind of like the one that we talked about on day one. It's got a few planeswalkers as well, with Teferi, uh Hero of Dominaria, Teferi, Time Raveler, and Oko. So it can, it can actually play the Planeswalker battle uh, way and win that way. But this one has a few more ways to win than just uh, trying to Nexus of Fate into a creature, yeah. uh, a land uh, a land creature. No,
1: I, I like it. I think Teferi obviously like fits well into these decks, uh, both of them actually. Uh, I, I'm a little weirded out by only three Nexus of Fate, but maybe that's all you need. Although it's card draw with Sphinx of Revelation and Hieroglyphic Elimination and the Planeswalkers. Uh, so, I, th- I think this is a well built list. If, if you're the kind of person that wants to be wilderness reclamationing, I would definitely uh, take a close look at this one.
0: Yeah, moving on to the next one, we have, is uh, it Kralix? I guess that's how yeah. you pronounce this. Just a uh, a mono red kind of get you dead as soon as possible deck. You're looking at a little bit of prowess here. Um, some Eidolons in the main deck. That's something we haven't really seen out of a lot of the decks. That's like the different part. But uh, this one's more. This one has you know fifteen creatures in it, but you are also looking at a lot of burn spells as well in the main deck here. Yep, definitely um, a burn heavy uh, list. Up with, yeah, Boris charms, lightning strikes, searing bloods, wild slashes. So, uh, it's got a Chandra, Fire of Kaladesh, the creature flip into Planeswalker one from the Origin cycle yeah. of uh, Planeswalkers. Really cool edition. I like that one. We've seen it pop up in a few lists, but you know, we've we've seen this deck. Nothing yeah. really to different to the talk Chandra about. is a
1: high risk high reward card you know three mana two toughness it's going to die a lot but if it transforms and it's really easy to transform basically if you just untap i think if you untap this card you're transforming at the next turn almost every time uh it's a really powerful card to transform so i, I like trying it out as a one of see see what it can do because this is a card that you know has a, a really high high ceiling
0: yeah absolutely and if we uh, move on to the next deck one of my favorite names that made the 5-0 list and the entire list with vampire Garlic Pizza. Uh, just playing, in so vampires is it, on
1: the pizza, or are we serving the garlic pizza to the vampires as like
0: a—that's uh, open for
1: interpretation. Okay. I'm not sure.
0: I, I think it's 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 everyone, but uh have we, have we actually talked about this deck before the the is it phoenix deck? this
1: is the first list that has come up this is is it phoenix uh there's only one in the deck dump but there were multiple copies in the top eight of the challenge so this is a deck that right. well uh and this is a pretty typical list from what we've seen i know in versus live i played a more controlling list i didn't think a list like this would actually work out because i i didn't think there were a high enough density of one mana spells but importantly there's uh lightning axe and fiery temper in this deck fire temper almost always acts as one mana with all the discard outlets and lightning axe i think is really good i've talked about how much i like reckless rage and decks that can play that effectively because it's one mana instant speed kills fellow guardian lightning axe is the same way and the discard outlet is great with with arclight phoenix and then having all these extra one-mana spells makes fueling Treasure Cruise so much easier. So this deck gets to play four copies of Treasure Cruise. This is a hard card for most decks to play. We haven't really seen a lot of copies of it. So I think one of the big advantages of Is It Phoenix is the fact that it actually gets to be a Treasure Cruise deck.
0: Yeah, and if you ever get to Treasure Cruise for one, any of the turns, that's extremely powerful. I, this is my pick for one of the best decks early in the format. And I mean, we could definitely go in deeper on it when we talk about the uh, the actual challenge. But yeah, this deck's great. Huge fan of it. Uh, I've got it sleeved up already. That should tell you something.
1: I'm sure I've got the cards. I'll get it together soon. One thing I will say is uh, if you like this deck and you want to be playing in in Pioneer, Ryan Overturf has been streaming with this deck a lot, so check him out, Uh, and I will echo his words on Merchant of the Veil. This card is unplayable. Get it out of your decks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely, you can maybe play some more strategic plannings, maybe another one drop somewhere, uh, one mana spell. I'd rather play basic forest. You'd rather play basic That's strong. I think that's wrong, but that is really strong.
1: You have a lot of colorless symbols in the deck, just I'd rather play basic forms. It would be less embarrassing. Okay, okay. All right, buddy. At least maybe they'll think I have, like, Ancient Grudge on the sideboard if that card's not legal.
0: All right, let's move on to the next deck. I'm going to let you talk about this one because you played a little bit more during the days of this deck being good.
1: Uh, Yeah, this is Abzan Rally, a deck I haven't been a a huge fan of, and this is a pretty stock list of it. Um, You know, we've got our graveyard enablers, we can cast our rallies, but without a lot of interaction, you know... I think in when this deck was in standard, it was doing really well because opposing decks were trying to interact a lot and its creatures were good against interaction. Like nobody wants to kill Midnight Reaper and Elvish Visionary uh, or like Catacomb Sifter. They're all generating value. And nobody can kill Cartel Aristocrats. So uh there's uh, there's a lot to like about this deck if you're playing against heavy removal decks, you know, the Azorius controls and Grixis controls of the metagame. But I think this deck is gonna struggle quite a bit with like Cat combo decks with green devotion decks. You can go off pretty early, but you're a little bit slower. Um, one noted innovation here is we have four copies of Midnight Reaper. This is over Grim Haruspex that the old uh, decks used to play. Reaper, you know, you lose a life when things die, but it will, you know, uh, give you a card when it dies. Whereas the Harrispex doesn't. It's only other creatures, so they can kill the Specs. It'll leave you without being able to generate value. Against the red decks, I think that's a loss that you don't want, but against every other matchup, Midnight Reaper seems like a slight upgrade, but I just haven't been super impressed by this deck.
0: Yeah, me either. Uh, I think this was one of the ones people were worried about. You know, this might be the boogeyman of the format, and it just hasn't performed yet. So maybe there's a point where the metagame shifts and it'll be good and fit in there better, but we'll have to see.
1: We got Twisted Wombat. This is a Jeskai humans deck. We've seen a lot of, you know, sort of human-centric aggressive decks. I just think Thalia's Lieutenant, super powerful card. And so we're seeing a lot of different ways to utilize this. This one's Jeskai, so we get to Mantis Rider without really destroying our mana. Uh, I'm a pretty big fan of that. I think some of these numbers are weird. There's a lot of two rows, and in particular, two Boros Elite is a weird number. This is a card that usually goes in decks that have a lot of one drops, you know, 12 plus. How many do we see here? We got two Giant Killer, two Kithian, so that's six. And then just four inspectors, so we've got 10. That, that's a little bit light for me. Um, there are like haste creatures like Mantis Rider, Robber of the Rich, and Tajik Legion's End help out Bor- Battalion a lot because then you can surprise them and you know, get that third creature. Also, the 1-1 body can crew Smuggler's Copter, which we see four copies of. But, you know, Boris Elite. just is for me kind of an all or nothing card and we're going a little bit halfway with it, but I like a lot of what this deck is doing. I like a lot of haste to help against these cheap planes walkers. We have wild slash, which is just a nice cheap removal spell to deal with an early blocker or land elves or stop the cat combo. I think Boris Charm is excellent in this deck, really good against Supreme Verdict and a nice bit of reach. So uh, I like a lot of what this deck is, is doing. I think the numbers can be massaged a little and be a little bit better tuned, but the, I think this might be one of the better ways to take the human aggressive deck, which is definitely an archetype we're seeing a lot of.
0: Yeah, and uh, the only thing I want to add is you have two Tajik, two robber of the Rich in this deck, so definitely some difference in the creature suite than we've seen in some of the other ones. There's also two giant killer. In this deck. So a little bit different than what we've seen in some of the other ones, but you know, I definitely like this one's mana base a lot better too. Like your mana base is great.
1: Yeah, definitely better mana than the list we saw with four colors for collected company. Next up, another spirits deck. This is Azoria Spirits from Deathgara Gara four. Uh not much to say about this one. Pretty typical spirits deck, but the just one...
0: straight blue-white, you know, the one we saw earlier, I think was Esper.
1: Yeah. The, and we see what we saw Bant earlier too on uh, in part yeah. one. The interesting card here, and I like it quite a bit, is Sky Tether. This is a one-white enchantment aura enchanted creature, and it gives the enchanted creature defender and makes it lose flying. So this is just a great, you know, removal spell for this specific deck. You know, almost all of your creatures you're trying to be aggressive with, and they fly. So you're going to remove a blocker with this card almost every time and stop them from racing back because it has defender, you know, normally a card like this in an aggressive deck would just give them a good blocker which is what they want anyway here because it loses flying really poor blocker so this is the kind of like you know niche removal spell that is a payoff for being in an archetype like this you know white right removal is really bad in this format we've talked about that this is just almost one mana terminate
0: yeah this is their version of path to exile kind of in the deck yeah you're also seeing two copies of favorable winds in, in this deck which is one and a blue enchantment that creatures you control will fly and get plus one plus one so they have like Ten lord effects along with that of inferior angle uh eagle and four uh supreme phantom to kind of help make their th- these creatures can be anemic by themselves so you need this effect at 10 is a lot which i kind of like because you don't have collective company to go find it like you did in modern along with smuggler's copper yeah this deck looks great i kind of like these decks and i'm going to be sleeving one of these up really soon yeah
1: uh next up we have eli bay chan uh, playing a mardu vehicle stack i don't know what I played. We played a little bit with vehicles and versus live, and we were Corey and I were impressed by those shells. And this is the only vehicle, like true vehicles list we're seeing in this deck dump. So a little disappointing to not see more of these kinds of shells. But this one, you know, pretty typical. I think Bone Crusher Giant is uh, a little surprising, but just a nice bit of card advantage. This card might just be, you know, a powerful enough card that it, it sees play. You know, everybody's playing Wild Slash. It's one of the most played red cards. And Bone Crusher Giant is like, you know, the, that means Stop is a good card, which means Bone Crusher Giant's a good card. Uh, right. Uh, one thing I will say, the mana base in this deck uh, seems kind of weak, and we're not we see zero copies of Thraben Inspector, and uh, Thraben Inspector is both just a, a good magic card, has seen a ton of play, great at crewing Smuggler's Copter and helps turn on your Spire of Industry early to help your mana so uh, I think this deck really is going to miss not having Thraben Inspector I'd like to work those in, though you do have Veteran Motorist to help you know smooth out your draws
0: yeah, I mean Toolcraft Exemplar into Veteran Motors or into Smuggler's Copter or Heart of Cure and is still a very strong start. You could back it up with Thought Season Unlicensed disintegration. This is gonna kill a lot of people whose, whose, uh, whose draws aren't up to snuff. Like you aren't fast enough to keep up. So yeah, definitely a deck to look out for. Also, if you want to build this deck, you can find the old uh, like pre-con constructed decks that that Watsi was doing for a little while. And I think they're only like $20 something online and you get a large portion of this deck. You get like $30 to $40 to $50 worth of stuff, including a lot of these lands, which is nice. It's like a very good way to start this deck. You know what I'm saying? As a cheap way to do it. So very cool thing that could help you gravitate towards this deck if you like being aggressive.
1: I did not know that existed, but good point. Let's get uh, moving on. We have Cactus Man 22 with a mono white human stack. I think this shell is pretty powerful. I have... One word in my notes about this deck, though. Do you know what that word is? What? It is LOXODON in all caps. Where are my venerated loxodons? Why are there there no venerated loxodons?
0: That's definitely a good question. I think that card is extremely powerful and just a very good card in decks like this. I mean, you can cast it as easy as turn three very easily in a deck like this. Um, Also, a cool card that you haven't really seen show up too much. There's Mardu Woe Reaper. In this deck, uh, it allows you to. Ex- it's a it's a savanna lion. It's one white mana for two one. But when it comes into play or another warrior enters the battlefield under your control, you can exile target creature card in a graveyard. And you, if you do, you gain a life. This can help slow down opposing decks. Uh, like you know, any deck trying to do like traverse stuff or any like the dredgy kind of decks or just in the uh creature mirrors where you're kind of racing. This can push you over the top. So cool little find for another good one drop in this in this um, type.
1: Yeah, deck. definitely a one drop so, I overlooked.
0: Yeah, also Soldier of the Pantheon is very good in this format. Yeah,
1: dodges Abrupt Decay, attacks by a lot of stuff, doesn't get, you know, bounced by Teferi, things like that. So there's we're little- mess with, with Oko and stuff. Yeah, there's yet. a high density of just good 1-mana one two ones with upside in both white and black. And so I, I kind of like these monocolor aggressive decks. I think Brave the Elements is a really strong payoff for them. But you, you got to get venerate locks out on in this deck. Come on, Cactus Man. Yep. Get, get some elephants in here. That card is just really, really good.
0: <laughs> All right, no, uh, up next, we have another uh, Saheli Rai deck. This one is kind of the Jeskai version of the deck with a lot of Planeswalkers. Looking at Gideons, Jace Architect of Thought, Saheeli Rai, Teferi Time Raveler, Thraben Inspector kind of help, like, keep you alive early in the game, get to your Felder Guardians. There's a, swelter, a couple Sweltering Suns and some Red Removal and Dig Through Time in the deck. So very straightforward saheeli ride deck protects what's going on kill a couple of early things dig through time and kill them yeah
1: this is just another take on the more controlling Jeskai list 3 inspector looks a little weird like i said this is just a good, just a good card you know it can trade early against aggressive decks against those one mana two ones it's a good thing to blink with felidar guardian like it this is not just a card that you put in your deck that wants a bunch of white one drops 3 inspector is just a good magic card
0: yeah absolutely uh there's two Dire Fleet Daredevils in the sideboard here, a card that uh, I kind of have like pushed aside with with my cards for this format, where if you're playing in a format like this, where there's just a bunch of stuff like wild slash opt dig through times of this card can kind of go way up in value in the matchups where you're both doing those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, completely agree. Uh Let's uh let's move on past some cats. We got uh my next sweet deck. I, I don't know if this is like number five or six, but we're getting near the end of them. Not too many remaining. This is from Mogged, And this is a, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what do I, I have it labeled as Atarka Gruel, but this is not the Atarka red deck where that is like super heavy on red one drops is just splashing green. This is a true gruel deck. We're actually starting the curve at the eight Llanowar Elves, Llanowar Elves, Elvish Mystic, we still have Burning Tree Emissary, Reckless Bushwhacker, but we're playing those mana accelerants because we also have eight goblin rabble masters, you know, rabble master itself and Legion of Warboss. That's our creature base. We have eight mana creatures, we have the eight combo creatures, and we have the eight token generating creatures. And that means we're going to be casting, you know, because we have Once Upon a time, only three, so I know you're disappointed, but maybe we got a fourth one in, uh, you know, tuning the list. You know, we're going to, this deck is trying to go turn one accelerant, turn two, play one of these goblins and start making tokens in a lot of games. And these are cards that can run away with the game really quickly when you cast them on turn two. And there's a lot of actual ways to use the tokens. You know, they get pumped by burn, by Reckless Bushwhacker when you surge it with Burning Tree Emissary. One of the issues uh, with the tokens is that they're often forced to they are forced to attack. Um, and sometimes they just get eaten by a blocker and that's rough. But this deck has Stoke the Flames, which we saw in Standard. Great way to just tap it in the beginning of combat step after it's made and get some value. But we also have Smuggler's Copter. So, you know, if your mana creature gets killed, you can play turn two, Smuggler's Copter. Turn three, play a Rattle master. If they have a blocker, you take that token, you crew it in the beginning of the combat step, and then you attack with the copter, and you can start assembling extra tokens that way without their ability to block. But it's not like they can race back because if your opponent tries to race back and doesn't have that blocker, you just get in with your big goblin now and set up these really big attacks. You know, they can get pumped by Bushwhacker and a Tarkus Command. There's a lot of synergy in this deck, and I actually like it quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I think this is like the tightest one that we've seen of this kind of deck. You know, everything works together. There's no card that sticks out. There's no card that you're like, well, I'm not sure about this one here or maybe we want more copies of that there. I like this one a lot. I think this one's really
1: streamlined. Yeah, definitely. Good deck building here. Uh, next up, another pet deck of mine. This is Mono Blue Devotion from Tilt. Uh, I think this deck has some legs in the format. I think the combo of Siren Storm Tamer and Master of Waves is awesome. I think you get got some good upgrades in Merfolk Trickster. We get to play Curious Obsession. Um I, I like all the cards this deck is playing. One thing I will say is I think the land count is a little low. The old standard versions used to play twenty-five lands. It was four all and a, a single copy of Nycthos. I don't think you really need the Nycthos these days. I actually just want the 21st Island. You know, the the Mono Blue Devotion deck in Standard secretly had a pretty bad mana base. Twenty islands is not enough to consistently cast Tempest Jan or back then uh Nightmill Spectre. Twenty one, you're you're right about there. I think you really want twenty two, but I'm, I'm with Curious Obsession. You can maybe draw some extra cards early. So I, I want to just go up on lands. I think the deck is powerful enough to win, even if you draw you know one or two more lands than you would want. You have a mana sink in Thassa, and then Brazen Borrower is a nice little addition too. And that's also a mana sink. It can function like a five drop uh, to help you keep curving out. So I think this deck has legs. We saw there was a version of it in the top four of the, um, the challenge. Of the challenge. Yep. I actually like this list a little bit more than that one. That one was trying to be a little bit more tempo-y with four copies of Quench, a super underpowered card in the main deck. This list is really, uh, you know, more streamlined devotion. The, my, my one quibble is, I think, the, the mana base is a little light.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like this deck a lot. I'm a big fan of Mono Blue. If you want to play this deck in this format, the one thing I want to tell you tell people is you're going to have to pay attention to the metagame pretty well because, you, you know, if you get to the points where something like Harbinger of Tides isn't good or, you know... Uh, depending on like your creatures are pretty changeable, right? Like the two twos for two, there's a couple different options that you can use that might be better in certain metagames and stuff. So like, that's something that you definitely need to keep your eye on.
1: You could definitely main deck Tidebinder mage. And I think, elves are everywhere to yeah, do stuff like that. So yeah, you know, But back in standard, this deck was really just playing the, all the good blue creatures. It could is a main decking for Tidebinder mage. Now you actually have options. See, so you, you know, mm-hmm. options are a good thing, but it means you have to, you know, stay on top of, stay on top of stuff.
0: Yep. Uh, and the next deck we got up coming up is a pretty interesting one, kind of a creature combo deck centered around Court of Calling and Collected Company.
1: Yeah. You know, we've, we've seen the decks in Modern that play like uh, Malira and a Sack Outlet and Kitchen Finks. This is going a little bit different. We're playing Eldrazi Displacer, a familiar one, and then Biomancer's Familiar, another familiar one. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I,
0: I thought you were just going to let that pun just like slip in there and then you had to just like beat it into the ground. No, we,
1: we're, we're, we're beating it to death. So uh, for those that don't know, Biomancer is familiar. It's blue-green for a 2-2. Uh, there's a, a tap activated ability that's completely irrelevant. Uh, but the real uh, coup here is it says activated abilities of creatures you control cost 2 less to activate. This effect can't reduce the amount of mana and ability cost to activate to less than 1. So it reduces Eldrazi so you to just needing a colorless mana to activate. And then you combo that with Eyeless Watcher, a 3 and a green 1-1 devoid creature. When it enters the battlefield, you make 2-1-1 Eldrazi Scions that can sacrifice to add a colorless mana. So you sacrifice one of them, then you, you know activate the Eldrazi Displacer targeting the Eyeless Watcher, you get two more. Sacrifice one of those two, you keep looping, and you make you know an unbounded number of Eldrazi Scion tokens, so you have a nice little combo. There's only one copy of Eyeless Watcher, which is the weakest piece, so you know Quarter Calling is generally finding that when you're setting up the combo. Eldrazi Displacer is just a powerful magic card, and we see a lot of pain lands here to enable it. Yeah, four Yav Mayakos, three Haship Oasis to shoehorn some colorless Mana into the deck. Uh, and Biomancers familiar, not a great card here, uh, but we have wisely included a second creature that it goes nicely with, and that's Duskwatch Recruiter. You know, one and a green, two, two. You can pay two and a green, look at the top three cards of your library, reveal a creature card from among them, put it into your hand, put the rest on the bottom. So the biomancer's is familiar on the battlefield. This activates for a single green mana, and so you're going to dig hard and maybe dig for the Eyeless Watcher or just generate a ton of value. I like turning this uh, card that would normally be just a combo piece and a two mana two two into something that synergizes more heavily with the deck so that your fair plan is a little bit better. I'm not sure if the combo is robust enough to be, you know, good, but I think this is a well built deck.
0: Yeah, I'm a little worried about playing a deck that's centered around Biomancer Familiar and it dies to like every removal spell in the format, like all the shocks and everything, but this deck is definitely cool. And if you like the creature based combos, this is definitely one to look
1: yeah, at for you can sure. still Definitely go, just go end of turn collecting company, you know, have find familiar displacer, untap cord for eyeless watcher and, and games that way. Um, I, I kind of want to see one Walking Ballista as a way to win outside of combat.
0: Yeah, I definitely like that idea, actually. I was thinking about that. I was like, I think there's maybe one more thing we're missing here, and that's,
1: that's probably yep. it. Uh, next up, we have another Red Devotion deck. This is from Return to Dust. We see this one committing fully, playing some copies of Nykthos. And we're also see it committing to the Chain Whirler-Torbrin combo. Four Chain Whirlers and three Torbrin. So really trying to hammer home that mini Sweeper to the point where we're only actually only playing three copies of Fnatic of Mogus. I think that's a little bit weird because that's a really powerful payoff um but this is definitely a heavy devotion deck a card i really like in this deck is chandra torture defiance you know adds extra mana to get helps you get onto the battlefield acts as removal while still being a permanent to build devotion and generates a lot of card advantage it's just a really powerful card i think it fits perfectly into this deck and i would be want to I wouldn't want to play more than two copies.
0: Yeah, this deck's even got a Profros in it and a Hammer of Profros, a little on-theme, a couple little cool uh, permanents that can go a long way in winning games. It's also got three Rampaging Ferocedon main, uh, not banned in this format, and uh, an extra way main without having to play removal spells that can stop the Saheeli Rai combo, another thing to think about.
1: Yeah, definitely. So we're, uh, some heady additions there. I, I kind of like the Red Devotion deck. Uh it was always I think an underrated deck in standard. I actually kind of struggled with it with mono blue, even though I had Tidebinder Mage and Master of Waves in my deck, because it would just sort of go over the top of me right. with with Fnatic of Mogus. Uh it was it was a weird, weird matchup and one that I I, I always thought that deck was underrated.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like you just they their bigger plays are generally just better because they kill you. It's not just like a big creature or something that you need multiple turns to get value out of, and you don't remove their permanents too much so they're going to eventually accrue a lot of value into their fanatic yeah definitely a good deck definitely underrated like you said Should definitely looked at more
1: next up we have ill paws playing a simic eldrazi deck uh i Once again, I'm I'm skeptical of Reality Smasher, but I really like the way this deck is built. It's, uh, once again, mostly Foros, but there's no chaff, and every card makes a lot of sense. And there's a couple things, like little synergies, that are great. I think Smuggler's Copter is awesome in this deck. It's easy to cast for a deck that wants to play a lot of colorless lands. You know, we see some Mutavaults, great colorless land to add, by the way. Um, But this deck crews it really well. We're playing, you know, Elvish Mystic or Elves as Acceleration, which Eldorazi decks always want. They can crew Copter once you're done Accelerating. But the real big one is Eldrazi Sky Spawner. I've always liked this card over Mattery Shaper in aggressive Eldrazi decks that have Same mana. Up. You know, evasive body provides some extra acceleration so that you can turn three Reality Smasher in some games. But that one one Eldrazi sign is also great at Crew and Copter. You know, if you don't have an Elvish Mystic or it dies, you go turn two Copter, turn three Sky Spawner, the Scion Cruise. The next turn you can crew in your main phase with that uh, Sky Spawner and then use it to cast a Smasher and you're attacking for ten. On turn four.
0: Yeah, I definitely like the build of this deck. I, I like uh this kind of Eldrazi theme. Elder Deep Fiend, definitely a really good card. You've got four Oko in this deck, which is really, really good. Um, the reason I like uh uh the Smasher more in this version in the past, you have 10 creatures that have five power in this deck. And if you look at the sideboard, there's there's four stubborn denials. So we're we're looking at more creatures than just uh, the normal ones with Reality Smasher plus Thought Not Seer to make sure that you have
1: Ferocious on Stubber Denial in a lot of these games. Love the stubs in the sideboard. This deck's a little light on ways to interact with the cat combo. You know, Spatial Contortion and Oko, not very good against Felder Guardian. Um, but other than that, I like the way this deck is built. And sometimes you can just time walk them with Elder Deep Fiend. We've got a Sanctum Mubugan to sort of double up on that. Maybe time stretch. Uh, and end the game. So uh, I like that this deck is good. It's going to be good at ending the game, which is what these semi Eldrazi decks need to be doing. And once again, we're following your rule for once upon a time in our forest creature deck.
0: Yeah, it's, the thing is you, you need to make sure that you have a, a, a one-mana Accelerant in this deck because you don't have uh, Eldrazi Temple. So this acts as like the extra copy of Accelerant. You 100% need it. Definitely like this deck a lot. I'm going to give this one a spin. Uh, the next deck on the list looks like Angelic Execution. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about this one because it's almost the same as one of the earlier ones. It's it's a red-white uh, heroic deck, but this one has Dreadhorde Arcanist in the main, which is, which is kind of cool and different from the last yeah,
1: one. Love Arcanist in this shell. It can go super well with Defiant Strike and Reckless Rage. Um, just another way to shoehorn some card advantage in your deck. There's a few like you know different cards in this one. We've got Expedite and Invigorated Rampage as some of our heroic cards. Most of the time you see like Titan Strength or teamer Battle Rage. Uh, but that just goes to show you that the core of the deck is really strong. You know, you, you, if as long as you got your Reckless Rages, your God's Willings, your Defiant Strikes, and your favorite Hoplites, Feathers, and 10th District Legionnaires, the rest of the deck is malleable because that core is really strong.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of like just decks that did this, if you look at the next one, Key098, did pretty much the same thing. It's another one of the... Bushwhacker, like Burning Tree, emissary, Harka mono red, red you know, yeah, it's our, yeah, tarka red. But we also see Dreadhorde Arcanist uh, added to this one as well.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mentioned, I think on on part one that Dreadhorde Arcanist plays really well with Atarkas Command because you play main phase, your Arcanist has two power, and you get to double up on command on one turn. That creates some really powerful turns as early as turn three, uh, so you can close the game out really quickly. So I like that card in this deck. You know, uh, also a wizard for your wizard's lightnings. We see four copies of that one. I think decks that enable wizard's lightning, that, that's a really big uh, addition. Most people are playing Wild Slash. and You get to play it next to a lightning bolt. Uh, so I, I like this list. I'm Not really sold on these crash throughs. Uh, but once again, like this is a strong shell. You can play around with the rest. You know, maybe this card is better than I'm, I'm giving it credit for because we do have the eight prowess creatures um, in Swiss Spear and Soulscar Mage. But, you know, that this is a deck that you have to be prepared for. This is a tier one strategy.
0: Absolutely. Uh, next up we're going to look at, uh, it's your boy, Eli <laughs> is their name. Um, this is a, this is a collective company deck, but this was a little bit different, uh, than the other ones. It's, it's band company. Uh, it's got a good bit of, uh, planeswalkers in it with three to Fairy, two Gideon, but there's fibble fit the Lost in this deck to kind of. Gets you some extra card advantage off Collecting yeah, Company.
1: Yeah, I, I think Fibble Thip's a little weird, uh, and I also think playing the two-mana mana creatures like Paradise Druid and Sylvan Curried added is a little awkward. Like We have enough untapped green to be to be playing Lanor Elvis, and Elvish Mystic. I don't think you need that much help fixing your mana. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but this is your typical like value company deck. We're not trying to assemble any like cool synergies. We're just playing the best creatures in every slot. We got our voice of resurgences, our spell callers, our deputies, our Jaces to, you know, uh, target collected company. I'd like to see some removal spells in the main to also target the Jace and get our, uh, get a little bit more, uh, versatility there. Uh, but that, that's not a huge quibble. Um, you know, I like selfless spirit against sweepers. So yeah, we're just trying to play the best creatures, be individually powerful cards. Um, One thing I'll say is we hadn't seen as much company as I kind of thought we would. You know, we we touted this as a potential staple of the format. We're seeing a little bit of it, but not quite as much as we're seeing of the mono reds, the Azorius controls. I thought it would be up at that level. And it looks like it might be a a level behind.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, It's definitely one of my picks for like most underperforming card early in the format. If we move on next, we got Bumpin. Uh, This is a four color Sahili deck uh kind of leaning on a tune with aether traverse the Uvenwald into the aether hub like energy theme um you're seeing four roger four servant of the conduit three whirler virtuoso and then all the cards you'd expect like four feldar guardian so this is a deck that like feldar guardian is going to be very good at just bouncing all of your permanents because you're still looking at four oath of nissa along with you know the three teferi four Sahili Rai, oko gideon uh ishkana like just a ton of stuff to get value
1: yeah, no, this is the typical energy shell. This is the first, you know, shell I thought of doing because that's what it was the combo was in in standard. So far, I think we've seen the sort of goose, oko, teferi, just planeswalker shell outperform this one. The energy cards are a little bit weak. We've seen sometimes Rogue Refiner make its way into those decks in small numbers, but the rest of the energy cards just, just not great. You know, I think a tune is worse than Traverse, and here you see two copies of each because they kind of want to be doing both, but you can't play that many lay of the lands in your deck. Uh, that's a little bit weird. you know, Seren of the Conduit is not a great mana creature when you compare it to the other options available. Um, so I think the energy shell is not great. You know, Harness Lightning is still good, but if if that, then Aether Hub, are they powerful enough to want to put all these other cards in your deck to enable? Uh, I think it's a little, just a little bit worse than the other shells we've seen. But once again, Cat Combo, really good. Another thing that you have to be prepared for.
0: Yeah. Seren of the Conduit really struggles in the red matchups I've found. So far, when I'm playing because yeah. it's you know it's a two drop, it's a two two, just dies to shock and like just doesn't do enough. Yep. While, while the other two drop ones mostly you can't target. You know they mostly have like, uh, you know they can't be targeted while they're untapped, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, or they're zero threes and stuff. So definitely left a lot to be desired
1: right. there. Next up, we have Sergeant Welch. This is a deck I've labeled a Grixis cards. Uh, all the cards are blue, black, red, or some combination thereof, uh, and they're all yeah. in the deck. Uh, really, sort of a, <laughs> sort of a mid range deck um the you know a lot of good removal maybe more of a control deck but the yeah it is more of a control deck actually um my one issue with it is you see four copies of murderous rider and for a control deck that's a lot like for a a removal spell that loses you life um I, i think hero's downfall is a bit better fit for more reactive decks but that's the only thing i really don't like about this deck everything else looks solid
0: yeah Here's downfall pairs better with torrential gear Hulk as well. That's about all I have to say. This is your typical Grixis card deck.
1: Yeah, not, not sure how good the nickel boluses are, but they're powerful. They're worth a try. Um,
0: yeah, hard to cast. <laughs>
1: yeah, your mana's fine. Five actually, five yeah. swamp, four island. Maybe this mana base needs some more dual ends.
0: Yeah, it's very possible. But yeah, your typical Grixis deck. Nothing really, you know,
1: standing out here. Next up, we have C Newman with Selesnia tokens. Now, this is more in the vein of. Actually, it's kind of, yeah, it's more in the vein of the uh, Ravnica, Guilds of Ravnica era Selesnia Token Stack than it is the, you know, old one with Doronka's Command and Gideon. Uh we're generating a lot of tokens early with sapling migration and raise the alarm, using that to you know take advantage of some that convoke cards. Notably we see no copies of March of the Multitudes. You know, that, yeah, me, that was surprising. That tells me that like you really need to be condensing your curve from where standard was. You don't need that big over-the-top threat. You know, venerated Loxodon and Tristani Discordant are enough there, as well as Nyssa Voices Endicar as an anthem effect. I like playing Smuggler's Copter in this deck to get value out of these weird tokens i um, not sure how good appeal authority is. This is kind of like, I I guess this is their March of the Multitudes, but it's much cheaper. You know, it's trying to just end the game. You know, you can give a a 1-1, one, one, you know, plus X, plus X and trample. Maybe you target copter and do it on a flyer, which is kind of nice, and then tap down some blockers. So maybe that's just better in that role. Um, one thing I will say about this deck is I don't think Amara Soul of the Accord is very good. There's another 2-2 two, two, two that dies to all these wild slashes around. There's plenty of two drops in this deck already. I think Voice of Resurgence is just a, a generally a better card. I don't think you need Amara in this deck, and that's where you know we can make some upgrades. But the rest of what this deck is doing looks pretty cool. I like Conclave Tribunal. This is an enchantment that doesn't die to Abrupt Decay, which is nice. Deals with a wide array of threats. So I think Tribunal could be an underrated card right now, and this deck utilizes it well. Agreed. Um, might need a little bit more interaction, but all the other cards are powerful, and we have four lock locks on. What's not to love?
0: Uh, I would maybe want something else to do on one. It has three Legion Landing as the only card it could really play on turn one, so okay. maybe something else to do. I, I don't know what you know. Maybe the fourth one of Legion Landing is a is thing to do, but otherwise, yeah, I think it's fine.
1: Okay, yeah, I like that. More more ones. Ooh, we got a cool one next. Mud mm-hmm. Sea Maxima Musty. Uh, this is a, a, deck I hadn't really thought about. This is a Gruul Pummeler, Electrostatic Pummeler. Three colorless for a one-one artifact creature construct. When it enters the battlefield, you get three energy and you can pay three energy to give it plus X plus X until end of turn where X is Pummeler's power. So if you play pump spells beforehand, you know, this card can get just really, really big. Uh, I love Collision Colossus here as one of the pump spells. It's one that gives Trample importantly. And you know, the, the back half can be a piece of interaction against Spirit decks or Hydra Crisis. Uh, with Collision, Blossoming Defense, a, a staple here. I love being able to use Become Immense. Um, not sure how easy it is to utilize, though. Attune with Aether and Once Upon a Time, both big helps here. Once Upon a Time, great at finding your you know your energy creatures. In addition to the Pummeler, we got Brawler and Bristling Hydra, which is a nice one. So this is an energy shell that might be powerful enough because this one really does like end the game really quickly, uh, really takes advantage of energy really well. And there's a lot of good tools. Battle Rage, Become Immense, super powerful. Maximize Velocity can help you like win out of nowhere. I hadn't really thought much about this shell. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I'm intrigued.
0: Yeah, I think this deck definitely uh, is one of the ones that you get a little extra points people have no idea what you're doing. Like, you know, before, you know, if this deck becomes like a staple, then obviously like decks will be better again so they understand what's going on. A lot of times people are not going to know that you're, they're about to die. Like a, a lot of times with electrostatic pummeler. You know, once they see this card, they know that you're going to be setting up for something. But a couple of minutes goes a long way in just making sure that you get through, especially in game one.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, so that, that's definitely something to work on. I'd be interested in, in figuring out just how good that deck is. Um, next up, we have Lava Ridge. This is a Golgari Delirium deck that is trying hard to Delirium. We have two copies of Vessel of Nascency. We've got a Renegade map, you know, uh, you know, some four copies of Diverse and some nice tutor targets for it and Grimflayer, Flare, Liliana, last hope all these cards can fill your graveyard, but we still have the really good Golgari Disruption package. We have the one Murderous Rider to tutor four. We have Tireless Tracker to generate card advantage. So I like what this deck is doing. Um, and it's not, it's not playing too many of these weak cards. It's probably tr- like, the goal here is to play just enough to enable Delirium effectively, uh, and so two of SL and agency, one Renegade map, so not too many clunker, you know, sort of stinker cards, uh, and as many of the good ones as possible. This could be the this could be one of the better Delirium decks, then.
0: Yeah, I, I find that the, the stress point seems to be, besides when you want to add a third color uh, between these decks, is do you want to play Grim Flayer or not? And this one, if you're going a little harder into uh, Delirium, then I think Grim, Grim flare is definitely one of the ways you want to go. Because not only is it a good payoff, but it also helps you get there sooner as well. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, this is definitely a card that you need to get Delirium quickly for because it has a 2-minute two 2-2 it's just going to die too often. You really want to be playing it as a 4-4 as often as you can. Yep. Uh, next up, we have UK Temperance playing Bant Spirits. Not a lot to write home about here. I wrote in my notes, More Eagle, because I think this is a key card to uh, the Spirits decks. And when I wrote More Eagle, I just thought of the Auburn chant, War Eagle. And so then I was saying, please, please, I was just no, saying please, it in my head like please, that, like More Eagle. Okay. Uh, so that's all That's all I really have here. I do kind of like Hanged Executioner. That's actually a new one. Plays mo- that's plays a new one. It's multiple Spirits. Uh, gives you a little bit of removal in your creature-heavy deck, so th- this is one to look for. I, I kind of like it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think I think this is a, a card that maybe should be looked at more in the spirit, you know, decks and like the other ones that are going on in, in the future for sure. This one is definitely a cool one. Um, other than that, no real, you know, different things. You're seeing like a Dramokas command main with you know, collected company and stuff because it can cast it. Other than that, yeah, I, I like these decks a lot.
1: Okay, up next, we have Wiktel Man playing a big red deck, so sort of a mid-range version. Uh, you still got some nice early removal and good burn spells. I like Magma Jet. You know, if, if Shock is a good card, Magma Jet is a cool one, and it gives you a little bit of card selection. That That's my takeaway. I'm, I'm, this deck's a, a little weird. I think Soulscar Mage is an awkward choice in a more mid-range deck. I like Chainwhirler and Frostodon and Chandra, but I really like Magma Jet. I would just love it if I got to play that card again.
0: Yeah, I think the the Soulscar mage is just a nod to a doing something early uh, and like getting value out of your spells more and B the ability of putting the minus 1 minus 1 counters on stuff makes shock and magma jet like a little better against some of the beef that's going on in the format, you know, some of the bigger creatures.
1: Yeah, your red removal here it's none of it's dealing more than 4 and that's Chandra. Your spells aren't dealing more than 3, so Soulscar mage definitely helps you handle some of the bigger creatures and not be left dealing a you know automatically having to two for one yourself. Sometimes you can like ambush it. You know, if they attack with a five-five into your SoulScar Mage, you just lightning strike and block. You know, that that's a nice line. So yeah, maybe maybe I'm underrating the card here. Uh, a, a neat deck. Not sure how great it is, like as opposed to just being aggressive with your red decks.
0: Yeah, this one this one just plays like a slightly different one. You know, it's a little bit more to the board, a little less like trying to kill you right away. And in we've seen this in the past that if if red is like a very good deck in the format then if you're the 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 slightly slower, bigger red deck in the in the mirror, you're actually advantaged. Plus, this one seems really good against the the green decks as well. Just so many ways to interact with uh, mana creatures.
1: Yeah, and Storm Breath Dragon can like go over the top, uh, which is nice. Nice little mana sink. We have uh, next up Lala Uba with another Atarka red deck. This is all pretty typical. This one's going a little bit bigger to get Chain Whirler in the deck. Might give you an advantage in the mirror and against green Devotion.
0: Yeah, going a little wide with Dragon Fodder too. We haven't seen that in all the different versions of the deck. So yeah, definitely a cool idea for the uh for the Atarka
1: Red. Yeah. Fodder's a nice one for Stoke, helps out your prowess creatures. So like you get high density of creatures, still have the ability to, you know, prowess, and then it helps crew smuggler's copter really well. So I don't mind Dragon Fodder. I don't think Hordling Outburst is where you want to be. There's just more, more way more powerful three drops.
0: Yeah, it costs too much being three, like you said. Also, yeah. Dragon Fodder, the thing I like about it in decks like this, it leads to more of your big busted turns where you do two or three things in one turn, and that's how you win. Yeah. After this, we have uh, Doug Hater. Man, this person really doesn't like Doug.
1: Are you sure it's Doug Hater or Doe Hater? There's two H's there. Oh, there's two.
0: I didn't see the second H. Oh, yeah, it's definitely Doe Hater. So, yeah, they, they have a...
1: Maybe they have, like, a gluten sensitivity.
0: I was just about to say that. Do you think they have a gluten sensitivity?
1: Yeah, uh, that's that's what I'm going with. But I personally love baked goods. I, I, I'm i sympathetic <laughs> to those with gluten sensitivities. Uh, you know, a, a good croissant in the morning. There's a nice little bakery in downtown Roanoke that I frequent. And, and they their croissants are really, really good. If you're coming here the, uh, for the for Invitational for SEG Con, it's, a, it's called Breadcraft. It's not that far from the site. Uh, get, get, they have really good uh, brunch on the weekends too, um, and the, their croissants are just hmm. excellent.
0: Speaking of excellent, I kind of like this deck. This is kind of a, a black-red Pyromancer deck. You know, we saw decks like this show up in Modern. You're looking at... A couple of planeswalkers. well, because you got on Last Hope and Chandra, Torchifice, but the real payoff here is in the in the creature slot where you have three Bedlam Reveler, three gifted Aetherborn, another card that we think has been underrated, and young pyromancer, along with, you know, collective brutalities. We have four Dreadbore, which I like in this format. It kills everything. Uh four thought and you're looking at four cologons command in this deck. So Uh, They're going a little deep with that kind of stuff. You know, some thrill of possibility was added to make sure that we can get through our deck as quickly as possible. Fill up the graveyards for these Bedlam Revelers and then some fatal pushes, some doom blades and some lightning axes. Uh, A lot of things to like here. Uh, A lot of removal spells, a lot of creatures that give you a ton of value. And everything kind of seems synergistic to me.
1: Yeah, this is sort of a port over of Mardu Pyromancer for modern, right? We just don't have lingering souls, so who needs the white splash? Um, definitely going to be good against creature decks. We got a pile of removal. Uh, I think four calling to man might be a little excessive. I'm concerned with our clock. You know, if we don't have a young Pyromancer early, might not be able to you know kill people in time, and that's going to be a problem. So I I, I kind of want something that can really clock people. And the one thing I got to say is playing three Bedlam Reveler—that's just a coward's move. You know, this is a card you want to draw. If you draw the second copy, like whatever, you pitch it to the first. Like that—that's kind of that's the feel bad situation that I think that number is trying to avoid. But you're going to give up too much in just not drawing the first copy by cutting one. Uh, I think it's just such a key card in the deck that you want to play for. Moving on, we have one yo, two yo. They are playing an Esper control deck, this one heavy on Planeswalkers. Uh, We've seen shells like this before, but notably, uh, this list is a little heavy on Discard. We have two copies of Thought Erasure to go along with the Thought Seizes. but also plays two Oath of Kaya. This is a card I like quite a bit if we're playing a bunch of Planeswalkers. You know, red decks are super popular. Uh, It's going to be really good against them. And and just a solid removal spell here, and it's going to generate you a lot of value over the course of a long game. So I like the addition of Oath of Kaya
0: can't agree enough i think it's a little underplayed in the esper decks we've seen so far um i like the esper decks we're even seeing so far is this deck has basilica bell haunt in the in the sideboard a card that i think this is the first sighting of it so um this person knows what they're trying to beat. you know they, they definitely want to have you know some life gain and some ways to beat the red decks while still being competitive in the other matchups
1: yeah definitely uh next up ice 100 this is another golgari sort of dredge deck Um, nothing too special here. We are seeing two copies of Deathrite Shaman. I know you know a highly touted card, obviously banned in several formats, but this is a card that is really underperforming without the fetch lands because it's hard to enable. And if your mana creature doesn't make mana on turn two, it gets a lot worse. You know that's what you want your mana creature to do to get you to three mana on turn two with Deathrite Shaman in this format. We're seeing, you know, either you have to have Fabled Passage, which is entering tapped, so you're not actually getting to three mana, or you have to cast something like Gather the Pack or Grizzly Salvage, like we see in this deck, on turn two and not Accelerate. I think maybe... If we had a list with more ones so that you could do like, say like Deathrite Shaman on turn one, turn two, play one of your enablers and then use Deathrite Shaman to play another one drop, that might make the card a lot more palatable, but there's really not another good one drop after Stitcher Supplier. So only the two copies here. Still, you know, a reasonable card. The deck wants to get on the battlefield and accelerating after turn two is still valuable, uh, but not going to be a powerhouse in Pioneer.
0: Yeah, I think the, the thing you're trying to do here is Deathrite into... Uh, cast you know grizzly Salvage or Gather the Pack into Stitcher Supplier as like the nuts, you know what I mean, and then you hit a prized amalgam and an But like you said, it's I don't even know how common that's going to be in here with only two Deathray Shaman and only you know four copies of the other cards. So uh, definitely a card that you have to work probably too hard to make good, but I can see why we play yep.
1: it. Uh, next up, we have Strings Hishi with our, another red aggressive deck. This is straight red, so no Atarka's Command. Uh, a, a lot of one drops in this deck you know, in the, if you look at the creature slot, 19 of the 23 creatures are 1, so super low curve, and what this is doing is letting us run a very low land count, 18 lands, uh, 4 light at the stage, and 4 abbot of carol keep. These are cards that help us hit our land drops and take advantage of the low curve, abbot especially, like, you want to be playing that card on turn 3, maybe you hit a land to cast, or maybe you hit another 1 mana spell, and then even if you look in the spell slot, there's 1 Abraid, 4 lightning strike, 2 searing blood, the other ones can all be cast for 1, so we've got Basically 11 cards that are cast for 2 mana, and then 31 cards that are cast for 1. So we're really lowering the curve here. We're really trying to get out ahead, and I like that that plan. I think the one card that I don't really like in the list is the one of Braid, because it doesn't go upstairs. I think I'd like to see another Searing Blood there, maybe another Wizard's Lightning, but that this is a, a well-built list.
0: No, definitely a big fan. Uh something to talk about. They have dual shot in their sideboard, so one mana instant, it's one red. Uh dual shot does one damage to each up to two target creatures. Uh this is something we haven't seen much in the format, but if these decks are super popular, a lot of the one drop decks, this this card is a, a pure two for one that could take all of the wind out of the sails of a yeah,
1: I think uh I think you might want Electricity over this. You know, the the upside from overloading is, is high. And you know, on turn one, you know, dual shot is often just killing like a mana creature on turn one. electricry can still do that. Um, but I, I like that effect. I think that effect is, is something we're going to see in this format once people get into it and really start breaking down the matchups. Uh, so I like the thinking there. I think I like Trickery a little bit better.
0: Yeah, it can kill Paradise Druid, which is a sweet one. All right, so next we have a...
1: Good call there, too.
0: Yeah. Next we have Atomic with their five zero, and this deck is a little different than anything we've seen so far. It's mono-white kind of angels, you know, like life gain, some stuff going on here with Always Watching.
1: Yeah, so we've got some like combos with always watching I guess we have the uh glorybound initiate to gain a bunch of life there's a bunch of angels. I'm not really sure exactly what's going on here and the, the thing that struck me is where are the Johnny's pride mates? You know, Johnny's strength pride is here to sort of make tokens that are effectively a Johnny's pride mate. But like we're playing healer's hawk in our deck. You know, you want to follow up healer's hawk with a Johnny's pride mate and start getting that big creature out on turn 2. So I'm not really sure where those went. Um but they should definitely be in the deck. I'm just think like This deck looks a little bit slow. There's not really a lot of card advantage. You know, I think this deck is probably great against red decks because you're gaining so much life and you're playing big creatures. So my guess is that this league had a lot of red in it and this is sort of an anti-red deck. So if that's what you're facing a lot of, maybe you go to this. But in a more varied metagame, I just don't see this deck having the tools to compete.
0: No, definitely agree with you. Next we got up Travis 8427. Uh a little bit of an Azorius control deck with a little bit of a, a, a twist in it that they have three spell queller mains, but they also have four supreme verdict in their deck. So not sure how I feel about like how much I love that all main. Other than that, that's it's about what you expect from a blue-white control deck.
1: Yeah. My notes on this deck are Queller plus Verdict, the Supreme Nombo.
0: Supreme Nombo, I like it, I like
1: it. That's what I have. So a little weird there, but still, good cards. Shell's still doing well. A lot of Azaria's control.
0: Yeah. Up next, we have our second Rally the Ancestors deck from De La Soul.
1: This one, a little bit more varied in what it's doing. We see a Singleton to the Glorified, a Singleton Nyx Weaver, kind of a weird card. We have four Deathrite Shaman. Uh, Not a lot of enablers for that one, so I'm a little skeptical of the Shaman in this Shell. Uh, And once again, just like no interaction. We're really trying to race. I guess Deathrite Shaman... Like, it'll raise the ceiling. You know, if you do hit the lanes you need to enable it, it can accelerate you into Collected Company and Rally. And maybe that's what this deck needs, even though it has a low floor. Uh, You just need to raise the ceiling, because right now it doesn't seem like it's fast enough to really compete as a non-interactive deck. So even if you have a card that sometimes does nothing, the fact that it sometimes, you know, accelerates you in a relevant way um, uh, without really hurting your mana base, because I think Land Elves might be a little hard to cast in this deck... Uh so maybe that's the card you need even though it's not going to be, a, you know, a powerhouse consistent awesome mana creature.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Got to definitely agree with you. In our next deck up, we have a a Soul type Planeswalker deck. We have 11 Planeswalkers main with two Karn, Saiyanoverza, two Liliana hope four Oko, and three Veraska Golgari Queens. Another card that I think is maybe a little underplayed in this format, I really like pairing it with cards like uh Gilded Goose and Tireless Tracker or a lot of extra uh, food and other things around to feed Varaska's plus two ability. Um, we have a languish in here, some thought seizes, just your typical black green deck splashing for some Planeswalkers, plus the Heart of Kieran thing that we talked about earlier that we really liked in the uh, Planeswalker decks.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Oko has a ton of loyalty. Karn and Liliana tick up relevantly, and then can crew, same with Varaska, has a plus two. So all of these, car- Planeswalker is great at Curing Heart of Kieran. Tracker also good at crewing Heart. Uh, so a lot of uh, thought put into making sure that vehicle works well. The Soul Time Interim shell continues to work, and this is a different take on it. And one I, I like quite a bit. I agree with you that Fratica Golgari Queen is excellent. I'm actually trying to make it work next to uh, Hero of Precinct 1. You just keep Ooh. making and throwing them away to draw extra cards. Um, so in a, a little Absent shell there. So that, that might be coming to Versus Live at some point. Um, still working on that one. But I, I mean, I, I, li- I also like the fact that playing so many Planeswalkers and fewer creatures lets you play a card like Languish in the main deck. Really good against the decks, Good against Devotion, so uh, I like what this deck is doing, I love Heart of Curing with these Planeswalkers, and the Soltai or Golgari removal, still doing good things, so a lot of different ways to take that deck, and that's a cool one
0: Yep, and up next we have Two Seeker this is another one of the Artifact, like all that Glitters, uh, Ghostfire Blade, Springleaf Drum, Shrapnel Blast decks, with a little bit of a twist in it it has Emery of the Lock, Lurker of the Lock in the deck, we only have two copies, but Something that can kind of give you like a little bit of longevity in some of the matches. Uh, you know, you can start casting some of these creatures from the graveyard to make sure that you always have a threat.
1: Yeah, now this one's going, it, it's full Jeskai, but barely touching blue. We got some Thought Seasons on the sideboard, actually, too. So we're playing a lot of five color lands to make the mana base work. Throw 12 five color lands Aether Hub, Confluence, Spire of Industry. Uh, I like the Muta Vaults in the mana base because we're limited, really limiting our colored cards. You know, most of the time we call this in soul aggro, or at least I do. This list is not playing in soul artifact. We're really relying on all the glitters and then blast, so more base boros, and uh, you know, it succeeded. So uh, another, you know, notch for this shell, making it look quite powerful. I kinda like the one Thopter engineer. I think it's a little cheeky. The extra token is valuable, you know, one power bodies are good with Copter, and then just giving your, you know, artifact creatures haste, especially something like Steel Overseer, uh, is really nice. So n- not a super powerful card, but I-, I think it could be effective in this deck. So I like trying it out as a one of.
0: Yeah, this is one of those things where you see the person, they're like, I want to try this card. I want to see if it's good or not. And they did that by putting one in their deck and hopefully they drew it and found out if it was good or not. So yeah.
1: okay. now we have Irks with another uh, mono white humans deck. This one's a little bit more knight heavy. I guess, uh, yeah, more like mono white knights with four copies of Worthy Knight. But you might expect this. My notes on this deck, two locks it on question mark. Why do you hate me? And <laughs> why
0: are you not putting
1: four venerated locks on your deck you even generate extra tokens with worthy knight like you could yeah. put three locks out on this deck so easily
0: no definitely for sure um not much else to talk about with this deck other than like i i agree with you i think the venerated locks on account should be definitely a little higher another deck that gets to use history of benalia to its full effect uh a ton I of like good super high of history, to be honest say it again
1: but again I'm not super high on history, to be honest. I think it's a little underpowered for this format, but we are a knight deck, so I get the tribal element.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get to even slot in two Shephet Dunes, the uh, the white desert. I haven't seen that in a lot of the mono-white decks, and it just makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, definitely a nice one. Fort Mutalwalt, a little ambitious here with uh, only 20 lands and Benelish Marshal in our deck. Yeah,
0: that is actually. I I didn't notice it's only twenty lands of four mutavault. So maybe like if you want to play this, two or three is probably the right number of uh, of mutavault. But I do like playing mutavault index like this. I I just love playing mutavault in this format.
1: Uh, I, I was disappointed uh, when I built my version of this deck. I didn't include Mutavault because I wanted Benelish Marshall. I think you sort of have to choose between the two. And but the anthems are so important in this deck, but I was really disappointed. I could see Mutavolt be, being right and not playing Benelish Marshall, maybe lowering the curve. Because Mutavolt is so powerful, but it's hard to fit both.
0: Yep. If we move on, we've got Grishka with another 5-0 list here. Uh they're a straight up Golgari deck, but with a big difference. They're a traverse the Uvenwald build, so m- mostly a creature-based one, but they have the Din Protector Deathmus Raptor combo going on.
1: Yeah, so we're Megamorph in here for value. Got a couple Sager Wayfinders to make sure we hit our land drops. What do you think about the Megamorph package in uh in Pioneer Tannen?
0: Uh, I don't know, because like here's the thing. You, you Raptor is a cool is a cool thing to get for you know the Megamorph, right? But like you're not really doing it super often. So, like, I don't know if it's uh prevalent enough, though I do think Din Protector is a very valuable card. Uh, so maybe it's good enough. I'd have to try it out, honestly. I mean, there's a lot of cool ways to get here, like Sator Wayfinder gets you some extra value if you mill over uh if you mill over Deathmus Raptor. You know, there's a couple other cool ways to kind of to kind of get it done. You can go find it with Traverse the Uvenwald and stuff. They're splashing for treasure cruise in here, I actually just noticed. And they have Scrabbling Claws made to make sure that. You know, their Grim Flayers get big enough of Delirium. I'm not sure. I think this deck might be doing trying to do too many things. But, hmm, I don't know. Den Protector is a really powerful
1: card. I, I like dem Protector a bit. I think it's a little slow for this format, but it might be good enough. I do not like Deathmist Raptor. I think on yeah, this format saying. where people are killing you on turn four, and Oko is around, making 3-3 three, three Elks. I do not think Deathmist Raptor is a card I'm interested in. So the package, I'm not a fan of. But Dem Protector is a kind of a cool one. It might be a nice just Singleton Traverse target, because then it lets your, like, Traverses get your Singletons back from the Graveyard. It's a little slow, but it's it's a nice late-game option to have. And sometimes Dem Protector just gets cast on turn two, so you can curve out. So it's not that, like, high of a cost to play one of
0: no definitely agree with you there and like it's an interesting thing I, I would like like to put it through its paces but like you said i don't think i like four in the deck
1: yeah uh next up we have tkphi or tk5 maybe with a red prowess deck so the, they're more on the prowess version we've got four soul scar four swift spear uh and then some some of the cantrips you know renegade tactics and crash through to enable prowess i like runaway steamkin in this version quite a bit to help you just cast a ton of spells in one turn. We, we see the Cowards, three Bedlam Reveler, and this deck, it might be right because we're trying to you know end the game pretty quickly, and Reveler is more of a, you know, if we get to the late game, this is a good card as opposed to being a key card, key part of the plan, like it is in the Rakdos midrange decks. So I, I can see three here Uh, pretty well built deck i actually like all the numbers here i think the mana count is good and prowess is definitely a way to take it not sure if it's better than a tarker red but definitely just another way to play red decks there's so many good red cards
0: yeah another good deck that i think is well built uh relatively cheap if you want to try to buy a deck into the format this is another one that's like just going to win a lot of games that you're not going to be spending a lot of money on and probably will not have a card banned from it so big fan up next, we have another moto Grinder ringer that you're just going to hear of a lot, uh, Phil Helmuth, not the poker player brat, but the, the moto Grinder, and this is just a black-red control deck, uh, like centering around Young Pyromancer, but it also has four Goblin Dark Dwellers, a card that was tried out a lot in its standard day.
1: Yeah, uh, ended up seeing a little bit of play, and we've got a nice one, actually, to, to flash back with it. Doomfall is a cool one to target with Goblin Dark Dwellers. Obviously, K-Command is great. I think Devil is a really nice one for this deck. Um uh, and then Angrath's Rampage, a nice versatile card to cast with it. So we're doing some good things with Dark Dwellers. Normally, you like this is basically another you know mid range Pyromancer deck. So normally you would see Bedlam Reveler here, but Reveler plays pretty awkwardly with Dreadheart Arcanist. Only two copies of the Arcanist. but I, I I like the Arcanist here. There's enough one drops to uh to make it valuable. Uh, maybe we I don't know if there's some way to pump it. You need to go like Grixus for um for the Royal Scions.
0: The Royal Ooh, I actually
1: like that splash in this deck. Maybe we get, maybe we go Grixis and get some Royal Scions in this deck. I, I would like. That. Yeah, I'm that good. might be a thing. Just, just a, like that.
0: Definitely might some be counter
1: spells on the sideboard. Uh, but I also like this one of Magmatic Insight. It's easy to just have a land at one point to pitch away to it, and it's a nice card to uh, flashback with Dreadhard Arcanist. Just uh, draw a few cards, make sure you don't flood, and uh, you know these midrange range decks t- are somewhat prone to flooding. So I, I kind of like what's going on in this list. I like Goblin Dark Dwellers. Same. um only one dreadboard. The other list had four. I'd like to see more copies of bore though. But Devil is nice in that it's instant speed. So maybe maybe a mix between.
0: Yeah, they also have Angress Rampage oh, in that yeah, slot right, as well, right. which is really cool. So it okay. yeah, just depends cool. on if you like what you want to be doing with that card. I think that, that's like the flex slot that you can move around.
1: I also like these goblin rabble masters to pressure planeswalkers onto the sideboard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the sideboard of this deck is really good. It's got Slaughter Games, Language, Anger of the Gods, Goblin Raps, A Massacre Girl. All these cards are pretty sweet. This is if you if you like the the black red versions of these decks, I definitely like this. Okay. Um, moving on, I want to make sure that we make make a note of this. This is the third 5-0 from Yuka forty two. This person is probably doing very well on the trophy yeah. count.
1: Third five zero from them. Uh, third at different deck. And this is my last sweet deck. We're getting to the near the end of the list. So this is the last one. This is another Thank hero- god. <laughs> <laughs> this is another heroic shell, but this is gruel heroic. Not like normally you think you have to have white, right, but this one is doing some cool stuff to make everything work. You know, uh, I say heroic. The only heroic creature is a crow and crusader. So okay, so uh, a good card. We saw it playing Boss Sly, an underrated card. We got our Monastery Swift Spear. But then to take advantage of, of casting all these spells, we got Dreadnought Arcanist to flash them all back, a card I love, Young Pyromancer. So now we have Young Pyromancer and a Crone Crusader. We're making a ton of extra 1 1 creatures. We got Smuggler's Copter to uh, get value out of them. We're playing Renegade Tactics to you know, make a, uh, get them through blockers. I think we get Reckless Raids, we've got some creatures with three toughness, or we can just throw away a token to kill a bigger creature. But the card that ties the entire room together, and the reason we're in green, four copies of season of growth. This is like from corset 2020 or, or Magic 20, I don't know. Uh, colorless and a green enchantment. When a ever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, scry one. So now anytime you're you know casting a spell with young pyromancer on the battlefield, you're scrying. So you're gonna constantly be finding more spells. And then whenever you cast a spell that targets a creature you control, draw a card. So we're generating card selection and card advantage. This is really a Season of Growth deck, I would say. And it's an interesting one.
0: Uh, I'd like to talk about there's two Rimrock Knights in this deck, and they play, they pair unbelievably well with the card Season of Growth because you get it on both ends, coming and going. Um, I would like to see maybe possibly like at, at least one copy of... Um, a command in this deck, but I don't even know if you could fit it. This deck might just be so tight, but like I might want one effect like that since this deck makes a lot of 1-1 tokens. we
1: six shocks. That's a lot of shocks. I could see, you know, four wild slash and two actual shock. I could see those two shocks becoming uh Tarkas commands for sure. And I, I like that card quite a bit as well. It goes super well with Arcanist. Uh, you're going to create this wide battlefield. I'm in for Tarkus Command for sure.
0: Yeah. Another cool deck. Uh, it's going to be really good at killing people. Super cheap. Only card you even need to be worried about is possibly the two smugglers copter out of here getting, getting banned. I it, it a a getting banned.
1: But, yeah. uh, but yeah, everything else is going to stick around. I, I think this deck is neat. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, neat, cool, and awesome. And it's going to kill a lot of people. Okay, we are at F-L-X-E-X, so sort of flex. I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, flex with uh, an
0: extra X in it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this is another green devotion deck. Another one with an elf theme. We're playing Elvish Clan Caller, a nice mana sink. Elvish Rejuvenator digs for Nykthos. Uh, pretty cool. And we're topping out at one Endraze Forerunners. My m- major issue with this deck is... Is that there's only two copies of finale of Devastation. I think that's another great win condition and helps you find Endray's forerunners casting it for eight mana, which is not that hard to do. So I'd like to see more copies of finale, but otherwise a neat take on Green Devotion.
0: Yeah, a lot of mana sinks here in Leyline of Abundance they even have Incubation Druid as one that we haven't seen as the two mana um uh mana dork in the in the thing. It's an elf. It is a zero-two. I'm not a big fan of my two drops trading for the one mana removal spells in the format, like in all the versions of shock, but definitely. Definitely uh, an interesting take on the Green Devotion shell.
1: Also, Incubation Druid into Rishkar is a very nice curve.
0: Oh, that's actually really true. That is... I, I, did, I just saw the Rishkars. That's really sweet, actually. I, I like it a lot more
1: now. Like they kind of leverage. I like the one Westfell Abbey, too. Something to dig for with Rejuvenator. If you just have a bunch of mana creatures on the battlefield and Elvish Visionaries, then you can you know, transform that into a giant demon and win that way.
0: Yep, definitely a cool deck. I like this one a lot. So the next one that we have up is from BSK Hercules, and this seems like a direct port of a modern deck into this format.
1: Yeah, the Selesnya Hexproof. You know, we don't have uh, Slippery Bogle, the namesake for that deck, but Glade Cover Scout is in Pioneer. And then we have Pissara Tower Orch- Tower Archer, Green Green for a 2-1 with Hexproof and Reach. So you've got our eight Hexproof creatures. Once Upon a Time helps dig for them. You know, our, we can make our mana work. And then there's a lot of good auras. Ethereal Armor, cartouche Solidarity is good against Edict of X. All that glitters, uh, more aggression. You have Sixth Sense to help, uh, you know, generate some card advantage because you're missing, um, what's the Core Spirit Dancer? And then you really need a, a piece of Lifelink to race we have unflinching Courage. So all the pieces are there. It's not quite as powerful as the modern version, of course. But, you know... Uh, this is if, if this is what you're into if you love pants <laughs> i had one pants. note
0: i had one note about this deck mulligan <laughs> you you cannot keep a hand without a creature there's only eight in your deck once upon a time is going to help out a ton so make sure that you always have a creature or once upon a time in your opening hand that you keep
1: yeah uh yeah 100 percent agree definitely going to mulligan aggressively with that deck uh as you do in modern so uh Up next, Magic Player 103758 playing an Azorius Heroic deck. I've talked a bit about this shell, and I mentioned that it's very aura-heavy, and this list is. We have four Aqueous Form, four Curious Obsession, four Ordeal of Heliod, four Ordeal of Thassa. That's a lot of ordeals. Hero of Aroas helps those out, makes your auras cost one less, Uh, so that's not bad, but I think eight is pretty heavy, and I also think this deck is missing a key piece that really powers it up, and that is Sram you know, help, you know, generate that card advantage. You can't drop off of all of your auras. Um, so I'd like to see some SRAMs, maybe a few uh, a few fewer ideals uh, to tighten up the curve on those because without hero, they're, you know, they are they can be hard to cast uh, at least while leaving up your disruption. And this is going to be a faster format, but this is another way to take heroic.
0: No, absolutely. I like this version a lot besides the SRAM missing. I do like the Adanto Vanguards out of the sideboard quite a bit. Another little like sweeper
1: insurance type card. Yeah. Um, I also think that you, you might want to go away from God's Willing, oddly enough, in this version of the deck. Because if your opponent is playing interaction that is blue or white, you often can't defend with God's Willing because then your aura will fall off. Or at least you don't want to defend with God's Willing. And blue actually offers Dive Down, which is great at protecting your aura up creatures. So I, I would be looking at things like Dive Down along with Johnny's Presence. You still want God's Willing to get through blockers, but you already have aqueous form so that you know mode of god's willing isn't as relevant so even though it's you know, a staple of the archetype i think it's a little bit worse than the other options in this build in particular
0: yeah and if we move on to the next deck it's a th halve i guess is, is how you pronounce this it's another prowess type deck this one a little more card draw than we've seen some of the other ones of four light up the stage three treasure crews and then just a bunch of burn behind it.
1: Yeah, just a light splash here for Treasure Cruise. I actually like the way this deck is built a lot. This is my favorite of the prowess decks I've seen so far. We're a burn-heavy deck. We get to interact really well. We've got our prowess creatures. We're, We're even playing Blister Coil Weird. Uh, an Abbot of Carol Keep, which is really nice with our low curve, a lot of one-mana spells. Uh, and then we're just going to keep the gas flowing with Light Up the Stage and Treasure Cruise. So another deck that gets to utilize Treasure Cruise, I think the splash is super smart, really easy to do. You see 11 blue sources, and you could easily get more in the deck if you wanted. I'm not sure if you do. So uh, an easy splash to make, a really smart one, I think, and definitely my favorite prowess deck of the bunch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a cool one. I like just putting uh, Treasure Cruise under these decks that can cast it.
1: Yeah. I mean, we saw like burn decks and legacy for treasure crews and modern when it was legal there. So it want uh, an
0: open, I think at one point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We should, we should be doing that in these decks as well. For sure. Next up we have P- proboscis, but spelled in a weird way. Um, as people on the internet do, this is just another mono red aggro deck, pretty typical. We see main deck skull crack here. So a little concerned about life gain out of this build. Uh, not sure if that's the best option, but you know, Still, just a good collection of reds, creatures, all the prowess creatures, Bowmet Courier, a lot of card advantage. No, red decks. G- gotta be.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not much to say about it. The next one I'm actually kind of interested in is from Killer Smurf. This feels like Blue Moon to me.
1: Yeah, no Blood Moon available, but a similar idea. This is an it Control deck. You know, uh, this is a dig through time deck. We got our one torrential gear hulk. We're playing thing in the ice as a win condition, like blue moon decks and modern have done. Um, I kind of like a lot of the selections here. You know, anger of the gods is a reasonable sweeper against aggressive decks. I love main deck mystical dispute. This quicken is weird. We don't have. I guess we have a couple sorceries, so maybe we just want another cantrip. Okay, that's fine. We're a thing in the ice deck. Um, I love. We have hieroglyphic illumination to go with our gear hulks. The weird thing to me in this deck is these two copies of Karn the Great Creator. Are they worthwhile? Like, we get to tutor for a Torrential Gear Hulk, That's kind of cool. Walking Ballista is not bad.
0: They have Torrential Gear Croak of Condemnation, Walking Ballista, Pithing Needle. I think that's. And Sorcerer Spyglass. We're.
1: we're um, oh, no. I was going to say we're playing Three of Braid, but we don't have like the liquid metal coating to go with it. Um, right. That card does. I think is legal. Artifacts are going to be really popular. And, and, you know, Three of Braid main, Two Karn. They're definitely prepared for them. Uh, I'm not sure if that's panning out as the metagame evolves, um, but I do like how limited they are in their use of the sideboard for Karn. You know, it's just some spyglass pithing needle action, a couple threats, and the one crypto combination to hit graveyards. So it's not taking up too much sideboard space Is only a two of. Maybe it just gives a little bit of card advantage. Not sold on it, but I like a lot of what else this deck is doing.
0: Yeah, I like this deck a lot. It definitely stood out to me. Having Karn being able to go get uh, a way to win the game like can you imagine like having karn survive you get to play your sixth land you minus your karn and you just get a torrential girl can you just say go like how are they like what are they supposed to do
1: <laughs> yeah
0: so i definitely like this deck a lot
1: okay final two deck lists of the uh the league we have yeah we have Rosansky, two R's at the beginning of that one with another mono take on mono black devotion. This one is borrowing a lot more heavily from the old standard version. We see Packrat, Underworld Connections, Lifebane Zombie. Even uh, I like the addition of Murderous Rider. I think it's better than Heroes Downfall in this shell because it can give you a little bit of uh, of devotion. But I'm just not a fan of this shell. I don't think it's powerful enough for Pioneer. I think in its standard format. Uh, you know, it had really good threats, good removal, good card advantage, but there's so many more options available now. You know, Underworld Connections is really slow, really mana intensive because you're using up that land every single turn uh, to get going. It's a really good, like, strong engine going long because it just keeps drawing you cards and you have Grey Merchant and Gifted born to gain life. But it's just get pretty slow for this format. Uh, so, and, and I also think Packrat is slow. I think Packrat is actually just one of the most overrated cards of all time. It was incredible and limited. But when it came to Constructed, like, you weren't winning that many games by just going turn two Packrat all in on it. That actually didn't happen. When I was playing this matchup, you know, the better Mono Black players were the ones that were using their removal early. And then on turn five, they would go Packrat, make a Packrat. So your removal spell didn't matter or you needed two of them. Uh, and you could turn the corner really quickly, make you know maybe two more pack rats the next turn if you had a six land and the cards in hand, and the game was over immediately. It was a great turn the corner threat that could sometimes give you that option, but it wasn't just this art, like you know unbeatable threat. It's a two mana one one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I gotta say this, I gotta agree with you that like I'm not the biggest fan of this version of the deck, but I do think there's something here at the core of what's going on. And I liked the other mono black decks that we covered as well, so. I definitely think there's something here and you could definitely not go wrong by messing around with this kind of deck.
1: Yeah, I just prefer to be more aggressive now and tighten up the curve uh, and be a real devotion deck. If you want to be a good one, oh, play some Sultai. Sultai has great tools, like our last deck. This is
0: Yeah, speaking of Sultai, <laughs>
1: This is Parker Drake. Uh, pretty typical Sultai. Curve's going a little bit higher. They're playing the Scarab God. Not sure how much I like that, but again, there's there's very little you can do to go wrong with this deck. We're A little black heavier to play Castle Lockthwain, enabled by an Urb That's an interesting addition um, to this deck. You already have a lot of card advantage. I guess this deck's actually very Golgari. We're only touching blue for Oko and the Scarab God, uh, so something like Dig Through Time wouldn't be appropriate. So I kind of like shoehorning in a little bit of extra card advantage here. Uh, a nice little addition there. Not a big fan of the grim flares. Uh, I think you can. Come yeah, I that. can
0: see that. Yeah, they're a little harder to turn on in this in this kind of deck. Like you're not going to hit delirium as much as the other ones. But I will. I would like to say I, I was wondering if scarab god would be good in this format or not. I mean, it's definitely a, a breaker in the like mid ranges type decks. But with everyone having oko, I'm not sure how much I like having scarab god as like you know your big play yeah. because. You need to have, like, nine mana for it to be good. I agree.
1: I'm not a fan of the Scarab God, uh, for sure. I am a fan of this card in the sideboard. If you look down and see two Yeheni's Expertise, you're, yeah, you're turning secret. all their creatures into Elks. Then you cast...
0: Oh, actually, that's a yeah. good point. Yeah. You can
1: also, against an aggressive deck, like cast Yeheni's Expertise on four, and then cast Oko off of the ability, and now you have an Oko on an empty battlefield so that's pretty cool i like that as a sweeper in the sideboard of these mid-range decks i would like a little bit more if we had some corsair crew fixes that also yeah yeah
0: i definitely agree with that i mean this version you can tell this person just really wanted to grind with three scare got four tireless tracker they were looking to play long games
1: okay so that it wraps up our uh, thoughts on every single one of these 137 deck lists how are you feeling are you are you tired
0: Uh, I'm not tired. I'm tired of sitting in this chair.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, we'll, my
0: dog really wants to go play.
1: (laughs) We'll wrap it up reasonably quickly. I think there's uh, four points I want to make for as far as big picture. One, we'll start with the first one. And that is, you know, based on what we've seen here and what we saw on the challenge, what are the really popular decks right now in the Pioneer metagame that people need to be watching out for, building their sideboards for? And to me, I see five, I would say, sort of tier one shells. There's these base Azorius control decks. Uh, we saw a lot of those and a lot of different builds of them. Planeswalker heavy, more, you know, instant flash heavy. We saw a lot of red aggro decks, often splashing green for Tarkus Command. We saw a lot of cat combo decks, you know, uh, mainly with, you know, mid-range shells with Goose, Oko, Teferi. We saw a lot of green devotion. And we saw a lot of salt midrange mid-range decks, sort of basic Golgari, because they have the sort of the best disruption. The Thoughtseize, Abrupt Decay, Fatal Push kind of package. So I think those are your five most powerful decks, our, our most popular decks and it's a good spread we got a midrange deck a ramp deck an aggro deck a control deck and a combo deck we're hitting everything
0: sounds, yeah it sounds like a good format to me and honestly you can each one of these decks is malleable within the deck to kind of like if i think i'm going to play against this you know this part of the meta game more then there's some stuff i can do so i think the, the this meta game is looking pretty healthy yeah
1: it looks very diverse so far um nothing really super dominant which is nice and those are the you know um that's that's a really good sign. Uh, so uh, I'm happy with the initial results here, and uh, I'm happy to also just have some targets you know, when I'm brewing decks. You know, most when I'm brewing and everything's new, I'm just sort of going off the walls, uh, and it's a lot easier for me personally when I have some targets in mind. It's like, okay, I need to be beating these removal spells and these threats. So what is what's the kind of card that can really position well here, and then start from there, uh, and that really helps me. So I'm happy to have this base to start working from.
0: Yeah. Exactly the same. I got to agree everything. And speaking of another base to start working from, do you want to talk about the uh, challenge for a moment in the deck that won and the decks that were like super popular?
1: That is my next point. So we have the most popular decks. What are the successful decks given this metagame? That's where I think the challenge is helpful. You know, this is a really competitive tournament, a lot of good players in it, and everybody's really trying to win. Uh, You know, people are trying to play their best decks instead of just messing around with stuff. And this challenge had a lot of soul tie, a lot of cat combo, and then is it Phoenix making multiple copies in the top eight? So some of the more popular decks, and then is it Phoenix among one of the less popular decks doing well? So that might be an underrated deck. I think it's quite good against the green devotion decks. I think it's got good interaction against the cat combo decks. Might be a little weak to Sultai because it's threat uh, light, and it did lose to Sultai in the finals of that challenge. But is it Phoenix? Definitely uh, a deck to watch out for. And then if you look a, a little bit further down the standings in the top 16, you see a lot of green devotion decks. I think that deck was quite powerful, but I also think it was the most known quantity going in. I saw a lot of hype for that deck last week after I played it on Versus Live, and so I think that was a deck that people were really targeting you know, more than an, uh, any other uh, going into the challenge, so it suffered a little, a little bit from that. As people focus more on beating some of these other decks that succeeded, you might see it rebound a little. So I would say those four uh, look to be quite good, and then the red aggro decks and the blue white control decks a little bit behind maybe.
0: No, I definitely agree with you. I was about to say the, the Red Ogre decks look to underperform a little bit. And I kind of expected the finishes from the, the blue control decks, because like you were saying, when you were brewing, there was nothing to really aim at. And now I think those decks are going to get a little bit better. You know, they understand the metagame a little more. They're seeing what decks are going to be popular in these tournaments. Like you're seeing, you know, just a ton of soul tie. And is it at the top along with, you know, some sprinklings of other decks? And now you get to kind of uh, know your enemy. And you can you can you know fix those four or five cards in your deck and make them a little more streamlined, and you may see control do a little bit better. But definitely the bigger losers out of this, the Pioneer Challenge, were the 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 bluish base control decks and the the red decks for sure.
1: Yeah, uh, you know red is also like an easy deck to target. Everybody knew there was going to be red decks, so I think a with Green Devotion, probably a heavily targeted deck, um, but still definitely a competitive one. Now I want to get into cards or not cards, but decks that might be a little bit underrated right now, and I have two. Uh, both decks that showed up in multiple different you know shells uh in uh high numbers in this deck dump the first are these heroic shells and mainly the boros list with feather i think those decks are quite good and there's some you know room to maneuver with them and then the artifact aggro you know and soul artifact shrapnel blast and all that glitters you know playing copter ginger brew Bomat courier those kind of decks i think both of those are underrated right now and that's definitely uh two of the shells that i would want to work on
0: 100% agree with you. I think the one that I'm most excited about is the artifact decks. Okay. I think they're really cool. Um, it's kind of a harking back to a deck that did very well in a standard format and has gained some extra pieces from here or there. So there's no reason why that deck shouldn't be a player.
1: Yeah. You got anything to add there? Any decks you think are a little bit underrated?
0: I was going to say the the artifact deck a little bit. And I would like to see maybe the the like the spirits decks that yeah. shy away from Collected Company maybe. Like maybe that that deck just makes your mana too bad and I think there's ways for you to beat these decks especially uh, the uh, the Phoenix decks yeah. for sure. No, we
1: saw a lot a lot of those uh, Spirit decks so that's a good choice. I think that one could be quite good. I think Spellcaller is really good in this format.
0: Yeah, the, the more I'm seeing it like I like Spellcaller against a lot of this stuff especially... Uh, if you have to play a deck with Spell color plus to I think it could be really, really good against a lot of these decks too. Okay,
1: and finally, we'll wrap up with individual cards that we think were winners or losers from the weekend. Uh, you know, there's a lot of hyped cards coming into the set that were really good in their respective standard formats, and I think we have a, a you know a pretty clear picture of which ones are succeeding right now in Pioneer and which ones aren't. I have a list of five that are succeeding that are successes. Uh, yeah, go ahead. But the obvious ones: Felidar Guardian. Smuggler's Copter, Oko, Teferi, and then Nyssa, uh, who shakes the world, was is just a key card in these green devotion decks. Those five cards, you know, and maybe you can lump Oko and Teferi together because we often see them together uh, outside of Sultai, uh, are you know big pillars of the format along with maybe Thoughtseize and the good cheap removal. Those are cards that have looked really, really good. Uh, you know, I think Felidar Guardian might be on the short list to be banned. Um, if but it doesn't look to be overpowered, so maybe it sticks around. Uh, you got any more you think uh you think have been quite good?
0: Yeah, I gotta say the ones that I think that have gone up are, and they're gonna you're gonna see a color theme here. Or thoughtsees, fatal push, abrupt decay, and gilded goose. I think gilded goose impressed the crap out of me in a lot of these decks. Um, making the food token that can also be used for other things, like just for other value, is something that could be very good. And I just think abrupt decay is very good these are all cards that i think that you can get four ofs in your collection and you're never going to be mad about having those for your pioneer collection like they're just going to be staples of the format for a long time like they're they're never getting banned out of the format and i just think they're going to be part of what is like the the best mid-range deck for a long time um other than that like just the cards you mentioned pretty much and then just a couple of the cards out of the phoenix decks you know i didn't think we'd be seeing decks with four Lightning Axe doing this well. And Lightning Axe looks to be very good in this format.
1: I agree. Lightning Axe definitely, uh, that one caught me by surprise. These others are cards that I expected to be good. Right. Uh, Axe definitely one that caught me by surprise. As far as losers on the weekend, I've only really got two and they're pretty big losers. The first one is Emrakul, The Promised End. These Delirium Shells haven't been doing as well. We, we didn't see a lot of them. I think it's just a little slow and kind of hard to cast for this format, you know, hard to get to, you know, eight, nine mana, 10 mana to cast it. Games aren't going that long uh, and it's hard to get stuck with that kind of card in your hand. Uh, they're just better ways to sort of take over the game. And then uh, an, a standard favorite from any Siege Rhino. Uh, you know, I think it's good against aggressive decks, but that's about it. You know, it gets turned into, it gets turned into an elk. It's like the four or five body isn't super relevant. They're just, um. I think it. If you go through these deck lists and you look really closely, you don't see a lot of four and five mana cards. I think curves are really concentrated in the one through three area. You definitely see fours and fives, uh, and you see more of them out of like ramp decks and things like that. But in your mid range decks, in your aggro decks, uh, you know curves aren't going that high, and that is typical when we get bigger formats. Curves condense. A lot of one, in, you know, in Legacy it's all zeros, ones, and twos. You don't really see that many threes. Uh, you know, in in modern, it, it is also pretty condensed. You go up to three a bit, uh, but not really, not much into four, unless they're really powerful cards. You know, like Crackling Drake. Uh, and, and in Pioneer, yeah, you get to four a little bit, but they need to be good fours still. Uh, and Siege Rhino just doesn't seem to be you know, up to snuff, and it, it really it has to do a lot with the fact that Sultai has overtaken Abzan. The the, the printing of Oka really helped that color combination. You got a lot of good counter spells in your sideboard. White is really weak in this format. and The removal is bad. And not, not a lot of the gold cards are great. So there's not a lot of reason to be Abzan. So Rhino just it's just not there. Sorry. About no, I thinking. definitely agree with
0: you. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got two myself. I'll go on the uh, the four drop theme. The first one for me, Aetherworks Marble. A uh, big loser on the weekend. We didn't see it do very well. We didn't see a ton of lists in the five O's with it being very good. Um, you know, we saw Jerry Thompson write an article about it, like possibly taking over the format and maybe it does at some point, but as of right now, the format does not seem like it's lending itself to be taken over by Aetherworks Marvel. And then the other one for me, this is a kind of a weird one to say, but I'm going to say Grimflare um, a lot of press going on to that one from the green black decks. Cause a lot of people thought, you know, with abrupt, Yeah. With abrupt decay, fatal push Thoughtsies being so good that Grimflare would be good, but it seems like, The versions of the green, black and green, black, blue decks that are doing well are not playing Grim because if you think about it, you're playing a two, two for two mana that usually gets uh, trades for a card that costs one. And then if you do make it a four, four, you're kind of going through hoops and putting some more uh, not as impactful cards in your deck that we're seeing on the other one, So I definitely would if it was the mirror, I definitely wouldn't be on the version that doesn't have Grim Flare.
1: Yeah. Two really good uh, choices. I think there, I agree completely, both quite disappointing. I was skeptical. It work Marvel going in, so I'm not too surprised to do Same. that well. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I very much agree. So I think that's going to wrap it up for us. You want to yeah, take us? yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I got a couple things to talk about. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Cast Pioneer. Uh, you know, we're pretty active on the Twitter there. We retweet a lot of deck lists, talk about a lot of stuff, and we post links to um, a lot of things on there, like our actual podcast. You know, if you're trying to find exactly which version of the podcast you want to listen to, we should be on every major uh, platform. We got one of the last ones working, uh, yesterday. It It was the last one that was fighting against us quite bad. Also in there, you can see a link to our Discord. Our Discord family is getting bigger and bigger by the day. Ross and I are pretty active in there, but we don't even need to be. Everyone in there is talking up a ton and there's a ton of ideas going back and forth a lot of people are like hey help improve my deck like what do you think about these deck choices and people are talking about oh you know this card might be better in this one so a lot of cool discussions going on in there in pioneer plus there's a lot of stuff you know non-pioneer even non-magic related going on in there we got like a sports section a video game section a tv section so we're talking about a lot of cool stuff also there is one section in there that You can only be a part of if you're a Patreon of our podcast, and we really appreciate if you decided to do that. Right now, we have a 2 and a $5 tier. Um, There's a couple things available to you on the $2 tier. You get access to the exclusive Discord channel, and you will receive tournament deck lists each event that Ross or I participate in. So if there's an event coming up this weekend, we'll either post the event, the deck that we're playing, or what we would play, you know, something along those lines. The $5 tier has everything the $2 tier does, but you also get to submit questions to be answered on the podcast, and you get... All the stuff that we said in the in the, the, the $2 tier, plus we have a little bit of a surprise in the works. Don't want to announce it just yet. Going to get a little bit of a tease. Maybe make you gir- guys and girls uh, want to try to join that a little bit sooner. But yeah.
1: Always move them wanting more.
0: Yeah, exactly. And just for the price of one visit to Starbucks, you could help us uh, You know, pay our wonderful editor, uh, pay for the music that we have on the show and all the recording stuff that we have to use as well. Uh, we are
1: working him hard this week, by the yeah. way. So yeah, a nice to-
0: make sure you give Brent some love. If you're in the discord or on Twitter, you'll see him uh, kind of, you know, uh, Brent Wagner. He's kind of helping out a lot with this stuff. I don't say kind of, he is helping out a lot, doing a ton of work because this episode has at three hours and 30 minutes almost. So I'm going to try to end it here, but we're sorry for, but we wanted to make sure that we got everything out since the first week of, of pioneer. We wanted to give you all as much information as we possibly could. So, uh look for this kind of stuff in the future i'm thinking tuesdays are going to be when this stuff's going to be dropping if they're going to keep putting out deck lists on mondays and stuff too so look for that in the future we'll definitely let you know ross if people wanted to hear more from you or watch you more where would they go
1: i am uh, on twitter at ross hunnids that's R O S S H U N N E D S. Uh, you can find me there, ask me questions. I'm pretty active and I try to get back to people. Uh, I write an article every week on StarCityGames.com. They go up on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. This week's article is all about devotion decks in Pioneer and you know, building around Nykthos as well. So if you're into devotion, there's a lot of cool deck lists there, a lot of good ideas. I recommend you uh, check that one out. And I also am a co-host of Versus Live along with Corey Baumeister. That is a show that airs from 1 to 4 Eastern time. Uh, on Tuesdays and Thursday afternoons. Uh, So you can catch that live. Ask us questions. We're playing a lot of Pioneer right now. If you can't catch the episodes live, the Tuesday shows do go up on YouTube on Friday, and the Thursday shows go up the following Monday, so you can catch them on the Star City Games YouTube channel as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter. I'm very, very active on there. Probably have a problem, actually. Uh, it's under the Tannen Grace. I'm really active on there and under our uh, at Cast Pioneer, the, the actual one for our podcast. Uh, you could also find me in the Discord. I'm in there quite a bit as well. Um, And if you want to hear some more of us, like I said, usually recording on Monday nights, uh, that might change in the future depending on how the timeline goes with a lot of the uh, Pioneer stuff. So we'll have to see, but you can hear more of us usually on like Tuesday morning whenever we get it out on all of your favorite podcast mediums. As for that, thanks for listening to this unbelievably long and in-depth episode. But Ross and I had a ton of fun bringing it to you and look for more of this great stuff in the future. We'll see you then.